This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. begin a marathon of broadcasting all weekend long, where WABC, the acronym stands for always broadcasting Curtis. As you know, Monday through Fridays, I take you on your lunch hour extravaganza right after the Bill O'Reilly update, 15-minute update from 12 to 12.15, and then it's 45 minutes of lunch. With yours truly on WABC, where I do a rip and read and commentary no calls. But this is the time where I open up the phone lines because it's your turn to be heard. That's right. It's you who make this show happen. There are no guests. Uh, It's limited to your ability to speak to me and our audience, which is now reaching 38 states, parts of Canada, a little sliver of Europe. And uh, right on down to Davy Jones's uh, locker in the Bermuda Triangle. That's the power of the 50,000 powerful watts of sound. But if you're good and you got a lot to say and a lot to get off your mind and your chest, I let you talk, sometimes endlessly. If you're just going to hit me with a soundbite and regurgitate and repeat what 10 other people have said, oof to you, I give you a brisk. But the reality is only about 1% of the people who listen to talk radio ever even bother to call a talk radio station. Only 1%. And we change those dynamics here on the Curtis Lewis Show. Oh, yeah. It's call generated. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Pump it up there. Oh, we gonna rock down to Electric Avenue. And then we'll take it higher. 
The Mama Luke is back. Frank Morano. His trip to uh, Hawaii. Keep that music going. Come on. By now, Dizzy Izzy, you know I do shows a little differently than everybody else. I need the motivation. I need the sound because it's synergistic. Synergistic. It conflates with the calls. It conflates with what I'm saying. And it conflates with the very issue that we're talking about on the AM side, the monster side, the active-minded side, 770 AM WABC. It's our discronificator that is scrambling the signals of your calls. And then our sister station out in uh, East uh, Long Island, WLIR. Oh, yeah, then it's our spectrometer that is scrambling those FM signals and conflating them all in... To our phone system here where uh, Avery, who is our phone screener and overnight producer, is going through those calls. And we're looking for the first-time callers, too. Remember, same old, same old, hey. Okay, I get it. You like to be a yenta, male or female yenta. You like to hear yourself talk. But, hey, it's about time. We sort of introduce our whole generation of talk radio talkers, not just listeners. By the way, with uh, Frank Morano back, I think we'll touch on Frank Morano tonight. You know, he's probably all fatigued, uh, too pooped to pop, coming back from Oahu and Kauai. Uh, and I bet you it's Amor Amor in the Morano household. I understand that his beautiful wife, Rachel, has welcomed him home to their casa uh, with a new cheese-scented nail polish from Velveeta. And you know Frank, he is a fromage man. Oh, he loves the fromage from France. He's such a freak about cheese that his wife Rachel figured he's not really interested in the urge to merge anymore. He's, you know, he's doing all these uh, ancillary things. And the baby keeps us up, 36 pounds, and he is Carmine now. So she figured she would try the new cheese-scented nail polish... That has Velveeta in it. And you know, Frank, that probably is like, wow, that energizes his libido. Other than that, Viagra doesn't help him. And then he's all, he, he's got a new, a new campaign, which is to extend the happy hour much longer than an hour. Oh, that's his new pension. He's trying to get an initiative and referendum to uh, turn the happy hour into three hours this coming summer because he says it will help in the recovery of the nation and the attitude of the nation and more Americans will be half in the bag like Frank Morano. Uh, you know, I don't want to talk about Frank Morano this morning. Uh, we'll talk about him uh, 12 hours from now. And, oh, man, we will talk about him big time as we got a lot of intel from that trip to Hawaii. Uh, his uh, sit-down with Tulsi Gabbard. Understand, she's in town as we speak, Tulsi Gabbard. Has he gotten the interview yet? <laughs> or has she continued to tease him? By the way, not getting enough sleep every night can make a person find other people around them uglier. Uh, I don't know that to be true. I believe, hey, you get enough sleep when you're dead because there's nothing else to do. Ah, we'll hold off on all of this. We'll hold off on all of this. First off, uh, hold on a second. Uh, do we have uh, Anthony and the Imperials there, Dizzy Izzy? I want you to find Anthony and the Imperials. If you don't find it, I will be very upset. 
I don't care what song it is of the great doo-wop, acapella singer. Uh, you got to find me an Anthony in the Imperials and play it underneath. I need that motivation. I need that synergy. I need, I need to be able to flow. And don't tell me you don't have it because I've heard Cousin Brucey play it many times. I've heard his uh, protege, Vinny Maduna, the new Staten Island kid, the rising star of Staten Island play it. And I've heard Tony Orlando without Dawn play it. So don't tell me Tizzy Izzy. Now, you don't have Anthony in the Imperials. I don't care. There's a whole group of songs. Let's see what you got here. Hmm. I know you. Oh, this is good. This is good. Don't know what I'm going Very good, Dizzy Izzy. Uh, yes. Standing here looking at you. And I got to tell you, if you were one of the 18,000 standing room only crowd at the PNC Bank Arts Center last night, Thursday night, uh, you uh, had a great round of entertainment provided by the MC extraordinaire himself, Cousin Brucey, a.k.a. Bruce Erbaro. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. It was uh, Little Anthony without the Imperials, although he had quite the backup group. Uh, The 1910 Fruit Gum Company. And then Tommy James and the Shandells. And then right at the beginning of it, I arrived uh, with uh, Nancy, my beautiful wife, the cat rescuer extraordinaire, animal welfare expert. And I noticed that all of you, you were like uh, up on your feet. You were applauding me, I tell you. Whoa, you would have thought that I was the mayor of the city of New York. In your minds, it really didn't matter. Because you know Eric Adams, the swagger man, has no plan. And uh, he wouldn't have come to Homedale because you weren't trendoids. You weren't freakazoids. You weren't jet setters like J-Lo or the Jersey Housewives or Paris Hilton. We'll talk about that later on because uh, the swagger man has no plan. He is the mayor of nightlife. But when it comes to street life, his approval rating is 29%. Lower than President Joe Biden at 33% and uh, Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb at 36%. But anyway, let me applaud all of you. I'd like any of you who were in that massive crowd yesterday of 18,000 plus. I mean, there was standing room only. Whether you were from Pennsylvania, Connecticut, New York, or New Jersey, people traveled so far to be there. Give us a call. Let me know what your experiences were last night. Because I got to tell you, uh, it rattled my cage. It really was great. And by the way, it was free, F-R-E-E, the best part of it, right? Well, let's face it, you had to take a reverse mortgage and probably a payday loan to pay for $5 plus a gallon of gas to get there. Then you get ripped off on the Garden State Parkway or if you're coming on the Atlantic City Expressway first or the New Jersey Turnpike. You know, they're basically extorting money out of you at the tolling locations. So uh, to get off at exit 114, uh, not the Express to Asbury. No, 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 because, uh, you know, some of you uh, Gabons, you got off at Asbury Park. And not to stop at the uh, rest stops, the convenience stops uh, along the way in the Garden State Parkway, which uh, are owned by Vladimir Putin. That's right, Luke Oil. 
As I told some of you, uh, if you ran out of gas, try to siphon gas first from a parked car. I mean, that's what we used to have to do when there was gas shortages back when uh, Jimmy Carter was the president 40 years ago, right? Ah, that, that reminds you. Yeah, take your garden hose and start siphoning gas. Although it's kind of hard. You got lock caps. You got all these gizmos now on the cars that we didn't have before with the muscle cars. But I told you, if you ran out of gas, don't buy Luke Oil. Don't support Putin's war against uh, Zelensky and the Ukraine. And I think a uh, few of you adhered uh, to what I said. The other thing we'll uh, discuss is um, grocery stores play boring music so that you spend more dollars in the aisle. <laughs> and now with the inflation, the Biden inflation, although he still says it's Putin's inflation, you spend three times more. We're going to dissect and bisect all of that. But I'd love to hear from any of you who came to that magnificent concert, yes, just last night of Cousin Brucie, and how I tried to bogart the proceedings by jumping up on the stage and taking the mic from Cousin Brucie. Uh, he was a bit stunned that I was talking for so long. Hey, I'm from Brooklyn. Hey, Brucie, you're from Brooklyn. You graduated Madison High School. You're a male yenta. I'm a male yenta. I came out of Canarsie. He got it. He got it. We spoke backstage afterwards. He said, you're a real ham. I said, yeah. And you know, I have the Krakus ham with the Kosciuszko mustard on it. Not Kosciuszko, Kosciuszko. And that reminds me, because I'm not just here sitting uh, and growing particles on my backside. I'm out and about. And before the program tonight, uh, I and my wife and my oldest son, Anthony, we went out to Middle Village for the Pulaski Parade Committee annual dinner honoring the Grand Marshal of the 2022 Parade, which will take place in October, and the Miss Polonia. Yeah, all there. Oh, it was so good in Middle Village tonight. I, I saw so many of you who came up to meet and greet me and say to me as you grabbed those, uh, those buttons and those stickers that people were giving out, don't blame me, I voted for Sliwa. Oh, that was... That was big Sliwa country there. Maspeth, Glendale, uh, and naturally Middle Village. But it was a magnificent gathering. Uh, They were raising the roof. And my son Anthony was still in the show. You know, he went to his prom just two days uh, ago. He's graduating in another week. He was like dancing like a a whirling dervish. uh, Incredible. And I said to him, I said, hey, too bad. Too bad, kid, I, I couldn't dance like you. Wink, wink, nod, nod. He had no idea what a dance master extraordinaire I used to be, but I let him feel for the moment that he could teach his old man a few steps, he thinks. <laughs> Although they didn't have a Polish poker. A lot of people don't realize that many years ago I went to uh, Valhalla, In Westchester, with that huge dam that any minute looks like it could spring a leak. And it was the annual uh, Polish-American festival there, and I competed in the the dance contest. Yeah, the Polish folk, I finished second. Now, they said they rigged the vote because I was being voted on that time to become Grand Marshal of the annual Pulaski Day Parade, and I did in 2000. Uh, But I don't believe that. I think uh, it was innate to me. Polish on my father's side, Chester. About A's, Italian on my mother's side. Do the Tarantella on one side, do the Polish polka on the other. Have kielbasa, uh, 
and uh, oh, pierogies on one side, and then sausage and uh, uh, raviolis on the other side. It's almost the same. It's almost the same. It's dependent on if they're sinkers or if they're floaters. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's start out with a blast and go to Michael in New York. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. Nice to talk to you, Curtis. Listen, I didn't make it out to the show, but I do have a question about something else, though. And that is, how come your shows, not all of them, have been getting uploaded to the WABC app in the podcast app? But everyone else, during the day, within minutes of them finishing... All of them already posted up. Wow. So, like, last, last week, all on the podcast and WABC app, it's yours from last Sunday. It's only an only hour and 49 minutes. Then you got, like, the 30th, the 29th, and then, like, the 23rd, it skips, and it's only, like, an hour and a half, two hours, you know? But when I go back and listen to your old, you know, episodes, uh, they're all long five hours four and a half hours but lately it takes like a month of sundays for your stuff to go up why is that wow michael that is good information uh good information because i believe that i have been subject to uh here at wabc especially from frank morano who knows that i'm on his heels he's the ratings leader here he has 20 radios uh that are tuned to him when he does the other side of midnight when I do the other, other, other side of midnight uh, from 12 to 6 uh, Saturday morning, that's now, and then 12 hours, excuse me, 24 hours later, 12 to 6 Sunday morning, uh, there are 17 radios out of 100 tuned to me, but I'm gaining quickly now that I'm also doing 12, 15 to 1 uh, every uh, afternoon during lunchtime after Bill O'Reilly. So I think uh, he's paranoid, he's neurotic, he always has been. And uh, as uh, our board operator who came out of retirement from uh, Fort Myers where he shared a re, uh, a retirement home with the great Warner Wolf, great sportscaster, uh, Broadway Bill Lee. Oh, an iconic figure at WCBS-FM for years. I think uh, what it is, Michael, is Frank realizes if people listen to my full podcast, if they haven't listened to it before, it gets counted towards the ratings. So I think he has taken a brisk to them or figured out some way to eliminate large parts of the program. So it appears there's something there, but not the full program. Right, Mike? Not the full program, but I mean a large chunk of it and complete days are missing from it. Lately, the old ones, like I said, back in the day, they all got posted, the whole show. But now lately it takes forever. Sometimes it takes the whole week to hear your episode your live show from the last week. Wow, a- Avery, Avery, you're supposed to be guardian uh, guardian of this as our uh, overnight producer. And you, I'm surprised, Bill Lee, uh, you know, you're losing some of your stuff. Uh, how come How come Frank Morano's crew, you know, Matt, Alex, uh, all the rest of that rabble, are able to chip away at our podcast? I mean, th- th- nobody else has that happening to them, right, Michael? Nobody. Everyone, everyone. Greg Kelly, as soon as he's done, it gets thrown up on the app. As soon as Dominic Carter's done on both of his time slots, it always gets thrown up. Everyone. How do you Even like Frank that? Even Frank Morano's episodes, all of his 
get posted. Oh, up, of course, because he, he's the golden child. He can do no wrong. Oh, my God. There's a form of idolatry around. Oh, whatever Frank wants. Frank gets, Frank wants to take off for two months. Oh, no problem. We'll accommodate him. Well, you ain't going to be playing the best stuff because that's only the worst stuff. I don't care whose program it is. I will bogart anybody here when they try to play the best stuff. I'll say, I'm ready. I'm ready to do a live show. You don't have to, oh, yeah, but it's so much easier. Yeah, but it's so much worse, too. And that's not serving our many listeners. Good looking out, Michael. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to the state of live free or die, libertarians uh, forever. New Hampshire and Pete, your turn to be heard at WABC, Pete. Hey, Curtis, we all love you up here in northern New Hampshire. We love your show, bro. And uh, Frank Morano's a moron. After, when Frank Morano comes on, we all turn the radios off. We don't want to hear about him no more, number one. Number two is uh, you should have been mayor, number three. And uh, Showboat Adams, he ain't doing uh he ain't doing nothing. Eric Adams is a dud. Oh, my God. This is the worst fall from uh, being the new face of the Democratic Party. Uh, Michael Bloomberg, his uh, uh, Medici, his benefactor. In fact, Eric Adams uh, was such a patron of Michael Bloomberg that after one of our debates, I believe it was the debate at uh, ABC Channel 7 Studios, he went over right. to the Fortune Society annual dinner where Michael Bloomberg was being honored. They do a very good job in, in sort of getting back on track, men and women who've been incarcerated, finding them work, uh, finding them a place to live so they can become self-sufficient. And then Eric Adams gets up and introduces uh, Michael Bloomberg, and he goes, uh, Michael Bloomberg is like Jesus who walked across the Sea of Galilee. I said, what the hell is this? This is kissing us big time. All for the Bloomy dollars. All to get the Bloomy dollars. Hey, you know what I tell Bloomy? You know what I tell Bloomy? Oofah to you. You know what I fantasize about? Oh, I fantasize about many things. Killing some people like I did in uh, actually Jungle Jenny Wilson's class, PS 114, and she caught me cold busted. What are you making that list for, Curtis? I said these are people who are bothering me. You know, Supreme Cuisines, Jadrules, guys... uh, I'd like to wipe out. What? 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 And nowadays, right? They'd have a lockdown in PS 114. I'd be in chains and shackles. They'd call a red flag alert on me. Red? Well, that's my color anyway, the Guardian Angels. But you see, I digress. It caused me to digress there. Let me just say that Eric Adams' fall from grace has been the quickest in the history of mayoralties in the city of New York. He is now at an approval rate of 29%. No mayor, including de Blasio, Dinkins, Beam, Lindsay, the worst mayors, ever plunged to 29% approval rating. And that's lower than Joe Biden at 33%. In fact, President Joe Biden uh, picked up the phone and said, Eric, can you do me a solid? Don't go around saying you're the Biden of Brooklyn because <laughs> it's, ta- it's killing me. And then his pal, Kathy Crimewave Hochul, Make that hokum because she's full of nonsense. She's at 36%, and they're all trending down. But, uh, Pete, in New Hampshire and everywhere else, you have to listen to Frank Morano. You need to listen four hours each morning 
Monday through Friday. So that's 20 hours all week, including all those business updates. You never know if he's slipping a Mickey in there. And uh, you got to write him out. You got to report to me. You got to let me know what he is saying because the crime is so bad. I'll give you an example uh, tonight. Guardian Angels were on patrol, as we are each and every day in this uh, crime wave, especially in the subways. We're going to go through quite a few of those uh, subway crimes later on because there's no there's no cops in the subways. And crime is out of control, Eric Adams, who's too busy over at uh, Club Zero Bond raising the roof trying to keep up with the uh, TikTok uh, girls and the Kardashians. But tonight at 1030, as I was arriving here from Middle Village uh, and the uh, Pulaski Parade Committee dinner, it was 1030. And the Guardian Angels were on patrol of the uh, where the two train meets the four train, 149th Street Grand Concourse. Saw a guy, an enemy of society, take out a kitchen knife, kitchen knife, and was menacing two girls. So they disarmed him slammed him, which he deserved, and cuffed him. Cops came, took him to 161st Street, which is the nearest transit police uh, precinct, down there where the D train is. And uh, you would have thought, okay, good bust, right? Guys menacing two women uh, with a knife. Nope. Uh, this enemy of society, God only knows how many, uh, how many priors he has, received a summons for possession of a weapon, and they turned him loose. Turned him loose. Now, <clears throat> do we blame the judges for that? No. Do you blame the DEA of the Bronx, who's hopelessly bla- bad, Clark? No. Do you blame uh, Hokum for that? No. You blame Eric Adams, whose police commissioner, Sewell, should be telling all the NYPD cops whether they're assigned to transit or housing, or NYPD, enforce the law, make the arrest. If the DA isn't going to charge, that's one thing. But we're going to do our job. What the hell? You're, you're menacing two women with a kitchen knife, and all you get from that is a summons for possession of a weapon after the guardian angels come upon you, disarm you, slam you, and cuff you. But then again, that's New York City, Eric Adams, 2022. Let's go to uh, Elena, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Elena. Good evening, Curtis. Good evening, Elena. Uh, Curtis, can will you accept a few accolades from me? Um, are you going to chew my shorts, my BVDs, and pull my chain? No, 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 no. I won't go that far. But you are my radio five-star general. Wow. Wow. Not even a one-star general, a five-star general. Wait a minute. Let me give you a few stars. You're a great radio announcer. Mm. I love listening to you, your voice, your projection. I love it. Okay? I catch you during the day, and I catch you at night. Good. I like that. Okay. Now, let me give you a few more stars. Dancer, listen, I'll do the polka with you any day. Oh, my son, I was so proud of Anthony. I'm going to post it tomorrow. Uh, he was a dance master extraordinaire at that uh, Polish Pulaski uh, parade dinner in uh, Middle Village. He was magnificent. See? See? I'm sorry I missed it. <laughs> okay, uh, more stars. You are a great theater, radio theater person. Your theater, the mind is... 
See, people, you don't get to me by praising me excessively. Now, that works. Sid Rosenberg, oh, yeah, he's a peacock. Frank Morano, oh, God. He'll let you talk for 52 hours. Oh, yeah, yeah, praise Frank. Send me an email. Yeah, I'll post it. I'll share it with everybody. Let's see who else are the peacocks here. Oh, Greg Kelly. That's right. Lieutenant Colonel, our top gun, Greg Kelly, uh, loves to be stroked. Oh, Bo Snurdly, right? Who came up with the most ridiculous comparison. Oh, uh, ooh, wait a second. Uh, hold on a second. Oh, that's right. Oh, God. Oh, God. You know what Groovy said was better than Sly and the Family Stone? I couldn't believe he said that. Let's see if any of you have been paying attention to who Bo Snurdly said was a better group than uh, Sly and the Family Stone, and I've taken uh, umbrage to that ever since he said it, and he keeps saying it. Uh, for our first Curtis Sliwa booby prize tonight, which group was Bo Snurdly referring to? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. All night long, this is another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Oh, last night, Homedale, New Jersey, at the PNC Art Center. More than 18,000 of you, standing room only for Cousin Brucey's concert. And then, if you remember, I bogarted Cousin Brucey, jumped up on the stage and said, Hey, give me that microphone. That's right. He said, Wow, you're a real. Uh, he loved to hog the limelight. I said, Oh. I'm looking at the master, Cousin Brucey, with two boys from Brooklyn. And what do you think was the number one complaint of the many people that I spoke to in the crowd with my wife, Nancy? The cost of products, the cost of gas, inflation, inflation, inflation. And guess what? Nobody was blaming Vladimir Putin, who has now declared himself to be Peter the Great. They were blaming uh, mindless and without any guidance. President Joe Biden. Oh, uh, later on, we'll we'll play uh, some of what he had to say in Los Angeles as he basically was uh, telling everybody how good things are economically and job-wise and telling us, don't worry about this. It's a temporary blip, this kind of extraordinary, uh, just ever-increasing inflation. But let's go to Robert in Montclair, New Jersey, who seems uh, to think he has the trivia answer. Is that correct, Robert? That's correct, Curtis. And uh, who is uh, Bo Snurdly always insisting is a better group uh, than Sly and the Family Stone? Earth, wind, and fire. You couldn't be more hopelessly correct. You nailed it, Robert. I heard you say it the other day, Curtis. Yeah, and I say it every day because I expect him to defend his choice. He doesn't. He's running. In fact, he'll be on in a few hours from 7 to 10. I hope some of the callers will confront him and say, Bo Snurdly, how dare you say. Yeah, maybe I'll give him a call at 7 a.m. 
7 to 10. He's on three hours Saturday mornings, and then every Monday through Friday, he's on 4 to 5, right before John Katsimatidis and his roundtable discussion. No, no, definitely he needs to be confronted on that because he couldn't be more hopelessly wrong on that. I agree. Well, Robert, you stay on the line. You're entitled to your Curtis Lee or Booby Prize, Avery. Do due diligence. I don't want to hear from Robert weeks from now that he's still waiting for the Curtis Lee or Booby Prize. We're not going to blame Federal Express or DHL or UPS or United States Postal Service. Oh, we, sh- we should blame them because they're always slow as snails. But we're going to get you uh, that WABC baseball cap. It has the logo of the Curtis Sliwa show on it. Oh, yeah. That's what you're going to get, ladies and gentlemen. That's your booby prize. They won't let me send out my belly button lint any longer. The Department of Health of the City of New York, located in Chelsea, has sent me a letter. No, no, I'm 68, and I never got a letter from the Department of Health before warning me that uh, I would have to give them names uh, and numbers of people so they can do contract contact tracing because apparently AI have been diagnosed with some kind of socially transmitted diseases. I will admit I went crabbing as a youngster off the pier in Canarsie, but I did not get crabs. I've never had syphilis. I've never needed penicillin to get rid of that. I'm proud of that record. But I did finally get a letter, a very hostile letter from the Department of Health. had nothing to do with my refusal to wear masks. No, it had to do with the fact that I was... uh, Promising to send my belly button lint without it being properly vetted out for socially transmitted diseases. I mean, is that outrageous or what? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Michael who's calling from Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. Curtis. Yes, Michael. What's up, Paisan? Hey, you tell me. I, I I just have a comment, and I and I, no one has brought this up, and I feel like it should be mentioned. There's only one reason that you lost in the mayoral election, and uh, you know, two words: Juliet Huddy. You sat next to her for four years while she spewed anti-Trump hatred day after day after day and you sat there laughing you sat there stirring the pot people don't respect that now i don't know if, don't know if that, michael, that's a anybody God let, me, let me let me ask you a question guardian, michael guardian guardian angels everything that you've done 37 cats you're obviously a good guy this city would not be as screwed up as it was if you were there but you sat there every day for four years and she Every day, Trump, Trump, Trump. And you sat there doing nothing. You left. You never defended him once. And I don't care give a shit about Trump. Oh, 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 oh. See, Michael was on a roll. You notice I let him speak. I didn't cut him off like a lot of hosts or hostesses do. He, he's got the right to his own opinion. But I think he got a little carried away and he said something he should not have said. Uh, in the old days, they, if he was a Gentile, they would have pulled out the Fels nap the soap. Oh, the laundry soap would have washed his mouth out. His aunt, who 
or his mommy or grandma. Or if he happened to be uh, Jewish, the Rokish laundry soap, your kosher, of course, uh, to abide by all kosher regulations. But he was on a roll. He was, he was talking. I'm going to let him talk. Although uh, the Trumper vote did vote for me. Yeah, I crushed Fernando Mateo in the Republican primary 70 to 30. And he declared himself to be the Trump candidate. He had Lieutenant General Flynn campaigning with him. Didn't work because my Kumbadicic, Rudy Giuliani, was campaigning for me. I lost in the general election. I don't think it was Trump voters who voted against me. Can't imagine they voted for Adams. Uh, It's mostly because it's a very liberal and progressive city. Manhattan has become the most liberal and progressive. Look, they elected turn them loose Alvin Bragg. And if they had recall, we don't have recall. We should have recall. California has recall. New Jersey has recall. They don't use it as much, but they attempted a recall of Murphy, who calls everybody knucklehead in New Jersey, but Damascus that you are, instead of electing Citarelli, you decided you like being called knucklehead. So you gave him another four-year ride while he's half in the bag. Uh, that's the problem. We need recall here. And thankfully, um, I had a press conference the other day at City Hall with my Kumbadichet, Rudy Giuliani, and Andrew Giuliani, who the both of us are supporting in the Republican primary to become the candidate to beat uh, crime wave Kathy Holcomb. Uh, and we discussed that recall. I, Andrew said that he would call for recall elections. The Democrats are not going to want it because they have a supermajority in the Assembly, in the state Senate. Uh, They don't want recall. We could have used it against de Blasio when he went off uh, fighting against those uh, windmills like Don Quixote. And when he went to Iowa, where there are more pigs than people, and walked through the cornstalks trying to seek votes to become the Democratic nominee for president, he failed. Uh, South Carolina fish fries, he failed. Uh, Casino workers uh, while playing the slots in Vegas, he failed. Uh, And he could have been uh, subject to a recall. Probably would have been recalled. Like, uh, remember years ago, Gray Davis, who was the governor of California, they were having brownouts and blackouts. And from that, we ended up with Schwarzenegger as governor, a much better governor than Gray Davis. Uh, but look, Andrew Evilized Cuomo, when he was found to be the perv gov, and more importantly, responsible for the deaths of thousands of senior citizens that he had issued an executive order to send them from hospitals with COVID back to long-term nursing home units, he could have been subject to recall. And we probably would have recalled them. You get more than 50% of the vote, they're gone. And then it's a question of who gets uh, the most of the votes. Is usually a lot of candidates, and they replace them. That's the way it generally goes. Let's go if we can. Carol in Queens, your turn to be heard here on WABC, Carol. See what happened to Carol? Hello this evening. Yes, good evening. Can you hear me? Yes, loud and clear, Carol. I'm good, okay. No, I just wanted to thank you so much because at the top of your show, you played one of my favorite, favorite tunes. I'm going to walk down to Electric Governor. I was... Dancing around here. Wow. Thank you so much. Do now, you choose your own music? Yes, yes, I do. Now, Carol, let me ask you a question. How old are you, Carol? Old as the hills. Last month, I turned 75. Wow. Let me tell you something. Tonight, 
on the dance floor at the Middle Village Pulaski Parade Committee annual dinner. Uh, I think my son was the youngest. Anthony was 18. There was a woman who was like 94 doing the boogaloo oh, man, on the dance cool. floor. Remember that woman? Uh, remember that woman gold, from Golden Girls, the Sicilian older woman? She was the mother oh, of one of them. Cool. She was real short, right? Yeah, she looked just like her. She looked just <laughs> like her, Carol. I love it. And, love it. and by the way, she was part Bades. She had no Polish blood in her. I don't know what the hell she Check was doing. It out. <laughs> she heard the music. She came out. She was raising the roof. By the way, Curtis... I want you to succeed in in your in your race about uh, the the credits vis-a-vis the podcasts and stuff. Um, is there one person that puts them up, or can anybody just throw them up whenever? This is interesting. Uh, Michael, our first caller, pointed that out. How my podcasts are now being sabotaged. I believe by the Frank right, Morano crew. Heard that. Yeah, I, I well, think it's. Well, it wouldn't surprise me either. Yeah, it's Matt or Alex uh, or any of those slugs, uh, because you that's see. That's what I was going to say. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no. You see, if you listen to the full podcast, I get credit for that towards my rating. So right, if if right. they eliminate the full six hours and only give you an hour and a half. I don't get oh, the same good. rating. So you see, that's, right. that's part of Frank Morano's attempt to sabotage what I believe will lead to me being the ratings leader at WABC by our nation's birthday, July 4th. Here, 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 here. I'll even march for that. Thank <laughs> you. Now, you, you hear your song, Carol? Here it is. I do. Who is to blame in one country? Never can get to the one. I'm gonna rock down to Electric Avenue. <laughs> it's a great song. Great song. And by the way, so cool. you know, uh, our mayor, Eric Adams, is probably over at uh, Club Zero Bond now. Uh, oh, hanging out with you the TikTok. I know that it's all about the swagger. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll get him some swagger. That's for sure. Can you believe this guy? He's uh, later on. We're going to talk about how he was hanging out with J Lo, Paris Hilton, oh, great. the Jersey Housewives till like two o'clock in the morning. He's got to be kidding. I mean, who does he think he? Oh my God! No offense to anybody, but uh, he's not exactly. My man of the year type. No, 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 no. He's a uh, he's a bit rugged. Let's let's uh, be kind to him, right, Carol? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What the heck? You he's know, got, he's a bit rugged, and uh, he's what we call a metrosexual because he's in love with himself. You know, it's always the clothes. Uh, it's. Uh, oh, I know. And these are not suits off the rack, Carol. Like at Men's Wholesale Outlet. No, no, no. These are. Custom-made suits with Ferragamo shoes, and then he always has that handkerchief. You know, he's a metrosexual. A metrosexual, Carol. You know what I think we should do? Put put through some legislation or something to cut his salary so he can't buy so many of them. Well, Carol, he already cut his own salary. He said he wanted to be uh, paid in cryptocurrency oh, Bitcoin. Right. That that's currency right. is crashing. He wants everybody oh, right, to be paid. I heard that. That made me laugh. 
Right. He he wants everyone in the city to be paid he's in not- Bitcoin, which they're, they're, it's bad enough now with inflation. Uh, Bitcoin, right, right. blockchain, cryptocurrency crashing. Jay-Z is spending some of his money. He's going back to where he grew up, the Marcy Avenue Projects, Williamsburg, to do one thing, to train the children how they can eventually invest in Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. It's a it's a it's a Ponzi scheme. Unbelievable. Oh my word. Unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Anyway, do appreciate it, oh. Carol. Love this song, and Carol loves this song. And we'll take on the swagger man with no plan. Anytime he wants to raise the roof, Carol will outstep him, right? He says he does the boogaloo. Do we do we have the boogaloo cut, you know? Because he probably thinks that uh, that Carol does the one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, while he does the boogaloo at the Club Zero Bond till the break of dawn. This guy is all nightlife. Oh, wait, wait, do you hear later on in the program? All oh, the crime. Oh, I love that 15-year-old girl in St. Albans. Thank God she survived that shot going through her leg. 20 shots fired at her house by gangbangers outside. She was doing her homework at 11 o'clock at night at the dining room table. When I first heard that, I said, this this kid's a brainiac. She's got to go to those specialty schools. She does. Bronx High School of Science was doing her math homework. Uh, gangbangers got into a war outside. They exchanged 20 shots. 20 shell casings were found. Uh, most of them went through a house, the plate glass window, the door. One of them shot her in the leg. And uh, luckily she survived. But her father and mother, they're ready to move. They're ready to sell the house. And I loved her comment. She's on the debate team at Bronx High School of Science. Uh, and she said, you know... We constantly talk about Mayor Eric Adams that he's a laughing stock when it comes to him saying he's going to cut down on crime. 15-year-old kids are saying that. Maybe that's why his uh, approval rating is at a dismal 29%. But here's the uniqueness of this. Y'all trying to define the way y'all do things the way us. We don't do the one, two, three, one, two, three dance. We do the boogaloo. So you trying to say, well, what's this, what's this, what's this? You don't understand. This is not how we operate. You know, this is like a different way. If you're trying to stop someone that's carrying a gun that doesn't have a home to sleep in, don't have anything to eat, living in a shelter, and you start try to go to them and say, well, you know what? I got this philosophical principle that I learned in my theoretical class. Man, people will say, get out of my face. What the hell is he talking about? I guess white people do the one, two, three, one, two, three, the waltz, while Eric Adams does the boogaloo. Well, guess what? The boogaloo ain't helping to drive down crime. Uh, You better focus on your job. Not being the nighttime uh, mayor, the nightlife mayor, but the mayor is cleaning up the streets of crime, the subways, the parks, and the schools. Anyway, let's go to Rich calling from Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Rich. Good morning, Curtis. Um, do you want to do Frank Morano or a proper greeting first? Because I want to show you this with the respect you deserve. Ah, well, um, uh, let's do the second one first. Uh, there's plenty of time to bash Frank Morano. <laughs> um, I live in Long Island. You are not representing me. 
but you were standing between you and the mob. It was a long shot. A lot of people would not have had the courage to do what you did, and I sincerely thank you. Well, thank you, and as you know, uh, that very mob was the Gambino crime family, uh, John Gotti Jr., John Gotti Sr., friends of Frank Morano. Yes, well, Frank was in Staten Island. Yes. (laughs) Although I will tell you, I will tell you, Rich, uh, Staten, uh, he, Frank Morano is now the Staten Island old man because he's the oldest, uh, he's the youngest old man that uh, anybody has ever heard on the radio. The new young upcoming star in Staten Island is Vinny Madugno. The other night there at Homedale, he uh, was singing like Jay Black, hitting the high notes. The guy's a teacher by day at Richmond High School uh, and then uh, entertains people at night and then does a show in just a few hours, five to six before his mentor, uh, Cousin Brucey. And then on Sunday, so nice, they let him do it twice, five to six, uh, before uh, Jersey Joe uh, uh, who does uh, the Sinatra two-hour extravaganza for Ramsey Mazda. Uh, this this guy is uh, the, the new star. Frank Morano is like the old Staten Island guy. I don't know how young he is, but he sounds old, if you know what I mean, Rich. I do, and he will he will not tell anybody his birth date. Nope. And, uh, you know, he's listening right now. Frank, go spend time with your family, please. Rachel and Carmine are more important than Curtis and Rich. Oh, by the way, uh, you know, he was away for a while there in Hawaii for his his brothers. But what you don't realize is that his wife, who has been denied, um, um, let's just say, physical time with Frank for a while decided that she would try something because, you know, his attraction is to the crap tables in Vegas. She has on now a new cheese-scented nail polish that Velveeta puts out. It, it smells of Velveeta cheese. And you know how Frank is. He he loves fromage. He loves cheese. He loves, as he says, oh, I love fromage. He made that demand while he was wearing the wife beater standing oh, in front of him. Let me, let me tell you something. It's better than Viagra. For Frank, better than Viagra. Better, better than Viagra. I said we were going to talk about Frank tonight, right? Well, we would hold it for 24 hours later, but you can't. The people bring it up. What am I supposed to do? The people bring it up. And don't I say it's your right to be heard? He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa, Talk Radio 77, WABC. Nineteen sixty-nine, summer of Woodstock. Who was on that stage? Two, three, four in the morning. But Sly and the Family Stone, and they brought the house down. They were featured in the documentary, and they blew up after that. And then recently, I heard our colleague Bruce Nerdly say that Earth, Wind, and Fire was a better group than Sly and the Family Stone. I'm telling you, he, he just—he's not a cognoscente. Just doesn't know. And what you don't know, Bo, you shouldn't say. In a few hours, you all have an opportunity to call him between 7 and 10. And to ask him, say, L- listen to this. Come on. Come on. Earth, wind, and fire, please. 
No chance. I mean, here it is. I, uh, I hate this song with a passion. It'd be up there wearing all kinds of, what was that, trinkets on, shimmering, headbands, going one way, the other way. No, sorry. Bubblegum, bubblegum pop. Bubblegum. Yeah, yeah, here it is. Yeah, you tell Bo Snurk. That's right, James Gold. This is classic Sly, Sylvester, and the Family Stone. Coming out of Oaktown. I have no idea where Earth, Wind, and Fire come from. Just no. I mean, I mean, look at this. 1969 Woodstock. You'd think Earth, Wind, and Fire would have been on that stage at Woodstock. And by the way... When he goes to his horn player, a woman, this woman knows how to play that trumpet. She just turns it out. I got to tell you, what was that? Really, Bo Snurdly? Really? God, so corny, so popcorn. Oh, God. Top 40. Look at this. Oh. Do you remember? Please. God, you know, I'm considered a dance master extraordinaire in my younger days. I would have sat this one out. I would have said, no, no, no. This is a flat song. You don't. Oh, here. Yes. Because this is like an anthem. Sly and the Family Stone. And then remember, they come in with Family Affair and a whole bunch of great songs. Man, there's no way that Earth, Wind, and Fire can touch this stuff. I don't know what it is. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, must think that his complexion is his protection when thinking about music. But I got to tell you, oh, this is the bomb. I mean, see all those white folks in Woodstock, half a million strong, going crazy while Sly and the Family Stone were entertaining them at 2, 3, 4 in the morning. Three straight hours. What is wrong with it? If Earth, Wind, and Fire were on that stage, they would have been like, next, could you please bring out Country Joe and the Fish? The Who? Oh, God, when will this end? Puff, puff, pass. I think I'm going to go to sleep. There's no way that Earth, Wind, and Fire would have made the cut for the summer of 69 Woodstock. Half a million strong going up the New York State Thruway. Woodstock. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa. I 
gentlemen are you with me because if you're with me i'm taking you all the way to the break of dawn at six o'clock that's right so i don't care what you're up to if you're half stung god half asleep it is my job to revive you resurrect you and get you pumping and jumping so to the fact you're going to listen to all of these six hours And I'm going to work on your subliminal mind. This is the most personal form of communication of any that exists there. It's intimate. Even if you doze off to sleep, it'll seep into your subconscious mind. Days from now, you'll remember. Oh, my God. I remember what that guy, Curtis Lee, was saying at like 3 o'clock in the morning. And I remember how the music conflates with the talk, and most importantly, the calls, because this is a format that is not based on guests. No way. It's not just a rip and read and commentary that I do lunchtime from 12.15 to 1, Monday through Fridays, right after the Bill O'Reilly update from 12 to 12.15. Nope. It's theater of the mind. Gives you an opportunity to speak your mind, as long as you don't curse. Like, we had uh, Rich, uh, I think it was from Long Island, uh, may have been Rich or someone else if I'm uh, if I have the wrong name. He was on a roll bashing me, saying, "Oh, I wasn't pro-Trump. I was just sitting there allowing uh, Jet Set Juliet to bash Trump, and that's why I lost the election." And then he uttered a curse, and he was like, "Humpty Dumpty took a big fall, and we couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together at all because the FCC said." You're out of here. Keep it clean. Keep it clean. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. By the way, um, our president, Joe Biden, was out in Los Angeles uh, earlier today. He was at the largest uh, port uh, receiving area in the United States, uh, which is right on the West Coast, the port of Los Angeles. And... uh, Uh, This is uh, what he had to say because he was out there trying to deal specifically with the uh, supply problems that have plagued uh, our nation, at least for the last year. Uh, As a result of his uh, transportation secretary, the former mayor of uh, South Bend, Indiana, Democratic failed presidential candidate, Buttigieg, 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 Buttigieg taking domestic leave to care for his uh, new baby while our country's supply chain was shattered. Uh, Let's hear what President Joe Biden had to say about our supply chain problems. 
but there's no better place to start in it than right here in the port and letting those nine foreign shippers understand the ripoff is over. Huh? The ripoff of what? The consumers? Could I hear that again? But there's no better place to start in it than right here in the port and letting those nine foreign shippers understand the ripoff is over. What the hell is he talking about? Can anybody translate Bidenese? What does he mean by the ripoff? I think the only ones who've been ripped off are voters who got sold a false bill of goods about his competency, his alertness, his wherewithal, and most importantly, his ability to uh, stabilize inflation and then take it down. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But this is also what President Joe Biden had to say is that we're being confused by prognosticators because he's actually brought down the most important part of the inflation, which is called core inflation. Inflation outside of energy and food, what the economists call core inflation, moderated the last two months. Not enough, but it moderated. It's come down. We need it to come down much more quickly. My administration can continue to do everything we can to lower the prices to the American people, and the Congress has to act, and they have been of late. One of the key ways to fight inflation is by lowering the cost of moving goods through the supply chain. Yeah, good luck on that. Diesel fuel skyrocketing. So even if you're using electric vehicles, price of gasoline skyrocketing, um, airline fuel skyrocketing, how are you going to move products at a lower price? Oh, I don't want to weigh on uh, Joe Biden's brain or President's brain because... He's tangled up in a knot on this inflation situation. It ain't getting no better. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to John in Freehold, New Jersey, in which uh, this is where Farmer Bruce Springsteen started out. It's just a uh, young, blue-collar, working-class son. Then ended up going to Rumson with the one percenters and writing off uh, property uh, tax on the fact that he claimed he's a farmer. Am I correct on that, John? Yes, sir. How does he get away with that? I don't know. This is one of the most corrupt states. Oh, it's the Soprano uh, state. It's the Soprano state. Yes, Jersey. I was going to say, um, I got a booby prize two weeks ago. It only took seven days. And I just got my other booby prize from last week. Another seven days. They're coming real quick. Ooh, we're doing that. You know, we don't have Boudiget here handling the distribution of our booby prices. If it was Boudiget, it would take you a month of Sundays. <laughs> then I was going to ask you, Curtis, uh, I, I was reading up uh, on an article, and it was talking about how um, the golfers now were moving to the Middle East because they're getting paid, like, in Dubai or Saudi Arabia or wherever. And uh, I was going to ask you, do you think the if they start, they have so much money over there from their, from oil, from everything. They could pretty much buy out all our good players here. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, look, uh, and we're going to talk about this tomorrow, uh, uh, 24 hours from now. Uh, Vince McMahon uh, Jr. wants to write a biography, shopping for publishers. Remember, he was the first to break this Saudi barrier 
and accept uh, Saudi dinars to bring the uh, WWE over there for their uh, performances. Uh, and he got away with it. So I guess the other athletes figure, hey, Soviet, excuse me, Saudi money is uh, worth uh, what dollars are, and they'll they'll shower you with dinars. And so you get guys like uh, Phil Mickelson, who's under fire, and he's saying like, hey, you know, uh, it's all right to be able to join the Saudi league, even though uh, they did a Khashoggi uh, to their... uh, uh, to the Washington Post writer there, it's almost like uh, they become defectors. Uh, they don't care if the PGA won't let them play. And the PGA has said, if you join the Saudi League, you're persona non grata. You can no longer play in the PGA. So their attitude is, hey, guess what? Tough noogies. I'm going to play for the uh, Saudi dinars. Gee, but then also I read that the Saudis, uh, they bought um, a team in the Premier League, uh, Newcastle. Oh, yeah, they have a few. Remember, they're not alone. You have the shakes. Uh, you know, these shakes with the, the, the fake schmatas on their head, you know, the fake mustaches and beards. Then they come to America here. They got the knockoff Armani suits. They're chasing skirts. They're knocking back uh, Hennessy and uh, Jameson. And they're doing lines of cocaine. You know, they're sinning here. When they go back to the sands of the uh, Persian Gulf, they act like they're bowing in Mecca and Medina five times a day, like their stuff don't stink. And it's all clean money or it's dirty money? It's oil money. I don't No, no, it's all clean. The only place there that money launders I was there was Dubai. Dubai is like the Switzerland of the Persian Gulf and the Middle East. Uh, everybody launders their money through Dubai. But whether it's Bahrain, whether it's the UAE, the rest of the UAE, whether it's... Uh, uh, Oman, whether it's Qatar or the big daddy there, Saudi Arabia, it's all the same thing. You know, they got they got mucho dinero, and they lure all kinds of athletes over there because they want the prestige of that, the prestige that will cover up the fact that they're intolerant, they're totalitarian, uh, and they limit, they limit uh, freedoms for their people. And, Curtis, can I pick your brain on one more thing? Uh, yes, go ahead. Um. Kind of, this is kind of a different topic, but uh, communism in its truest form was everybody who works for the greater good. It failed throughout all of history, but aren't there enough, like, I don't want to use the term woke people because it means something different today, but wouldn't we be able to start a society where we don't need money and everyone could just do what they like to do? Someone likes to grow plants, they could farm. Someone, you know, wants to be a doctor, they could be a doctor. Well, conceivably, with all things being equal, that might happen. Unfortunately, if you remember, did you read Animal Farm as required reading in uh, your school when you were growing up? I did spark notes. I don't remember it. <laughs> All right. Well, they had the figure Napoleon, the the head pig, who was really like uh, resembling Stalin or Putin now, in which he would say all, you know, all animals are equal, except some animals are better than other animals. He started to change it. And see, that's the problem is that it starts out with the idea. I don't know if you ever saw the movie Reds, uh, which had uh, uh, Warren uh, Beatty. It was a very no. r- romanticized image of Bolshevism when it first started, you know, under Vladimir Lenin, the Bolsheviks overthrowing the czars. 
and uh, obviously they had been uh, like serfs. Uh, uh, there was a horrible lifestyle there in the uh, in Mother Russia at that time. So it was it was a very bold step, and people were excited. Uh, and then that uh, Bolshevism spread through Europe, started spreading through South America, Central America, and Mexico. Even in the United States, you had a large, growing communist movement with a socialist movement. So it was very romanticized. A lot of young people, just like now. They like the sound of it, workers of the world unite, the workers' paradise, except, unfortunately, there's no example anywhere in the world where it's ever turned out to be that. Yeah, because they always started off with somebody in charge. Like, they started off with somebody higher up. Well, remember, it's kind of hard not to, uh, even democracies start with somebody atop, unless you had anarchy. Pure anarchy would mean you wouldn't have a leader. You would be leaderless. And that, uh, that is problematic in itself. But, but no, there's the idealism of socialism, uh, which does work. Socialism has worked around the world. Communism, wherever it's been tried, has been a dismal failure. Uh, socialism uh, has some of the democratic principles. They'll have elections. So, uh, but it's a, a far, far left-wing uh, version of what we're used to here in America, although because of socialism, there was a push for Social Security, public schools, 40-hour work week. There were a lot of things that uh, the more socialist-minded uh, uh, officials uh, of 100 years ago were pushing for that are now mainstream that you would never think was socialist uh, uh, created. Uh, I was thinking more along the lines of, like, you, got, you take a guy like uh, Elon Musk, who's got billions, and you buy a piece of land somewhere on an island, and you just invite all the people whose uh, technology has been suppressed, you know, hydrogen motors, uh, this and that, and start off like that. We could eventually eliminate money. Well, you know, you know uh, what they're working towards, the very wealthy, the very rich, is to have an annual um, – uh, salary that people earn uh, who will not work because there will be no work at the rate that uh, artificial intelligence is going and robotics. There will be vast numbers of our society who do not work. So the well, the very wealthy have already had conversations like the Zuckerbergs of the world, the Elon Musks, uh, the Bill Gates, the Warren Buffetts, uh, the billionaires. Uh, how we can give a salary to people who can't work because there is no work because they've been replaced with artificial intelligence and robotics. This way, the world remains stable because if people were unemployed and they had no means to survive, there'd be revolution. So the billionaires are well aware that revolution comes when people's bellies are growling and they can't feed themselves or their families. Have you ever seen the show The Orville? No, I have not. No, well, it, it's a it's by Seth MacFarlane. It's kind of like a comedy Star Trek thing, but in that show, they figured out how to make like a food processor that can synthesize any food, anything you want. And in that society, everything is merit based. So you move along in that society, depending on you know how you contribute to it. So if you don't work, you don't do anything. You know, you you don't get the comforts. Hmm. So meritocracy. 
Yes. Yeah, and that's uh, we'll be probably discussing that within 24 hours. The uh, Department of Education of the City of New York, the DOE, as I call the acronym, dumbest organization ever, with a bloated budget of $36 billion out of a bloated overall budget of $101 billion, with 120,000 less students in the system, the public school system, because they've either been transferred to uh, parochial schools, private schools, or they finally were able to um, get into charter schools that there's been a lottery for, or they just uh, left with their parents, 120,000 less students, and they've added $3 billion to the Department of Education, dumbest organization's ever budget, and yet never replaced the billion dollars that de Blasio and the city council took from the police budget, and crime is our number one issue. Does that make any sense? But um, the new chairman... Uh, Chancellor of the Department of Education uh, Banks stood idly by uh, as the old uh, de Blasio idea in the Department of Education was to uh, destroy meritocracy. Uh, I know this affected one of my sons, Carter, my middle son. Uh, If uh, you were doing well in school, but you didn't qualify for the specialty high schools with the special tests, uh, Bronx High School of Science at Townsend, which is on the Queens College campus, Staten Island Tech, Brooklyn Tech or or uh, Bronx High School of Science or Stuyvesant, uh, you would try to get into uh, good neighborhood schools, and it was based on merit, marks, no more. Now there, are n- 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 meritocracy does not exist. Banks eliminated that. Uh, you can't go to your local high schools like where I was today, Middle Village. Uh, they have brand new high school, Maspeth. They have another brand new high school on Metropolitan or for Woodhaven. And they got the old tried-and-true Grover Cleveland High School, which is on the border of Brooklyn and Queens. Uh, that's a problematic school. Well, guess what? If you had chosen either of the two better schools, even though you had good marks and lived at Middle Village or Glendale or Forest Hills or Woodhaven, uh, if they send you to Grover Cleveland, tough noogies, you're going to Grover Cleveland. What happened to meritocracy? Uh, and actually, Banks isn't answering and... Eric Adams, the mayor, isn't answering because they're hoping that this all goes away because it's now the summertime. Anyway, let's go to Howard in Babylon. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Howard. Hi, Curtis. I want to talk about how disappointed and angry I am at our president, who I voted for. He was elected, in my opinion, as a moderate, and he went full left to the progressive wing of the Democratic Party, shutting off the oil pipeline stopping fracking in federal lands, and now we're paying the price. And I cannot believe what he's done and what he's doing. I'd like to know what you think. Well, let's go to the analytics. It isn't even about what Biden did or didn't do or wants to do. Let's. It's the tail of the tape here, Howard. Inflation is now up to 8.6%. It's hit a new 40-year high. It hasn't been this way since uh, Jimmy Carter was president. The market, again, had a bad day, dropped 800 points. So if you look overall, Mm -hmm. you have gas that's up 48 percent, fuel oil 106 percent, meat, poultry, and fish 13 percent, milk 16 percent, eggs 32 percent, coffee 15 percent, used cars 16 percent, new cars 20 percent, airline fares 38 percent, and the real average hourly earnings for a worker are down 3 percent. So financially, it's a mess, and it's only getting worse. And uh, 
I think uh, the president is finally understanding that, but he has no concept. A year and of, a half too late, don't you think? Yeah, there's no way to put the brakes on it now. There's no way because he had all that stimulus money that was added uh, into people's pockets, businesses, all flush with cash. And all that mm-hmm. did was steam up the economy, create the inflation. And what are they going to do? Raise interest rates? Okay, they keep raising interest rates, raising interest rates. But it's still not going to slow it down. And unfortunately for President Joe Biden, it's going to kill his party in the midterm elections. Do you think he has all his marbles? No. Uh, I think with Joe Biden, he's always been stubborn, obstinate, pretentious. But then again, that's all politicians. But now that he's a dollar short and a day late, and I think he suffers from what a lot of older people suffer. It's not dementia. It's not uh, Alzheimer's. Uh, It's called the sundown syndrome, that later in the day it gets, the less connected they are. He seems to do much better earlier in the day. But after uh, 12 noon, he he starts to act a bit erratically, forgets what he says. His staff and others will say, well, you know, he's always had a stuttering problem. Understood. We understand that. But that doesn't Mm -hmm. contribute to uh, statements that have no basis. Uh, He gets lost in his thoughts at times, which I think is uh, symbolic of that sundown syndrome. And uh, I think he would do everyone uh, the best, including his fellow Democrats, if he was to step aside, just retire. Look, the German Pope retired, right? Uh, They're now talking about Mm -hmm. Pope Francis in a wheelchair at 80 retiring. It's sort of like, if you can't do the job, just do the right thing, retire, Obviously, oh God, Vice President Harris. Oh, boy, that's, do you think Trump uh, would be a much better leader in this time of crisis? Oh, now, remember, I was never a Trumper, so uh, now, yes, yes, because uh, we need strength. It's like when we had Jimmy Carter; uh, we felt he was weak, even though he was very articulate. He didn't have the problems that Joe Biden had. He was very intelligent, one of our most intelligent presidents uh, that ever was elected to office. But he oozed weakness, and the voters decided, well, let, well, we'll go with the opposite of weakness, which is strength. That Ronald was Ronald Reagan. Right. And remember, people before that feared Ronald Reagan. They thought, this guy, we're not going to put the nuclear football in his arms, in his hands. This guy will start a nuclear war. But they started to figure out, nah, we need some strength. And I think what's happening now is... Uh, Americans are saying, hey, I may not like Donald Trump. I may not like the, what he says and how he operates, but ooh, we need that strength now as opposed to the weakness that Biden is exhibiting and obviously Vice President Harris has exhibited. I thank you for your analysis, and I'll talk to you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, uh, we're heading to rough times. It's going to be a recession. All, all, all the analytics, uh, the tail of the tape says we're going to have a recession. And uh, nobody wants to see that because, number one, ladies and gentlemen, we got thousands of illegals pouring across our border. Part of the reason is they know they can get work here in America because the economy has been doing well. Lots of work, even for illegals. A lot of day labor jobs. You show up, as you know, in a lot of your neighbor, guy will call from Freehold. Or every day along the tracks, 5 o'clock in the morning before the sun comes up, There are dozens of illegals from all over Central America and Mexico uh, ready to do day labor. If there's a recession, there won't be any day labor. What are these folks going to do? 
the likelihood is they're not going to want to go back to their country of origin. And then some of them might decide, hey, what I can't work hard for, and they do work hard, I'm going to have to steal in order to survive, or I'm going to have to uh, take work in which I'm being paid half of what I'm being paid now, which isn't all that good, and then cause others who are legally, gamefully employed, who are citizens, who pay their taxes, to lose their work. Because you know how employers are, particularly if they can cut corners. Uh, If some guy is willing to work... uh, Instead of the um, minimum wage, uh, which in some instances, uh, when everything is thrown in, is about 20 bucks an hour in some places. Well, when you add uh, all the ancillary costs, if an uh, illegal alien says, I'll do that job for six bucks an hour, hey, you don't need the guy or the gal who's working for $20 an hour, and the employer will figure out a way to finagle that. And then everybody will say, well, they're paying the Social Security taxes, right? Yeah, they got fake Social Security cards. The quickest way to eliminate that problem would be to recall everybody's Social Security card, which is so easy to duplicate, and create a Social Security card that is very difficult to duplicate, like we did with our currency, all right? All of a sudden, you had people all over the world, Iranians were doing it, Colombians were doing it. North Koreans were doing it, right? They were making our currency. They were counterfeiting our currency and uh, initiating it into our currency system. And then all of a sudden, we started making currency that was a lot more difficult to counterfeit. Should do that with Social Security cards. Come on, the easiest thing in the world, a knockoff, to copy. You could do that on an old Xerox machine. It's a Social Security card. And half the illegal aliens are walking around with knockoff Social Security cards of people who've been dead for over 100 years. Nobody checks. Nobody checks. Nobody checks the voters' rolls to see how many people are dead or moved out. They're still on the voting rolls. Nobody checks the Social Security rolls. Nobody. Oh, uh, well, we find out they're dead. We remove them. Get out of here. Government, the way it, the way government moves at snail's pace, the bureaucracy, which is, oh, so slow. You got to get out of here. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. It's another side of midnight. 77 WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. You can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. I had a dream, we were sipping whiskey neat, highest floor of the Bowery, and I was high enough, somewhere along the lines, we stopped seeing eye to eye, you were staying out all night, and I had enough, no, I don't wanna know where you've been away. Oh, wish I could have been with all of you at the Mount Laredo Annual Food Truck Festival, which I did a lot of campaigning last year in the Republican primary, and the Staten Island vote that I won helped me crush Fernando Mateo. Hey, nobody's heard of him since. He never conceded. A person of no consequence, a pisher, a schmendrick. 
But anyway, uh, Michael Buttigieg, uh, Rudy Giuliani will be out there tomorrow with his son Andrew campaigning for the uh, GOP nomination to take on uh, Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb. Unfortunately, Michael Buttigieg today, Rudy Giuliani, stellar performance uh, on the radio Monday through Fridays from 3 to 4. He was vitriolic today uh, because of the January 6th uh, committee uh, hearings, uh, the uh, public part of it. And uh, while he was uh, talking, a D.C. bar, the D.C. bar has brought ethics charges against Rudy over election for fraud claims. They don't stop. They don't stop. But as you know, Rudy doesn't stop either. He's a fighter. And he'll be out there tomorrow with his son, Andrew, and Sunday. I won't be able to join them because I'll be dealing with all the Puerto Rican parade festivities. The festival uh, in just a few hours on 116th Street in East Harlem. And then the parade returns up Fifth Avenue on Sunday. And that is the largest of the many ethnic parades in all of New York City. So I'll be tied up with that and then obviously broadcasting here at WABC. But I'm sure some of you may have seen Andrew Giuliani tonight at the uh, Mount St. Laredo Truck, no, no, Food Truck Festival. I don't know why they call it the Truck Festival. should just call it a food festival. It's like a tongue twister. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Johnny. Calling from Jersey City, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Johnny. Ah, good morning. I have a, a little bit of information about, I feel, why the president's never going to reduce the situation in the L.A. ports. And it's easier than the oil situation. Out in the L.A. ports, no matter which one you want to pick, the regulations. The regulations are so strict and really uh, union Reunion strict. The crane operators, to begin with, shut off at 6 o'clock at night. They get paid $114 an hour. Now, for, for them to open up their hours like the president, he's going to push them to go ahead and work 24 hours a day. Between that, the situation with the truckers, when they can load up and when they can't, there's a reason why Japan is number one in the world. They don't deal with these situations. And if you really think that the president of the United States is going to go after the longshoremen on the West Coast, first he'd push it to the East Coast. I can't see President Joke sending the freight to Florida or to Atlanta or even in an emergency situation to Chesapeake and down in that area. You got a lot more government uh, installations of boats and traffic going on there. But basically, he's not going to deal with that. And they're not going to work past that 6 o'clock. And the cranes don't work. Neither does the freight. It piles up. Well, that's true. And uh, let me tell you that uh, Ron DeSantis from Florida, the Florida governor, had said, hey, if you want to unload your um, cargo containers, feel free to do so here in Florida. You just got to go through the Panama Canal. There won't be any hindrance to that. Uh, there will be an effort to prevent him from speaking to a Jewish group Sunday, gays and lesbians and transgenders. We'll talk about that in 24 hours. Uh, but when I was a kid growing up, my father, uh, who was a merchant seaman 54 years, compared the longshoremen of the East Coast uh, to those in the West Coast. And he taught me, he said, the leader of the longshoremen in Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, Oakland, Los Angeles, 
was Harry Bridges. He was an ardent Marxist and staunch supporter of the Soviet Union who worked within the capitalist system for 60 years as the leader of the West Coast waterfront workers, and he would always pull strikes. He would always tie up ships. His base was Oakland. I remember going to lunch with a lot of the Irish guys who were the longshoremen there at their union headquarters when I was organizing Guardian Angels in uh, Oakland, which became Oaktown. It's so much crime. And they were, they loved this guy, Harry Bridges. They said, Harry Bridges, do or die. He might have been a commie, uh, but he, he improved our, our working benefits, uh, as you had pointed out. They make a phenomenal amount of money, Johnny, at times for doing nothing. In New, even New Jersey, in the crisis that we had a couple of months ago, New Jersey had three ships waiting. Now, there's a lot of a lot of problems that you can run in, into the Elizabeth, Port Elizabeth, Newark area. Uh, I, I know of a few of them. But for this conversation, basically, if you've got 150 ships waiting in port over in Oakland and other parts of, uh, of uh, California, if you're floating them to Florida, Atlanta, and New Jersey where there was three ships, there's, there's something wrong with the chemistry there. And I just don't see it. And when I spoke to my brother, who knows more about this than I do, he says, they're not going to deal with the crane operators over there. When the crane shut down, the freight doesn't move. Yeah, well, I tell you, the big union in Jersey is out there in Bayonne, local 1588, uh, uh, I believe it is, International Longshoremen's uh, Union. And, uh, boy, are they corrupt. I mean, <laughs> They are so corrupt there. I'll never forget, they had a meeting in uh, Puerto Rico, they had their annual conference in uh, Puerto Rico. I'm trying to remember the circumstances now. Uh, their president uh, was speaking before their board. Invited at that time was the governor, Jim uh, McGreedy. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, uh, Congressman Payne from Newark. And, and the most crooked of all, the capo di tutti of all crooked U.S. senators, Bobby Menendez. So they were all there in San Juan, you know, gambling, chasing skirts. The Longshoremen's Union was paying for everything. And then all of a sudden, the uh, the union president came before them and said, guys, uh, we got to call this convention to a close because we've just been served with indictments for, for, uh, for longshoremen, extortion, racketeering. In fact... You know, they had the commission to monitor the longshore uh, industry on both sides. So Elizabeth Newark and then the uh, New-, New York side, Staten Island, uh, Red Hook there in Brooklyn, uh, Manhattan to a degree. And uh, Jersey has opted out. Murphy has said, ah, we don't need to control organized crime on the Jersey side. We don't have it anymore. Are you kidding? The ports are rife with that. Rife with that. You're right. I think I think uh, it wasn't Johnny Bowers. You see, I'm, I'm forgetting the name. Johnny Bowers, that was the character, remember, out of Waterfront. On, on the Waterfront with Marlon Brando, one of the greatest films of all time, based on the Waterfront in Bayonne and Jersey City. And I think Johnny Bowers uh, was the thuggish uh, union leader, where if you didn't uh, toe the line, uh, he would have you executed and destroyed. Actually, the property down where all the big buildings are being built down in the uh, downtown section, you get to Green, Green Street. That that property was all held by the mob. What what they what the people had to pay to purchase, and that's okay. 
they want to give their money over to the mob. But that whole that whole area down by the waterfront, Green Street was actually the area where all the trains used to come years ago from the Lehigh lines. That's where it would end. And they used to load up with the coal. But uh, now it's not, not going to end. But it, it's, it's, um, it is an easier situation. And then he talks about the, the traffic, the, the supply. The supply to come in. Plus, the, plus it's cheaper to come through Florida, put, put the freight on, on tractor trailers than it is in California. If you're going to pay 10 bucks for a gallon of diesel, and over here, as bad as it is, maybe five or six, you're cutting four dollars off over every gallon, but he's not going to do it. Now he's remember not- how vibrant uh, the ports were in Hoboken, New Jersey City, yeah. and then all of a sudden uh, it was abandoned, and there were yeah. rats, and just it was desolate. Uh, well, the rats are still there, and Bethlehem Steel, the whole area over in, in Hoboken, that was a gold mine. I had relatives years and years ago when they came over to this country. They worked in the in the ports there. In, in Hoboken, but basically, you know, now I who Menendez lives there, or some of the other highfalutin governors in the apartments overlooking the water. Yeah, I know. But the best uh, guy, my friend uh, Brett Chandler, who against all odds, I I love him. <laughs> became the first Republican mayor in Jersey City only because there were like twelve Democrats running. Uh, and he was the only Republican, and it was a general election, and it was uh, top vote getter wins. He won. And boy, he immediately not only went to uh, rehab the waterfront, uh, but he went across uh, the Hudson. And while Rudy Giuliani was focused on crime, he was picking Rudy's pocket, even though he was a Republican mayor. Rudy woke up a year later and saw that, wait a second, what's, what's that over an exchange place? It's like half of Wall Street is over there now. Because he would come over and he would say, come on. You look at, you look know, at who killed uh, Brent Schindler, and I agree. I don't think there was a, a Republican mayor since 1883, Gilbert Collins. But the was Shamu. That's right. Well, Shamu set him up under the uh, Obama administration to go up to a meeting in Newark. It was being taped under orders by Shamu to do certain things. Well, when, when Obama had the meeting taped and, and all the information came out, they thought it was uh, Shunla's opinions. Shunla's thoughts on the whole it wasn't. And when they asked Shamu, I can't even, I didn't want to use his name, Christy. Well, remember, at that time, uh, Shamu, uh, El Jefe, Chris Christie, had appointed Brett Shunla to be in charge of the uh, Department of Education for the state of New Jersey. I had had a meeting with him, and he was telling me how he wanted to reform the system, especially battling the union, which has such control there. Uh, and uh, Chris Christie, they were on the same page because, as you know, Christie was taking on the union in New Jersey, the teachers' yeah, union. He did, actually, he did a good job. Yes, he did. There's one position I'd allow him to stay because uh, he'll throw you under the bus and rub your underwear when he's throwing you under there. But it, but as far as the edu- – he really dealt with the NEA in New Jersey. When you hear him on, on 101.5 at night, he would basically, you hear him talking to some of the teachers, union leaders. He had them. But as far as the rest, taking care of his own, taking care of the people that brought him there, I mean, the whole situation when the, when the Fort Lee situation with the traffic situation and those two people went um, went to jail, that was ordinary politics in Hudson County before an election. You got threatened with more than traffic. 
That I wouldn't blame him for. But what he did to Brent Schindler up in that meeting, that was his policy that that Schindler was supporting. Yeah. It wasn't Brent Schindler, And I, I, I'm, I'm sad that Brent Schindler didn't win the governorship. But other than a Harry Moore in 1951, you're really not going to see too many governorships. Well, I, I was proud to be out there uh, supporting Brett Schindler uh, for governor. He ran twice, took on the NJEA, which also, Shamu! El Jefe, Chris Christie did, the powerful New Jersey Union. Yes. But, boy, Shamu left Red Chandler hanging when he was uh, in charge of the Department of Education for the state of New Jersey in Trenton. He uh, left him out to dry. And I think it broke Brent Chandler's heart. He now runs a great charter school operation in Jersey City. At least the last I had a conversation with him. Great guy. Stand-up guy. Honest guy. Uh, unlike uh, most politicians you ever meet, you might disagree with him politically. He's very conservative, very conservative. But honest guy, reform Jersey City from the cauldron of corruption, the most most corrupt Democratic county in America, Hudson County, run by the Capo di Tutti, the most corrupt of all U.S. senators who is also running the county Democratic machine simultaneously Bobby Menendez, who now wants um, his son, basically he wants his son, um, what can we say, a coronation, I believe, to be a congressman, I believe. I know he's running for some office, but he's really not running. Bobby Menendez wants his son to have a coronation. If anybody out there can sort of uh, get me up to speed on that, I hate both of them with a passion, with a passion, a corruption goes right down to the marrow of Bobby Menendez's bones. Remember his uh, Medici was that eye doctor there in Florida, the biggest ripoff artist of Medicaid funds in the history of the United States, hooking them up with DR hookers. Remember they made that YouTube? And they said, Bobby Menendez, cheapskate. When we'd service him and take him around the world in 80 seconds, he wouldn't even leave a tip. Not even the Dominican currency, the pesos, which is like worthless. He left them nothing. And then he's got that lard ass, Bobby Menendez. You know, the tailored suits with the lard ass. Like a lot of those politicians. Because they're sitting on their tuchus every day. That's where they have their calluses. They never did any manual labor in their life. Bobby Menendez wants his son. I guess to be in Congress, if anybody out there can straighten me out on that, please do. I don't think it's state senate or state assembly. I I think he's eyeing a congressional seat. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Brian, who's been waiting very patiently uh, on the line in Long Island. Your turn to be heard at WABC, Brian. Curtis, I called you a few times, uh, three times actually, and I told family about it and, and friends, about, and they never get the podcast. They could never get on. They tried to, uh, they couldn't get on. Hold on a second. Hold on. This is the second back-to-back belly-to-belly. Uh, Michael, uh, in the 12 o'clock hour, was complaining about the same. So, Brian, you're saying that when you go on WABCradio.com, uh, by the way, you're breathing heavy there. Oh, I'm sorry. It's you know, the flip phone. You're not yeah, excited, I'm... are you? Uh, you know, I, mean, yeah, I, I am, actually. But oh, okay. I, that I makes that makes sense that you would be such a heavy breather. 
No, it's the flip phone. I, I actually, I don't. I, I'm, I'm the ultimate luddite. It's my f- friends and family that go. I don't even have internet or an iPhone. I have a flip phone. But they tried. To, I told them I was on the show. I wanted to hear the show, and they can't get on. They tried it, wow. and they can't get on. Wow, this is this is the sabotage of the Frank Morano crew. I call them the wrecking crew. Matt, Alex, all the rest. Felipe, you know, he's got like six people working for him. Uh, me, what do I got? I got uh, uh, Broadway Bill Lee, who's come out of retirement, well-known voice for years on WCBS-FM back in 1972. And Avery, who has to uh, multitask as our overnight producer and our phone screener, I forget what uh, fake, phony, fraudulent, fugazi title uh, Frank Morano has. Uh, what the hell is it again that he calls it? He, he, like, he pumps them up. You know, he builds them up. What is it? What is that? Talent? Uh, talent? Oh, yeah, the talent phone coordinator. What a piece of work is that? All they want to do is get paid more. He goes, I'll give you a title. Talent phone coordinator. But, Brian, you have definitely now alerted me. First it was Michael. Now, Brian, that they're messing with my podcast. Not that they're eliminating it. They're giving it a brisk. They're truncating it. So if you're listening for this full six hours, and remember, my job is to keep you up to the break of dawn. So from 12 midnight to 6, I would get credit for six hours on the ratings. But if you couldn't listen to it, when it was broadcast, and you had to go to the podcast at wabcradio.com, like you can for all the other shows, like my special uh, podcast, my favorite one is involving my son, Anthony, who's now 18, went to his, his prom two nights ago. He's got a girlfriend. I never went to a prom. They kicked me out of high school. So he was telling me what the prom was like. He was there tonight with me at the Pulaski Parade Committee dinner in Middle Village. He was dancing up a storm. He's ready to graduate. He's an intern here at WABC. It doesn't get better than that. (sighs) Great. It's father and son. You got to listen to it. Anthony and Curtis at WABCradio.com. Can you, I bet, oh, that would be so low. Avery, after the show, I realize at 6 o'clock in the morning, you're like stretched to the max. You got to listen to those podcasts to see, oh, that would be so diabolical. That would be so dastardly, like snidely whiplash. If they actually truncated a father and son podcast featuring Anthony, my, my son, and yours truly. I wouldn't put it past them. Because remember, it is the totality of the hours that I'm on the air that are added up to the ratings. Now, Frank used to be on the air more than me when I came back after losing the mayoral election. Remember to uh, Eric Adams, the swagger man has no plan. I told all of you that. That's why people are walking around now with buttons and with uh, with uh, pins that say, don't blame me. I voted for Sliwa. <laughs> they were all over Middle Village today. But anyway, I digress. So the point is, is that here we have a perfect situation. Where I came back, John Katsimatidis, our owner-operator, great talk show host in his own right for Red Apple Media, our parent company of WABC. Five days after I had lost, he signed me up uh, to a 30-year no-cut contract uh, and said, hey, you can broadcast till you're uh, 98. I said, John, uh, you know, I'm like a cat with nine lives. I've used up eight of them. He goes, don't worry about it. 
Don't worry, you're, 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 part, you're, you're part of the WABC family. WABC, always broadcasting, Curtis. So I started meagerly. Then they had this other guy who was on overnights on the weekend. Remember, it didn't quite work out. You know, the guy was, he was a rookie, JV, wasn't ready for prime time. So they say, Curtis, could you do it? Hey, no problem. Six hours, it is, ah, for me, that's nothing. Then they brought on Anthony Weiner and say, hey, can you help him out? He now has his own show. Saturday in a few hours, he's on two to three. And then I join him three to four, left versus right. Then on, uh, I do the 12 to six again Sunday morning. I love it, Theater of the Mind. And then I come back a few hours later and do three to five, which is all whatever happening in the news, uh, late-breaking details. I get you up to speed. Uh, then, oh, it's great. It's Vinny Madugno. He's the rising star here at WABC. He's the Staten Island kid. Frank Morano is the old man from Staten Island. He's young, but he sounds like an old man. Uh, Vinny Madugno, he's unbelievable. The guy uh, has pipes. He can sing as a cappella, doo-wop, uh, soprano like Jay Black, uh, Jay Black and the Americans. Unbelievable. And plus, he's been stacks of wax. He's a teacher by day at Richmond High School, Staten Island, in the shadow of the Bayonne Bridge, entertains at night, and then has two shifts here on the weekend. He is mentored by Cousin Brucey. Cousin Brucey introduced him to WABC, and John said, yeah, let's give him a try, the rookie. Uh, did that one hour, knocked it out of the park. Now he's got the second hour, which is Sundays 5 to 6, before uh, Jersey Joe Piscopo and the Sinatra two-hour extravaganza put on, sponsored by Ramsey Mazda. And then it's Dina Martin spinning stacks of wax of a father, Dean Martin, who is from Steubenville, Ohio, uh, 8 to 9, and then I'm back again, 9 to 11. Uh, with more news, information, and commentary, and especially your calls, and then the very special one hour, which has more callers, more interest, more feedback than any of the many hours that I do here at WABC. It's the Animal Welfare Hour with my wife, Nancy, Animal Rescuer Par Excellence from 11 to 12. And then I get the buffer. You know, Dominic Carter comes in. Mr. Big Stuff, who does he think he is? The Big Mac Daddy. And he doesn't let me cross-examine Frank Morano, which I always used to do. It used to be an inquisition. But Frank, uh, you know, he's the shot caller now. He's uh, the golden child. He can do no wrong. They say, they said earlier today at the Talkers Magazine convention that they had at Hofstra University, Michael Harrison, who uh, owns uh, Talkers Magazine, introduced Frank Morano as the here and now of talk radio. He is the future of talk radio. He is the direction that talk radio is going in. And all he did was pump up this guy's humongous ego to begin with. Now Frank Morano needs a crane to get him in and out of the studios here at WABC. Download all of Red Apple Media's podcasts right now through your favorite podcast platform. Talk Radio 77 WABC. The founder of the Guardian Angels. The group dedicated to fight crime. On the streets of New York and on the air right now. Curtis Lewa on 77 WABC. Boy, I'm very upset. You know, there's a lot of shrinkflation going on. 32 ounces of Gatorade is now 28 ounces. Uh... Probably the worst, Scott, tissue paper, right? 500 tissue papers long. Uh, you have an assignment, Avery, when we get off the air at, seven, at 6, because i got to keep people pumping and jumping till the break of dawn. 
I got a roll of Scott tissue paper uh, there in the bookhouse. You know, the big boys' room back there. I want you to individually count each seat because I think that it's shrinkflation. They say Scott tissue paper, right? 500 tissue papers long. I can tell every time I wipe my tuchus now, it's not 500. No. I'll bet you it's down to about 400. They've used technology, just like they are with every other product. It could be uh, Cottonelle, Ultra Clean Care, toilet paper. They've reduced the number of sheets per roll from 340 to 312. Yeah, I counted each one. You know, and definitely I want the Charmin tissue. You know, um, who is that? The Charmin tissue. Mr. Whipple. I bet you Mr. Whipple has uh, deleted the number of Charmin tissue papers. I can tell when I wipe my tuchus. It's just not the same. Toilet paper is the victim of shrinkflation. I rest my reputation on that. Remember, I wipe my butt like everybody else does out there. And I know the feel of tissue paper when it's real and when it is victim of shrinkflation. It's another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa. think that maybe this uh, song of Les Miserables might have been appropriate for January 6th and the committee hearings that are going on now that are being publicized, right, to the, to the barricades, right, to the barricades. And uh, I'm thinking back not so much to the uh, Broadway musical. I saw that one time. It didn't make me cry. But I remember the movie version with Hugh Jackman as Jean Valjean, remember, sentenced to 19 years, I think for stealing a loaf of bread, remember that, having to drag that, that, that boat with all the other prisoners, uh, Russell Crowe Javert was the screw, well then eventually when uh, Hugh Jackman broke loose, I think he became a mayor somewhere. Might have been mayor of New York City. I mean, he's so popular now in that new show that he's in. Uh, what is that uh, called? Uh, you know, he's sort of like the Frank Morano there and, you know, comes into town and tells everybody, oh, you got to you got to get uh, you got to get instruments for your high school band. Give me the money. We got to build up everybody's self-esteem. And then he does the bird and takes everything and leaves. 
What's the name of that show in which you got to pay $95 now for standing room? Hugh Jackman. Our number is 1-800-848-9222 because trivia is part of what we do here on the Curtis Sliwa Show to the Break of Dawn. Because unlike what Frank Morano says, trivia stimulates conversation. Could I have a little bit more of Les Mis? Broadway Bill Lee. Uh, yes! To the barricades! Uh, oh. Yes, yes, yes. And I remember in the movie, towards the end, when Hugh Jackman is in that room with all those flying nuns. Remember the French nuns with the yellow, the white habits? Almost made me cry. Almost made me, almost, almost, not quite. But, oh, Russell Crowe was so vile, so despicable. So if I had to um, sort of compare the musical they miss to the January 6th hearings that are now being shown on television at night, I would say that the Broadway crowd that is very liberal, very progressive, probably has Liz Cheney as the modern-day Jean Valjean, the victim of a purge. And Donald Trump, they would probably cast him as Russell Crowe, Javert. Come here, my little pretty Liz Cheney. You won't get reelected. You'll lose the primary if I have to spend my entire life in Wyoming. Oh, what? 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 Oh. It's from a boy at the barricade, sir, in the rude roulette. It's Liz Cheney. Hmm. Give me that letter here, my boy. He said to give it to Cosette. Yes. You have my word that my daughter will know what this letter contains. Tell the young man she will read it tomorrow. And here's for your pains. Somehow I didn't get the impression they were the proud boys at the barricades, right? No, 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 no. The Oath Keepers, no, 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 no. The idealistic French youth. You remember, ladies and gentlemen? Did you see it on Broadway? Did you see the movie with Hugh Jackman and Russell Crowe? Did it almost make you cry like it almost made me cry? And uh, from shrink, shrinkflation, I wouldn't have had enough Kleenex tissues to cry because less, less tissues than they used to be. Oh, this is so good. Oh, please, please. Oh, yes! To the barricades! Oh, it's so good. Yeah, you know, I, I normally hate Broadway. I love Les Mis, I have to admit. You know, you could do a commercial with me outside. Eh? Oh, I love Les Mis. It made me cry. Curtis, you're a macho, maniacal guy. No, but it almost made me cry, you Jackman. And the evil one, Russell Crowe. Ah. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's one 800 848 WABC, before we get to some of the comments that were made opening night of the January 6th committee, I think we could call it a stack deck. <laughs> I think so. No Jim Jordan there without his jacket roided up with rage. 
Upon these stones we will build our barricade. In the heart of the city we this claim as each man to his duty and don't be afraid. Wait, I will need a report on the strength of the foe. I can find out the truth. I know their ways. Oh. What their wars oh, of my time. So good. Oh. Of my youth. Yes, now my you will fight. fight. And so they might. To the Fleets will fight. They will do what is right. This is what we're going to have to opt for in our war against Frank Morano and his cronies, Matt, Alex, and of course, Felipe, who is the serpent, the snake amongst us. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800. Oh, Liz Cheney, what is she? What did she say? It's from a boy at the barricade, sir, in the Rue de Valette. Uh-huh. Give me that letter here, my boy. Mm. He said to give it to Cosette. Oh. You have my word that my daughter will know what this letter contains. Of course. Tell the young man she will read it tomorrow. And here's for your pains. Oh, this is so good. Go careful now. Uh, Stay out of sight. I will. There's danger in the streets tonight. I won't let Gotti get me again. No, no, no. Let me set up. To the barricades! To the barricades! Build our fortifications, Avery, and Broadway Billy, the siege is on. Frank Morano does not have his fingerprints on this, but he is allowing his minions to do the dirty work. Matt. Alex. And Felipe! Here upon these stones we will build our barricade. In the heart of the city we claim as our own. Each man to his duty and don't be afraid. Wait, I will need a report on the strength of the foe. I can find out the truth. Yes. I know their ways. Yes. What their wars served mm. my time. In the days oh. of my youth. Yes. Now the people will fight. And so they might. To the barricades! They will do what is right. So good, so good. Les Miserables. I know many of you have gone to Broadway many times to see Les Mis, or maybe saw the movie as I also did, with Hugh Jackman as Jean Valjean, and Russell Crowe as Javert. I know it's 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Before we play Liz Cheney and the chairman, Benny Thompson, I think we should take a few calls. Don't you think so, Broadway Billy? There are many, many callers who have been waiting patiently on the line as we have a Broadway interlude. Stay out of sight. There's danger in the streets tonight. That's New York City. Danger in the streets. They're spot on. While the swagger man is at Club Zero Bond. You have entered my soul and soon you will be gone. Can it be only a day since we met and the world was reborn? Yes. If I should fall in the battle to come, let Uh. this be my goodbye. Now that I know that you... Love me as well. It is harder to die. Uh, I pray that God will bring me home to be with you. 
pray for your Marius. He prays for you. How good is that? Enough, enough. I'm just about ready to cry. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, enough of Lamies. Although I believe we'll have to discuss this exponentially tomorrow, 24 hours from now. The Tulsi Gabbard is in New York City. Came back from Hawaii with Frank Morano. As you know, he has tried, tried, tried to get an interview with. Uh, his Joan of Arc, we can call her his Joan of Arc. They both uh, support, relatively so, Putin versus uh, Zelensky. They share a lot of the same politics. He has encouraged her to run as a third-party candidate for the presidency. You've all heard that. But I know Tulsi Gabbard is uh, in New York City. And who knows? Maybe that's why Frank Morano's wife, the lovely Rachel, has decided, wait a second, I'm going to have to entice Frank from that vixen. So upon his uh, arrival at Staten Island, where he had the bouncing uh, 36-pound carmine on his knee, Rachel had a new cheese-scented nail polish with Velveeta. And you know how Frank swoons from the smell of fromage from France. This from Wisconsin. That's a low-budget nail polish. But, hey, what the hell? Inflation. What the hell? How Frank and uh, Rachel are going to be able to afford anything more. Can you imagine a scented nail polish with Velveeta? Now, to most other guys, it would turn him off. To Frank, he's like, his libido is going out of control. He's like, Bob Dole was on Viagra. We can't discuss that now. 24 hours from now, I've got to find out where Tulsi Gabbard is staying and why she has followed Frank Morano back from Oahu and Kauai, her native islands. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Michael in Pennsylvania. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Michael. Hey, Curtis. Uh, I got a little info from you. Um, when Frank was talking about John Hinckley, it went on for a long, long time. And and the most disturbing thing I learned that time is that after shooting Reagan, and he shot Brady, and he even shot a Secret Service, no one shot him back, but they put him in a mental institution with a psychiatrist for 30-some years. And now he's out, and he's released as a complete—he could do anything he wants. He's completely free, and he's doing a show somewhere in the city. And, and I was just, like, livid. I wanted to talk to him about it. So I waited 57 minutes well, he kicked the can down the street, kicked the topic away. Then he went into some other crap, you know, about the mob and this and that. 
So he just really, it really ticked me off because he's just changed the subject. I really wanted to find out why. Well, 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 look, he's absolutely correct. I, I applaud Frank for bringing that to everybody's attention. John Hinckley will be performing in July. It's already sold out. Uh, Crazy. I, yeah, I believe it's in Park Slope. It's a um, uh, showcase for him. Uh, he's uh, performing by himself, playing the guitar, singing his songs. His songs have been uploaded to YouTube. He's now been invited to other cities where they promise him a packed house. Imagine, here's a guy who almost killed our president, uh, destroyed uh, his uh, press secretary's life, Brady, who was uh, uh, almost in a vegetable state. And he's walking around footloose and fancy free, and people are wanting to pay money to go see him in concert. That's crazy. And next thing you'll know, Somebody will want to copy what he did. There'll be some copycat in the audience. They better get a picture of everybody that goes in there to that show. Well, you, you know the nutcases are going to come out of woodwork. Look, to see. look, you had the one nutcase that was arrested who came all the way from Los Angeles uh, to assassinate uh, United States Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh outside of his house. That's right. Uh, he was prepared to execute him. Uh, and, uh, you know, these things, they go in cycles. Remember, at times we go through a period of time, there's no assassinations. And then there's a period of time where there are multiple assassinations, like we went through in the 60s when it was Bobby Kennedy and then Martin Luther King Jr. And then even George Wallace, uh, Arthur Bremer shot him like six times. It might have killed a normal person, but... Uh, uh, for George Wallace, who was running for the presidency at that time in that strip mall in Maryland, uh, he was relegated. He was uh, relegated to a wheelchair the rest of his life. He was paralyzed. But remember, that happened back-to-back, belly-to-belly, and then all of a sudden, Unreal. nothing, nothing. No, then Kennedy got killed, yes. John Kennedy. Yes, that, that was yeah. the first. You're absolutely right. Thanks for yeah. uh, thanks for reminding me of that. But we yep. we could well be returning to that period of time if we don't make sure that people are safe, secure, and sound from people well, who have their own agenda who want to kill and maybe like Hinckley figure, hey, you know, they'll send me away to a uh, mental uh, hospital because they'll say that I'm not uh, sane enough to go on trial and then I prove that I'm 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 in control of my mental faculties, and then they release me first to my mother, you know, where I was under supervised release. He went, he was in a bowling league on the weekends yeah. with his mother, a real mamaluke, and then they cut him loose completely, as you mentioned, wow. no supervision whatsoever. Oh my God, the guy's got to have all kinds of wacky thoughts in his head. I hope he still has the medicine from the psychiatric institute where they kept him. I think uh, oh what's going to have to happen is, remember, he was trying to impress Jodie Foster at that time, who yeah. was a student at Yale. Uh, I think uh, she, Jodie Foster, tried to help Mel Gibson, remember, in that movie with puppets? Yeah. I think maybe yeah. maybe uh, Mel Gibson could uh, do a duo uh, with uh, John Hinckley, while Hinckley is playing his guitar in Brooklyn, Mel Gibson can be the puppeteer. <laughs> can you believe this? Here's Mel Gibson, right, who said very anti-Semitic things and meant them. And then here is Mike Tyson, who raped a woman and did time for it. And Mike Tyson's trying to give Mel Gibson advice. He goes, 
Now, look at me. Every time I get on TV and they ask me about the rape I committed in Indianapolis, I cry. I cry. I get the Kleenex and people go, oh, Mike, he's such an adorable, sensitive, empathetic human being. He goes, Mel, all you got to do is cry. And actually, Mel, nah, I'm not crying. Well, okay. Uh, you, you're not going to get work in Hollywood. Meantime, look at me. I punch people out on an airline. Everybody will look at it and say, oh, that, that's just Mike expressing himself. <laughs> we, we need to be empathetic and sympathetic to the monster that he really is. Angry boy. <laughs> yeah, but here it is, man. He actually had a one-on-one conversation with Mel Gibson. He said, you see, you just got to cry. Throw yourself on the sword. Admit you were wrong. Admit that you were, that at that time you were lost in your life and that you were subject to alcohol and drugs. America loves to forgive you. The world will forgive you. But you got to cry. You got to, uh, like, on, on, on cue, like the actor that you are, the thespian that you are, Mel Gibson, you got to cry on cue. Just rub some lemons underneath your eye before you do the interview. Yeah, I don't think I even see him crying. We were soldiers when he was in Vietnam in that movie. That was a good movie. He yeah, no, oh, he's had some really good movies. I love Mad Max, all the Mad Max movies, because that's what yeah. New York City is going to become soon. Mad Max and the Thunderdome. Let's hope not. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I'm motivated now. Movies. Movies. Goodbye, Michael. Goodbye. You see, this is theater of the mind. I said movies, right? It's, what, the 50th anniversary of Deep Throat, right? Deep Throat. Remember when Deep Throat came out? Oh, my God. People said, oh. Pornography, triple X. People couldn't get enough of it. But I remember a friend of Frank Morano. Oh, yeah, see, this reminds me. The former Colombo mob boss, Thomas, Tommy Schatz Gioli. He was in Diker Heights. He was running down the block with a sort of shotgun about Deep Throat. The Colombo crime family owned the rights to Deep Throat. And they were having a dispute in Diker Heights. So Tommy Gioli goes running down with the sawed-off shotgun, goes up to a house where he thinks the guy is, and he shoots right through the door. You know who's on the other side of that door? A nun. A nun who was visiting from a convent in Pennsylvania, right near the Lady of Chesterhover. The shrine there in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. I say that because I was talking about that earlier tonight when I was at the Pulaski Parade Committee in Middle Village, their annual dinner with uh, my lovely wife, Nancy, who's all Polish, and my son, Antony, my oldest son, Antony, who's um, actually three-quarters Polish because his mother, uh, Mary, was all Polish. And then I'm half Polish, so that makes him three-quarters Polish, right? And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God. His friend of Frank Morano. This guy, the former Colombo mob boss, Thomas Tommy Schatzioli, shot through the door and killed a nun. There is no forgiveness for that, Tommy Tommy Schatz, Gioli, I know you're in the federal joint right now. You sued the federal government because you did a slip and fall. <laughs> uh, the judge said, no dice, no dice. Can you imagine there's a special place in hell 
for Tommy, Tommy Schiaccioli, or the Colombo crime family for killing a nun. Also remember, uh, reminds me of our colleague here, Bo Deedle, when he was assigned to East Harlem. And remember, these guys had broken into the convent and they savagely raped this nun. They carved crucifixes into her body. Do you know that those guys are out now? Are you aware of that? You folks know that they're out and about raping repeatedly this nun in East Harlem and then carving crucifixes in to her chest with her rosary beads, with the cross at the end of the rosary beads. And they let these guys out after doing time. The great Bo Deedle brought them to justice, cuffed them. And then what happened? The criminal justice system spit them out and turned them loose. Who, who remembers that story out there? Oh, this is the big Curtis Sleeve of Booby Prize. Who remembers the time? Those two rapists, those two fiends, savagely raped that nun in her convent there in East Harlem, carved the crucifixes into her chest with her own rosary beads, went to jail, and then got released. How quickly we forget. The nun forgave them. Ah, the nuns, they're better, better than me. They forgave. She forgave. The order that she was from, I forget the name of it, they forgave these monsters. Me, I would have lined them up against the wall and I would have said, you have a choice. Cigars, cigarettes, tipperillos. Would you like a handkerchief around your eyes? Because we're going to shoot you right between your eyes. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Right? Old Testament. The nuns, mm, they're out. Does anybody remember that? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. This will be a super spectacular Curtis Sliwa booby prize. If you remember the details of that horror, that shanda, that double disgraziata. But let's not forget it was Bodito who brought them to justice to begin with. And then the criminal justice system failed us in the end. Failed those nuns. They forgave. I will never forgive. And I will never forget. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talk station with the king of New York, Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. The number one song in Moscow, number one with a Kalishnikov bullet. 
When this song gets played on the dance floor, everybody better get up in the air and dance their arse off. Because if you don't, you're not paying tribute to uh, Vladimir Putin. And uh, it's interesting because Vladimir Putin the other day, right, he's supposed to have cancer, brain cancer, inoperable cancer. He's supposed to have what Muhammad Ali suffered from and Yasser Arafat and Janet Reno, uh, which is the the trembling uh, that comes with a um, non-curable disease. By the way, what am I talking about, ladies and gentlemen, in order to earn a Curtis Lee booby prize? What disease did both uh, Muhammad Ali, Yasser Arafat, whose lip uh, used to move like a speed bag, uh, uh, and Janarino? What uh, disease did they have, an incurable disease that ended up taking their lives? That many have said that Vladimir Putin has. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's one 800 848 W.A.B.C. They have said that uh, Vladimir Putin is in a bunker, that he is um, he has all kinds of phobias. He's a um, germ, uh, has a uh, phobia to germs, you know, like Donald Trump used to have when shake hands, like Howard Stern has, like some other people have. They claim that he has a Rasputin type of person who is giving him uh, aid and comfort and advice. That he has regular conversations with uh, the head of the Russian Orthodox Church who is encouraging him to flatten the Ukraine, turn it into a glass highway, even though he is a religious leader in Moscow with direct affiliations with the uh, Ukrainian Orthodox, Serbian Orthodox, Greek Orthodox, Romanian Orthodox, Serbian Orthodox, all the Eastern Orthodox faiths. Wow. They claim all this, right? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. And yet he's taking a licking and just comes back ticking, Vladimir Putin, right? He's puffy. Uh, he's walking and he's like uh, not stable. I mean... Every other day, it's something else about Vladimir Putin. Well, so the other day, Vladimir Putin decided, I'm going to flex. He declared himself to be Peter the Great. Peter the Great Putin. Now, for those of you who are not historians and haven't studied your global history, if I remember correctly, Peter the Great was the Russian uh, totalitarian dictator who... uh, developed uh, Russia into a European power, proclaimed Russia to be an empire. And boy, he was cruel and tyrannical, just like Vladimir Putin. Uh, He died from gangrene, right? And uh, that's about the only thing that Vladimir Putin has not been diagnosed with, gangrene or gout. And you know what you get gout from, uh, Broadway Bill Lee? You get it from eating too much fromage, cheese. Like Frank Morano, who loves the fromage of France. You know, who is that? Uh, uh, the boy wonder there who married his grandmother, Macron. Well, he, he loves to talk to Vladimir Putin, and he gets nowhere with Vladimir Putin. But can you imagine this? Vladimir Putin now imagines himself as the second coming of Peter the Great. And while we're on that subject, Mickey D's, yes. They're back in business in Mother Russia. 
McDonald's reopened this weekend in Moscow. The Russian news agency TASS. Wow, when is the last time you heard TASS? Haven't heard that since uh, Nikita Khrushchev uh, was involved in the Cold War against the United States when JFK was president. And remember, they did the great movie Failsafe about that. But apparently TASS says a restaurant near Moscow's metro station will be the first to open. McDonald's had announced it was shutting off the grill at its restaurants following Russia's invasion of the Ukraine. McDonald's suspended operations at all 850 locations. And I'll tell you, the one American company that did not cease nor desist selling their products in Mother Russia, the Mars Company, its product, Snickers. Back when I was in uh, Mother Russia at the time of Boris (gasps) Yeltsin, the lush When the oligarchs uh, were raping uh, Russia and taking whatever they could, and uh, they were mindlessly moving on, although, to his credit, Boris Yeltsin, when sitting down with Bill Clinton, uh, half in the bag. By the way, he came to the United States. He stayed at the Blair House right next door to to, um, the White House. And while he was in the Blair House, he was trying to order pizzas at night. And he kept uh, ordering them with that Russian, uh, you know, accent. And they couldn't understand, I think, what was it at that time? Uh, Pizza Hut couldn't understand what he was saying. So he decided that he would go looking for a pizza place at about 2 o'clock in the morning on Pennsylvania Avenue. And he was buck naked in the street with a vodka bottle in his hand. Boris Yeltsin. Bill Clinton was alerted. You know, he was uh, at that moment having a conversation with Monica Lewinsky and relieving himself. When he picked up his drawers, picked up his pants, and immediately ran outside and said, Boris, what the hell are you doing? And Boris said to him, to his interpreter, who would just like Maytag along with him, he's looking for pizza, Bill. He goes, why didn't he just ask the Secret Service? He, he doesn't want the Secret Service with him. What about his own KGB entourage? No. He wants to go out on the town. He wants to find a pizza hut. He wants more vodka. And he wants to go to a strip club. He's heard about pole dancing in D.C. He understands that there are. And then it was a Russian word. I couldn't quite get the um, interpretation of. uh, But black women of enormous physical ability who were able to twist and turn on that pole like nothing any woman in Russia from Siberia to Moscow were able to do. And Boris Yeltsin was in search of that at 2 o'clock in the morning on Pennsylvania Avenue. This guy was in charge with the nuclear football, right? We're worried about Putin? Imagine that lush, that drunk. You imagine a hooker all of a sudden say, oh, could I play with your nuclear football? As long as you play with me first. And so Mickey D's is back in business. Meantime, uh, the addiction the Russians have is to Snickers bars. I've explained this before. When I was in uh, Moscow in 1994, it's a lot different than it is now. You had the kiosks, uh, and they were only selling at that point salted sardines and Polish, uh, Polish soda. It tasted like um, jello. Horrible. Uh, but I ate those salted sardines. And let me tell you, it was uh, 
Boris Yeltsin's revenge, man. I was stuck on that porcelain palace for a while. They had cars going up and down the streets of Moscow with plates from New York on it because they would steal the cars in New York City. They would put them on cargo container ships at the port of Elizabeth, Newark, and they would ship the cars over there with the U.S. American New York City license plates on because you could get more rubles for it. I was considered styling and profiling. It was a mess. And yet, they were giving out free Snickers. They had trucks and trucks with the uh, Snickers wrap on it, giving out free Snickers. So they had a meeting at the Duma. This is their former parliament. And the communists who still exist, although they were the minority party, uh, petitioned Boris Yeltsin because they said this is part of the CIA's attempt to take over Russia by getting all the Russians addicted to Snickers. And when you turned on Russian TV then, which I did, all they had was Snicker commercials, morning, noon, and night. Snickers, Snickers, Snickers. And they're giving free Snickers bars, and the Russians are getting addicted. Somebody would come up, hey, I got some good stuff from Afghanistan, man. I got the spike, man. I'll shoot you up right here. I don't want none of that. I want Snickers bars. They actually had a debate on the floor of the Duma. Was the CIA brainwashing Russians and Americanizing them because of their addiction to Snickers bars? Yes. And they're still doing buffo business there. Does anybody ask the Mars Company? I think their headquarters is in New Jersey. How come you're still selling Snickers in Russia? Nobody bothers us. It's just like with the uh, Rangers and Tampa Lightning, right? They're going into game seven. Not good for the Rangers. Not good. No, actually, game six, I believe. Game six, that's right. They lost the last game, game five, Madison Square Garden. But Igor, the goalie of the Rangers, number eight, he's a Russian. And the goalie for the reigning Stanley Cup champions two years in a row, number 88 for Tampa, is a Russian. They were both partners on the Russian national team and shared the Nets uh, doing goalie duty. You know, uh, Igor, number eight, would do it like uh, half the game, and then uh, the guy for Tampa Lightning, number 88, would do it the other half. Not one reporter has asked them, what do you think of Putin? Not one reporter has gone into the locker room. What's your opinion of Putin? Do you think what he did was right to invade the Ukraine? Well, we know if they pledged support to Putin, they would be on the bench, right? The NHL would probably exile them. If they said, oh, no, 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 I support Zelensky and the freedom fighters of the Ukraine, uh, if they have any family back in uh, Russia from Moscow to Siberia, they'd probably be in the gulag. If they had any wealth back in Russia, gone. But no intrepid reporter, either at ESPN or WFAN, will ask him that question. I, Curtis Lee, would have asked that question. And to hell, whatever happens to them, happens to them. I hated goalies anyway when I played at hockey, right? I hated a goalie. Goalies were like, well, what are you doing in the net? That means you can't skate. That's why you're a goalie. You're the worst player on the hockey team. That's why they put you in goal. I should tell that to Anthony Weiner, who plays goalie, right? Over there in the west side there. I should tell him, that's why you were playing goalie. Your team put you in goal because you couldn't skate. The worst hockey players, when you're growing up as kids, end up being goalies. 
just like in soccer, right, which I hate. Fake, phony, fraudulent football. They spell with a U. Go, go, go. Football, football. It's not football. But notice, if, if you can't run and you can't kick and you can't pass with your feet, where do they put you? They put you in goal. When they start them out in these junior soccer leagues and they brainwash them, it's not an American sport. It's never worked here in America. Because once a kid is of age... Then all of a sudden they realize, I'm an American. We don't pay homage to soccer. That's the rest of the world. They call that what? World Cup? We got our World Series. We don't need no freaking World Cup. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Gary in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Gary. Thank you very much, Curtis. And... Uh, Henry Kissinger uh, uh, at Davos in Switzerland uh, got up and at the age of 99, the ripe old age of 99, said that uh, uh, despite everything, we have to uh, reach a peace with the Russians, with Putin, um, uh, sooner rather than later uh, to avoid a nuclear war. What what do you say to uh, uh, Kissinger's... uh, a uh, 99-year-old uh, suddenly becoming a peacenik. Gary, I, I am amazed that you could even understand what that mumbler says. I mean, he goes, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, people say, well, you know, he came from Europe. He was a foreigner. He went to George Washington High School in Washington Heights. See? <laughs> and he can't speak English now. You're right. He's 99. His wife dwarfs him. Remember, his wife is like uh, six feet, and he's a little shorty short. I hate Henry Kissinger. I hate him with a passion. He did in Allende in Argentina. He organized the overthrow of a duly elected government. He was a socialist. Hey, guess what? That's what the people wanted. He was duly elected. And he supported the overthrow of Allende. And let's ask the question out there. Don't answer if you know, Gary. This is the trivia question. Who did the United States, through Kissinger and Nixon, put in charge of Argentina when they sacked Allende, who was in the presidential palace uh, with a gun and a helmet uh, as the fighters were coming down, raining death and destruction on him? He, sh- he was shooting at them until they, whoosh, they just cut him. I mean, cut him to shreds with bullets. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's see. I hate Henry Kissinger. I really do. First of all, he tries to act so elite, so pretentious, so omnipotent. And then he mumbles. Does anybody ever understand what the hell Henry Kissinger says? Come on. Let's be honest. They act like they do because, oh, he's such an intellect. He's so intelligent. He's so worldly, geopolitical. Are you kidding? Henry Kissinger. Israel was under attack. Under attack by the Arab nations that had coalesced. Egypt, Syria, Iraq, Jordan. It was a Pearl Harbor-style attack. Kissinger had not at all tried to get Israel any help. Then he wakes up and realizes, oh, my God. They're going to turn the Israelis into speed bumps and drive them into the sea. And then told Nixon, we got double trouble. Thankfully, Richard Nixon 
just sent cargo plane after cargo plane in with the supplies that the Israelis needed, and they turned back the attack of the tanks of uh, Anwar Sadat at that time, of the Jordanian king, of Halafez Assad, and of Iraq. Oh, it was a unified effort to try to crush Israel. And Henry, the mumbler, stumbler, was asleep at the wheel. And by the way, his wife, she's like a tree. She's like a redwood tree compared to him. Very, very weird. In my view, the movement towards negotiations and uh, negotiations on peace need to begin the next Two months or so. You know who talks like that? George Soros. Oh, yeah. Same way. They pretend to have this heavy accent. Oh, they know, you know, it's sort of like the person who says they don't speak English and then you rob them of their pay, you know, you take like $10 out of their pay envelope. And they know, where's my money? They speak the Queen's English. Before that, they couldn't speak a word of English. Henry Kissinger mumbles and stumbles the same way that George Soros does. Cut from the same cloth. I don't trust Henry Kissinger. Never did. In my view, the movement towards negotiations. You know, that guy needs to eat a little more kefilter fish. He really does. Kefilter fish would do him well. But, you know, he's such a highbrow. He would probably, oh, I don't have kefilter fish. You know, locks, that's it. Just straight locks, straight salmon, sturgeon. Yeah, yeah, caviar from Vladimir Putin. He's a Putinite. 1-800-848-9222. Interesting. I wonder if Henry Kissinger will be at that Jewish meeting that's being held where they've invited uh, DeSantis, governor of Florida, uh, and they've said, no, you're not going to shut us down, gays, lesbians, and transgenders. We you know, we put the invitation out to DeSantis, and we're going to invite him, and we're going to hear what he has to say. Good. Good. This is this America, free speech. They want to block him from talking Sunday. We'll see what happens. Oh, by the way, how did that work out, Eric Adams, with all those... Uh, with all the, uh, the signage that he paid for down in Florida, remember when that uh, bill was passed in Tallahassee, what they call the don't say gay bill? Remember that uh, DeSantis signed into law? Eric Adams uh, claiming that DeSantis and Florida is homophobic uh, launched a billboard campaign that said gays, lesbians, transgenders, come back to New York. We're not homophobes in New York. Come back. Has any of them left? Has any of them come to New York City where they would need a bulletproof body condom? Where homophobia, homophobic attacks have increased twice as many as existed when Bill de Blasio was the mayor? When there's gay pride one weekend from now, I want to see how, hey, how many of you came back from Florida? Nobody. In fact, they had a gathering at Disney World last weekend. It was called Gay Day. They do that every year. And there were a lot of gay and lesbians, uh, many of them who lived in Florida, they come there for the day, and they were asked the question, what do you think of DeSantis? Most of them didn't like DeSantis. They're going to vote for Charlie Chris. DeSantis is up for election. He'll win it.
But Charlie Crist, the perpetual candidate running for governor, first he's a Republican, then a Democrat, then a Republican, then a Democrat. By the way, he uses that man tan out of a can. You know, he's like glows in the dark. He's orange. And he's got a beard. You know, most people say the guy's gay. Well, he could be gay, but he's always got a beard with him. You know, he's like old school. He's not going to beat DeSantis. So the Wall Street Journal did this big story. They interviewed gays and lesbians who were there, gay day in Disney World, right outside Kissimmee in Orange County by Orlando. And gay guy after lesbian gal, transgenders, was saying, no, we're not taking uh, uh, up Eric Adams' invitation to come to New York City. They said, are you crazy? Are you nuts? If lead poisoning doesn't get us there, monkeypox will. They said, no, ixnay on that. We've yet to get an answer on that trivia question. Let's try, hmm, Barbara in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Barbara. Hi, Curtis. I believe the answer is Parkinson's disease. Ah, yes. See? Parkinson's disease, which usually the first signs of it is a lot of shaking, a lot mm-hmm. of shaking. Remember when Muhammad Ali was afflicted by that, he would be shaking nonstop. It affected his ability to speak. Then remember Yasser Arafat, his bottom lip uh, was like a, uh, was like a, uh, uh, actually like the light, uh, light bag in boxing. You know, it would constantly move. And then Janet Reno herself had that problem. Ultimately, it took uh, all three of their lives over time. And the people in the know look and they say, oh, look. Putin, he has Parkinson's disease. How do you know? Well, he's holding on to the table. I said, hey, this guy, according to all these experts, if you notice, Barbara, has had every disease imaginable, brain cancer, blood cancer. You know, he's a, he's a recluse. It's like, and the guy keeps taking a licking and come back ticking. Mm-hmm. He's like, he ain't going nowhere. He's now He's now declared that he's Peter the Great. Now, you think he's in a drug-induced psychosis, Barbara, to think that he's the second coming of Peter the Great? Anything is possible, Curtis. Well, anyway, Barbara, you have won the vaunted Curtis Sliwa Booby Prize. Well, thank you very much. May I tell you what a big kick out I get out of your Italian and Yiddish expressions? Of course. course. I'm completely of Italian descent, and my ex-husband was Jewish, so... I get everything you say, almost. Oh, so your your husband was very wise because I will tell you, having had this experience, when uh, if he had not chosen you, the Gentile, uh, the Shikster, right? The Shikster, right? The Shikster, right? <laughs> and he had married a Jewish wife, he'd be dead by now. Uh, and I always wondered why is it. That Jewish men say we will die before our wives until I was in a long-term relationship with a Jewish woman. What happened? I'm sitting there at the table reading my newspaper, which I do religiously in a hard copy. Every day I start with the Post, the News, Newsday, the Times. And she goes, what are you doing? I say, I'm reading the newspaper. You know, I do talk radio. Why? I said, how else am I going to learn? I don't like the fact that you're spending so much time with your newspapers. I said, what would you like me to do? Learn this stuff through osmosis? Uh, You should be spending more time with me. Pay attention to what I'm saying to you. 
How come you didn't do this and this and this? And I'm telling you, the anger in me was welling up, Barbara. I've been, I've been guilty of anger management problems with men who I have turned into sawdust. But I said, no, can't raise my voice to a woman. So I just walked out the door. And I kept walking and walking and walking. And now you have a lovely wife. Oh, she's the keeper, Nancy. She is a keeper, and I enjoy your program. I've been enjoying your program for several months, and I especially enjoy when uh, Nancy is on oh, on Sundays. That's the best. That's the most highly listened to, Excellent. Uh, responded to, called into of the many hours that I do on the weekends when it's always broadcasting Curtis WABC. Stay on the line, though, Barbara, because in addition to getting the Curtis Lee Booby Prize, Avery, take good care, Barbara. You can hear the Animal Welfare Hour two days from now. It'll be uh, 11 or 12, Sunday going into Monday. And then it's Dominic Carter, the buffer between me and Frank Morano. New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. You know, I think Eric Adams thought that J-Lo, Jenny from the Block, might have been singing the hymn. Hey, Eric, that was Pup Daddy a long time ago. Well, we'll get into that later on. But there she was, J-Lo, the diva of all divas, with the debut of the documentary called Halftime at the Tribeca Film Festival the other night. Uh, And all it was was her diss and dismiss of Shakira that she said had no business being on the stage at the Super Bowl with her. It was only room for one Latina. What the hell is she talking about? Did she realize that Shakira is more of a well-known Latina performer than J-Lo? J-Lo is really more like North America. Okay, a little bit South America, Central America, the Caribbean. But Shakira, that's the bomb. So the whole documentary is Jenny from the Block, who legitimately is the Bronx. She grew up in Castle Hill, went to Preston High School right there in the neck, Drog's neck. Remember, she was that fly girl dancer in I'm Living Color. That's how she broke into show business. 
But let's face it, she's the diva of all divas bitching about Shakira. What is wrong with her? And that's the whole documentary. Not about all her husbands and her home slices and her exes. I mean, that would be a far more interesting documentary. Because I know some of these Gabons, you know, like, oh, Mark Anthony, the snake, the serpent. You know, it's like with the Puerto Ricano Day Parade on Sunday, which I'll be at, which I'm always at. I'll never forget the time that, uh, at that time, Mark Anthony was married to J-Lo. And he was driving the white Chevy as the Grand Marshal of the annual Puerto Rican Day Parade. And it reached in front of the grandstand, which is like 68th Street, 69th Street. And the white Chevy Impala broke down. Now, Mark Antony was dressed all in white, as was Jayla, matching. Well, in typical Puerto Rican form, he didn't want any help. He got underneath the hood of the car. He had some tools in the trunk. He started moving stuff. And the next thing you know, he got down on his back, and he was underneath the undercarriage fixing the car. Now, is that Puerto Rican or what? The only thing missing were the cinder blocks, you know, putting the car up on the cinder blocks and then draining the earl. And he fixed it. And they continued on as Grand Marshal and Grand Marshalette. And then she dropped him like a hot rock, like she has so many of them. But anyway, we'll get into that later on. So she's having an after party. It's the Tribeca Film Festival, right? She's legitimately the Bronx, unlike AOC. Oh, I grew up in Park Jackson. No, you didn't. Tarrytown Heights, very exclusive area of uh, Westchester. You went to Tarrytown High School where your name was Sandy Ocasio, and you were trying to be a valley girl. Three snaps up. Boom, boom, boom. Anyway, let me get back on track. I digress. So it's the after party. The place is packed. Eric Adams had been in Washington earlier that day testifying before the Congressional Committee on Gun Violence in Schools, in which he was railing against it as if, you know, he's the new face of the Democratic Party. Didn't re- didn't let everybody know that his approval rating is down to 29% because he's done absolutely jack daily squat, nothing against violent crime. So he caught a plane, the shuttle, back to LaGuardia was night. And he told his associates and his entourage that he had to go to see J-Lo in the documentary. So he showed up when the documentary was playing, and he wanted to say hello to J-Lo. And you know what happened, Broadway Bill Lee? She did what she does to everybody. She dissed and dismissed him. She's J-Lo. You know, she's the diva of all divas. So he waits around throughout the whole documentary. He goes to the after party. She still won't give him no play. Well, it turns out, according to page six, that he was talking with Paris Hilton, uh, the Jersey Housewives, all of them, until five minutes before the end, he decided he had to go. It was like two o'clock in the morning, and he he passes by J-Lo and her entourage, and she says, oh... Good to see you waited to the end. That was it. She gave him all the 10 seconds, and he was like, oh, I think Jayla loves me. Listen, you know and I know that it's all about the swagger. <laughs> By the way, when was, where was Ben Affleck, the Maytag to J-Lo? 
Apparently, he was trying to call her on his celly while she was on the <laughs> red carpet. You know, while all the paparazzi were popping those photos. She didn't take that celly out. Uh-uh. Lady for you, Ben Affleck. Quack, 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 quack. So, Amaya, right? Amaya spending hours at the Tribeca Film Festival with all the trendoids, freakazoids, jet setters. That's why I said the swagger man has no plan. No plan whatsoever. She wouldn't meet with the mayor, so he got all upset. Doesn't she know who I am? I'm Eric Adams. I'm the mayor. I'm the new face of the Democratic Party. Does she not know soon I'll be on Pennsylvania Avenue? Somebody should have whispered to him, at the rate you're going, pal, you're not going to the White House. You're going to the big house in chains and shackles. What do you mean by that? Curtis knows because he knows where... Everyone's bones are buried, and who buried them? Our number's 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So with Eric Adams' um, approval rating at 29%, that's dismal. I mean, look at Joe Biden, right? He's at 32%. Uh, Kathy uh, Crime Wave Holcomb, she's at 36%. In fact, Joe Biden picked up the phone when he was in Washington and said, Hey, Eric, I see you're in town to testify at the congressional uh, hearing on gun violence. Do me a favor, Eric. Don't call yourself the Biden of Brooklyn anymore. It's bad for me. Bad for me. you imagine that? This was the guy, what, in his first month, once he had taken the oath of office? Oh, we get stuff done. No mayor in the history of mayoral polls has had as low an approval rating as 29%. Not Dinkins in his worst month. Not de Blasio in his worst month. Not a beam who you couldn't see unless he stood on uh, 10 telephone books. And by the way, that was probably Frank's favorite because in the midst of a recession, he told all New Yorkers, look, I slept in from the Ponset. That's right out in the Rockaways where Sid Rosenberg lives now. And I bring in Velveeta cheese sandwiches, two each day. I brown bag it. Everybody should be eating Velveeta cheese sandwiches. And I could just imagine, Frank probably said, oh, God, this is my kind of mayor. He loves fromage. Right now, as you are hearing J-Lo sing this classic, Welcome to the Night, the very amorous. Oh, she's turned out all the stops to try to distract Frank from doing all the nonsense that he does by shooting craps at the Borgata in Atlantic City. His lovely wife, Rachel, in order to lure him, has put on her new cheese-scented nail polish with Velveeta. You know how Frank is. He's wild over cheese and Velveeta. It's better than Viagra. It's good for the libido. What a freak. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So now, because the polls are so bad for Eric Eric Adams, 29% approval rating, they planted a story in the New York Post to say that Eric Adams is part of the New Age movement because he's got all those crystals, you know, uh, what has he got uh, on sort of a bracelet around his left wrist. And apparently, Eric Adams, who likes to be out of town, pretty soon we're going to call him out of town Eric uh, Adams. He wants to go to Santa Fe, New Mexico now. Why? 
Because that's where Oprah Winfrey goes when all of a sudden she lectures the New Age crowd about how they should handle and fondle, fondle, I, 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 I accentuate the word fondle, their healing crystals. And Eric has been told that he must connect with Mother Earth and that he's missing two things out of his healing crystals. He must wear a clear quartz clarity necklace to ward off diseases and illness. Because remember, he got COVID-19. Remember, he had to go into quarantine and he's obviously he leads a healthy lifestyle, but he doesn't have enough protection. And he has to have bloodstone, that dark green with red splatters, the red representing the blood that's been shed in the subways and the streets and the parks and the schools of New York City because he hasn't done anything to stop it. Because it connects you with Mother Earth. And who is Mother Earth, ladies and gentlemen? What actress have I nicknamed Mother Earth? Because she has brought forward so many children to populate this earth. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And clearly, Eric Adams and his administration is doing this to distract and deflect that... So far, when it comes to public safety and crime, he's had a dismal, dismal effect. First off, I need to talk to some of you New Agers right now. I need to find out from you the importance of having a clear quartz clarity necklace. What that means for Eric Adams, because he's hell-bent now on going to Santa Fe, copping a squat with Oprah with all the New Age people there and getting presented to him by Oprah the clear quartz clarity necklace. What does that mean? What does it signify? And also the bloodstone, the dark green with red splatters. Does that connect you with Mother Earth? And what does that mean, ladies and gentlemen? 1-800-848-9222. at 1-800-848-WABC. Ah. Uh, And let me give you some information. As the mayor is celebrating at Club Zero Bond tonight. Although, wait a second. A birdie has told me he left at about 3.05. Mark that down, Avery. He arrived at 1.58 this morning at Club Zero Bond downtown. Where whatever happens in Zero Bond stays in Zero Bond. It's a private club. If you want to uh, find the mayor, you can't find him ever at City Hall. Because he's all over the city. He's like, ping, 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 ricochet rabbit during the day, cutting uh, blue ribbons and really doing nothing of any consequence. But it's at night. If you want to wine and dine in pocket line, Eric Adams, you, you have to pay the club fee, become a member at Club Zero Bond, which is, well, even in inflationary times, that's a lot of ducats, a lot of cheddar, a lot of moolah schmoolah. And speaking of a lot of moolah schmoolah, uh, New York City Mayor Eric Adams and the dysfunctional uh, DSA justice warriors who are the majority now of the city council agreed on a record $101 billion budget. That's more than Bill de Blasio's budget. That's crazy. Out of that $36 billion for the Department of Education, dumbest organization ever, even though they have 120000 less students. Let me break it down to you because I've done the analytics and I've done the deep dive. 
There is a huge problem looming, and nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to deal with it. Uh, de Blasio and the city council already took a billion dollars out of the police budget, didn't put it back. There's only 34,500 cops. We're at a dangerous level. Tonight in Queens, I learned that at the 104th Precinct, they've had five who have retired just in this last week. Not because they wanted to retire and go own a uh, ice cream parlor in Port St. Lucie, New York Mets uh, spring training uh, camp uh, in the east coast of uh, Florida. No, no. They're being recruited by other municipalities, other counties, other village and borough townships, uh, police departments who are coming into New York City and basically saying, wow, New York City for $100,000 trains a cop. It it takes $100,000 to take a uh, brand new cop who you have to vet, you have to train. They go to the police academy in uh, College uh, Point. And then you graduate, it costs $100,000 to us, the taxpayers, to get one police officer graduated out of the police academy in College Point in Queens. So imagine, we're like the preparatory school. So all these police departments wait until a man or a woman has about two years under their belt. This way they have the experience, a little bit of the seasoning. And then they come in and recruit them. And they're doing that all over the country, all throughout Florida. They're coming up here, they're recruitment officers, and they're recruiting police officers here to come down, live there, and be police officers either in their sheriff's department or their police departments. Washington, D.C. has sent up recruitment officers, and actually they set up shop near the police academy in Long, excuse me, in College Point. And they offer not only double the salary, they give you a bonus for housing, for transportation, and they come up and they act like they really want you, and they really do because, boy, that's a hot mess of a city, and they appreciate having experienced cops from the NYPD. Well, they're being cherry-picked all over the place. And Eric Adams says nothing. His police commissioner, not ready for primetime, Sewell says nothing. And, um, I mean, 34,500, that is a really dangerous level. At the 105th precinct, I learned that 50 cops have left in the last two weeks. Not that they've uh, retired, but they've been recruited by other police departments. 50. Now, you start adding them up precinct by precinct. And then probably the worst thing was that this city council that leads so hopelessly to the left, that uh, is part of the DSA and the Justice Warriors, there was a bill in city council they wanted to increase the pension for those experienced cops who would work beyond retirement. So if they would stay and utilize their experience and their learned skills, uh, let's say 25 or 30 or 35 years, they would get more of a pension. And you know who voted against it? The city council. The city council. How crazy is that? And the same city council put aside $100 million for illegal aliens so that they can have daycare for their kids. $100 million. You know how much they put aside for veterans' needs in the city? $2.7 million. And that money will be to keep open. The American Legion posts that are closing. The Veteran of Foreign Wars posts that are closing all over the city. Imagine $100 million for illegal aliens' daycare for their kids and only $2.7 million for veterans' needs? 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is crazy. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But it gets worse. It gets worse. Uh, you can eliminate J-Lo here because uh, the diva wouldn't understand this. You probably heard of the story in St. Albans, Queens. It was the other night, 11 o'clock at night. A 15-year-old girl is in her living room at the dining room table. It's 11 o'clock at night, and she's doing homework. When I first read the story, I said, sheesh, this kid's a brainiac. Can you imagine 11 o'clock at night she's doing homework instead of playing video games? She's doing math homework, 11 o'clock at night. She comes from a Bangladeshi family at a very young age. Uh, they took her from Dhaka, settled in St. Albans. They own their own home, work hard, both the father and mother. And then at approximately 11 o'clock, gangbangers are outside having a gang war. They exchange 20 shots. They had 20 shell casings that the NYPD, which eventually got there, found on the ground. Most of those shots went through the plate glass window of the family house and through the wooden door. One of those bullets went through this young lady's leg. Luckily, she survived. You could imagine the mother was terrified. The father was terrified. The 10-year-old brother was terrified. As a result of that, they are planning to move to get the hell out of St. Albans as soon as they can. In St. Albans, lower middle class, middle class area, Mostly African-American, a lot of Southeast Asians who have moved in, a lot of Haitians who are there. But this kind of violence is off the hook. Family after family is saying, oofa, we've had it. We're out of here. We're moving. We're not going to listen to Curtis Lewa, whose whole campaign to be mayor was improved. Don't move. No, no, no. We're out of here. But it's really interesting what the 15-year-old girl said. She told the press that she felt that Eric Adams' uh, ability to control crime in the city was laughable, was a laughingstock. Now, remember, a few days ago, Eric Adams said, oh, the criminal justice system is a laughingstock. We can't get anything done because of the criminal justice system. She turned the tables on him and said, in our eyes, as a student who goes to Bronx High School of Science, who's on the debate squad, we talk about Eric Adams all the time, and we say... He's a laughingstock. He's doing a terrible job of handling the city's gun violence. And we laugh when we think of all the strange outfits that the mayor wears from time to time instead of going out there and fighting crime. This is a 15-year-old girl. Notice studying the family, the father and the mother, telling her that excellence is achieved through academic achievement, promoting that. A lot of Bangladeshis do that. A lot of Southeast Asians You go to a lot of these public schools now, and even if the Southeast Asians are not the majority, they end up being the valedictorians, winning academic awards. It's like when I was a kid and you would uh, go into Bildersee Junior High School, which my mother took me to to register after I graduated from PS114, and I said to my mother, Francesca, hey, how come all the Arista names on the wall, they're all Jewish kids? What, do they have a special connection with the Jewish teachers? Uh, You know, what do they do? Wink at them, pull their nose, pull their ears? Why are they all Jewish kids? And my mother, my mother said, hey, one yam, start to cheat. Start to cheat, which means shut up. Then we went home, sat at the the, uh, table, kitchen table, and she said, 
You know why these kids uh, have achieved Arista? Because they work a hell of a lot harder academically than you, and especially uh, your knuckle-dragging cousins. Joey G, the Cheech from Howard Beach, Lenny Beans, Beyond Chino, the rest of that rabble. They go out, they hotwire cars, they go for joy rides. Uh, they play, obviously, stoop ball, box ball, stoop ball, Johnny on the pony, ring Alivio, one, two, three, one, two, three. But they don't hit the books. They don't study and they don't do any extra credit reports. So I remember my mother, Francesca, says, hey, why don't you, why don't you see where Ira Breskin or Lee Rosen goes, your classmates? Because I was in the, uh, in the SP class, three-year SP, seven SP, uh, instead of the two-year. That was for uh, the real brainiacs. I'm sure some of you out there were in the SP class. If so, please give me a call. Let me know what it was like for you as it was like for me in the late 60s. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So she said, follow um, Ira Breskin, follow Lee Rosen, see where they're going after school, and stop hanging out with your deadbeat cousins. And I'll never forget that advice was the best advice that my mother ever gave me. So I followed the, uh, what I call the, uh, the lost tribe of Israel. These were all the Jewish kids. On the final bell of the day, a signal at 3 o'clock, they all got together. They all walked over to the library. And I followed them. I went inside, and they introduced me to the blue-haired matron who was the uh, librarian. And they took me into the back room, and the librarian introduced me to the Internet of the Time which was microfilm. I was amazed. Here were all the old newspapers, magazines, periodicals that I could read about for hours and hours and hours. And I, I could see why the Jewish kids were doing so well. They were studying harder, doing the extra credit reports, and really absorbing it. And I realized if I wanted to compete with them because they were kicking my ass academically, I really had to apply myself the way they did go to the library, do the extra credit reports. Finally, uh, about a week or two later, my cousins tracked me down and they say, hey, Curtis, where you been? I say, hey, Joey, Joey G, the Chiefs from Howard Beach, Lenny Beans, Bianchino, I got a fever in my foot. Oh, yeah, it's very contagious. I can't be near any, oh, I don't want to catch that. And none of them, the schmucks and putzes that they were, they never thought to themselves, what the hell is a fever in your foot? What do you put your thermometer through your toes? Because remember back then, if you had a fever, uh, there was the anal thermometer. The only thermometer that worked was you had to bend over the anal thermometer because your mom knew that you could play tricks if you had the thermometer in your mouth. All you had to do is put the thermometer on the the old radiator, and all of a sudden from normal 98.6, you'd have 102 fever, and you could cop a squat and stay home for the day from school. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. You're listening to one of the most iconic stations in the nation. An American original. Talk Radio 77. WABC. At WABCRadio.com. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. You can't compete against that. On 77 Bring WABC. Him up, Bring him up.
You heard that. These degenerate hip-hop monsters, Onyx, old school, telling you they got their guns in the air like they just don't care because it's all about crime, 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 crime. But now you have uh, Eric Adams, the swagger man who has no plan. In fact, if anybody knows of his plan, please give me a call. Let me know. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Because we actually have more crime now than we ever did within the first five months or any of the five months of uh, Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, who now has decided to add insult to injury like a vampire coming out of the grave. He's now going to run in the 10th Congressional District to become a congressman to take his Miley Cyrus wrecking ball to Washington and destroy our country, just like he did the city that we love. But let's face it, Eric Adams has proven to be Bill de Blasio 2.0. In fact, this is his response whenever he is questioned as to why he can't seem to get control of the outrageously growing crime problem in the five boroughs of the city of New York. But here's the uniqueness of this. Y'all trying to define the way y'all do things the way us. We don't do the one, two, three, one, two, three dance. We do the boogaloo. So you trying to say, well, what's this, what's this, what's this? You don't understand. This is not how we operate. You know, this is like a different way. If you're trying to stop someone that's carrying a gun that doesn't have a home to sleep in, don't have anything to eat, living in the shelter, and you start try to go to them and say, well, you know what? I got this philosophical principle that I learned in my theoretical class. Man, people will say, get out of my face. Uh, Madonna Mai, this piece of work, Eric Adams, the swagger man has no plan. By the way, uh, in our final hour... Uh, we will be doing our Belmont Stakes picks. Because I know a lot of you, you sort of lost interest when Red Strike, Lucky Strike, uh, whatever, that hillbilly horse, uh, winner of the Kentucky Derby, remember, came out of nowhere, 80-1 to one long shot, won Churchill Downs, the Kentucky Derby. And then his hillbilly owners from Kentucky decided, nah, he's not going to run in the Preakness, which was uh, two weeks later. Nah, 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 nah. Uh, but he's running in the Belmont Stakes. And you better get your pads and pens ready in that last hour at 5 because I'm going to give you my take on uh, who the winner will be. Also, uh, if you're deciding to play the exotic bets, uh, maybe even a Quinella or picking all five horses or the Daily Double, whatever your choice of exotic bets, get ready with your number two pencil because I'm going to give you my choices for the Belmont Stakes which will be taking late, uh, taking place later today. Uh, and uh, the picks of my competitor, uh, the Dublin Horse Farms. Oh, yeah, they um, they uh, total contrast to my picks, and then naturally we'll take your picks. But I want to just give you a little bit of the crime blotter. This is the um, crime that has just taken place in the subways. There are no cops in the subways. They're not there. The mayor has said to us that he has flooded the subways with cops. And you would think we would be getting results from that flooding of the subways with cops. But when you only have 34,500 total cops, it's like taking um, taking a knife full uh, of uh, Jiffy, Jiffy uh, peanut butter 
and spreading it on one piece of silver cup bread. You don't have enough, so you spread it real thin. It's exactly what's happening with our NYPD. Not only are they reactive, not proactive, because their morale is at an all-time low, uh, this mayor and the police commissioner, Sewell, who's not ready for prime time, uh, sends mixed messages to the men and women in the department. But they don't have enough men and women. It's only 34,500. That's dangerously low. So if all of a sudden you group up a few cops from the streets or the projects, you put them in the subways for two weeks, and then you reassign them to the projects or the streets or the parks, uh, you're going to see the difference. You go from too much saturation to no saturation at all. Let me give you the latest updates. A 63-year-old man was pistol-whipped and robbed as he left a Forest Hill subway station at 8 p.m. at night. Not 4 a.m. in the morning, 8 p.m. at night as he exited the 75th Avenue station in Forest Hills. This was this past Wednesday. Two thugs approached him, sandwiched him in, pulled out a gun, They hit him in the head, pistol-whipped him in the head several times. They grabbed his watch, jewelry, and about a 1000 bucks before fleeing on foot into the station. Now, you would have thought the police in the All Points Bulletin would have given a description of these two thugs. Look, the the over-under point spread is they were probably black. Probably black. It's not even a description of them. As whether they're white, Hispanic, Asian, black, what they were wearing, what their footwear was, what the colors of their clothes was. You know damn well they're wearing a hoodie. Nothing. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Doesn't it just drive you nuts when they're giving you a description of the wanted suspect or suspects and they don't even mention the color of the wanted suspects? Because... 80% 80% of the time, it's going to be black. But, oh, my God, uh, can't say that. How the hell are you going to attract these people down? How are you going to get the help of the general public to track down these enemies of society? That was subway crime number one. Let's go to subway crime number two. A woman was put in a chokehold, stabbed in a subway attack. She was stabbed in a random attack in the lower Manhattan subway stop, which is uh, the Delancey Street, Essex Street station. That's where the J train, which is coming over the Williamsburg Bridge, meets the F train. It's a very busy station. It was 5 o'clock in the morning. The 19-year-old girl was walking down the stairs when she was attacked from behind. The unknown attacker took off topside, and cops are still searching for the man. Uh, Once again... Uh, no uh, all-points bulletin description of who this guy is, making it very difficult to find him. The interesting thing is this is a 19-year-old woman. I got to tell you, women more so than men have abandoned the subways and the buses. Uh, if they have to use transit, they're trying to get a Lyft or an Uber or a yellow cab or a livery cab or black cab, anything but to take the subway or the buses. They're avoiding it. And remember, the majority of the workforce are women. The majority of those who go to restaurants and bars and uh, cater to the nightlife that Eric Adams is constantly promoting are women. Without them, the city is in peril. They're not riding the subways. They're not going to restaurants. 
They're not going to uh, gin mills. They're not going to nightclubs in the numbers that they previously did before the lockdown and pandemic of 2020. The city cannot recover. Only 38% of the office spaces occupied Monday through Fridays. 38%. That means you have 62% that is empty. There are no workers who are coming in, and the majority of that workforce are women. Let's go into the subways again. A strap hanger was stabbed in the face in an unprovoked rush hour attack this past morning, Friday. The 62-year-old man was taking the southbound 7 train around 8.40 in the morning rush hour when an unknown man attacked him, stabbing him in the hand and face with a knife. The attacker, believed to be in a man in his 30s, remains in the wind. No description of this guy Uh, We don't know if he's black, Hispanic, white, Asian, or somewhere in between. Then in the Bronx, you had a a man repeatedly slugged over and over again as a strap hanger in an unprovoked attack before the guy was robbed inside a Bronx subway station. This occurred on Thursday. The 49-year-old victim was sitting on a bench on the southbound number one platform of the Marble Hill 225th Street Station At about 6 a.m. in the morning. Again, that's the time generally people are getting ready to go to work and catching their rush hour uh, trains. Sunday, when the assailant approached and suddenly punched him in the face multiple times, the mugger then snatched the victim's iPhone 13 from his hand. In the back of that iPhone uh, pack was his credit card. He also took about $1,000. Thankfully, in this case, they give a description. Wow, about time. Cops say he has a dark complexion, black hair, and a fully grown beard. He is about 30 years old, 6 foot tall, and 250 pounds. Last seen wearing a white T-shirt with the words, Sports and Glory on the back. White shirts, white shorts, and white sneakers. Incredible. Incredible, ladies and gentlemen. Constant crime in the subways. Nothing being done. Absolutely jack diddly squat. Nothing being done. There are no cops. It was supposed to have a special union once dusk came uh, in which the cops would be hitting the platforms heavily and actually, believe it or not, on the trains itself, the moving cars. There are 6,200 subway cars in service during the rush hours, a.m. and p.m. Almost all the subway cars are in use. Then in the off-peak hours, they eliminate some of them. But the point is, it's like if you have eight or ten cars per train, you need to have a uniformed police officer, man or woman, wearing their hat so they can be clearly identified as an NYPD police officer going up and down those moving cars. If the uh, cars are such, like uh, the number trains, the one train, the two, the three, the four, the five, the seven, the doors open up. You can go from car to car. Uh, Some of the alphabet uh, trains, the doors are locked between cars, so you just jump from car to car as you go station to station. It can be done. It was done years ago. They're not doing it now. They're not doing it now. It is absolutely outrageous that they're not doing it now. And then the mayor has the uh, chutzpah, uh, the hubris, the tenacity, Uh, to parade around his new gun czar. 
The other morning, I noticed uh, the mayor was side by side with his drug czar, a person of no consequence from Brownsville, never, never ran, never would. He was on uh, PX uh, uh, Channel 11, the morning news. Uh, then he joined the mayor live on uh, Fox's Five's Good Day New York. That's the show I used to be on Monday, Wednesdays, and uh, Fridays. Uh, I'm persona non grata now. I don't know why they don't ask me for my opinion. There's nobody who knows more about subways and subway crime, but they don't. But then he was on NPR Morning Edition, the radio show. And finally, along with his uh, gun czar, he was on Coffee Joe and Mika on MSNBC. And it was a dog and pony show trotting out his guns are giving him cover because it has been a very, very controversial appointment. This guy named Mitchell, uh, just to give you an idea, runs a nonprofit 501c3 in East New York called uh, Man Up. Uh, He's been uh, in charge many years. Prior to that, he was upstate New York doing time for manslaughter. And when he got home after doing his uh, manslaughter bid, he got locked up for selling drugs in the streets. So he's done a lot of time upstate. Comes back to East New York. He develops this program, Man Up. It's uh, part of the violence interrupters that exist all over the city. Uh, He gets, at that point, federal funds, state funds, city funds. And a lot of it directed to him by Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor of the Dope from Park Slope. Well, in the course of being uh, named uh, the CEO of Man Up, he hires uh, his son at $60,000 a year, his daughter at $30,000, and his half-brother, I forget how much, but it was all nepotism. Uh, He was asked to file papers, as every uh, 501c3 nonprofit has to do. Look, I do it for the Guardian Angels every year. We've been having to do it since 1979, when I started, we didn't get our nonprofit status from the IRS until 1980. But every year, we have to file with the IRS. And in the state you do business in, which in this case, it's New York for the Guardian Angels, and obviously for Man Up, it's New York. And that means the the government agency that oversees the nonprofit status is the state attorney general's office, Tish James. Now, you know damn well. Every year, they put us uh, under the electron microscope. They put, like, red dye on us. They, they examine us completely, as they should. Because when somebody makes a donation to our nonprofit, the Alliance of Guardian Angels, Inc., as a result, they're able to write that off of their taxes. And the trade-off is that the nonprofit is to spend the money legally uh, and rightfully, but must prove that to the IRS, and to the state attorney general who monitors that. He has not filed papers since 2018. 2018. And the reason he hasn't filed papers, it's a hot mess. Uh, He's got the bookkeeping that Al Slim Shady Sharpton had as uh, head of the National Action Network. Twice Bobby Abrams uh, brought him to trial for cooking the books of the National Action Network. Twice uh, Al Slim Shady Sharpton declared that the receipts that he had collected uh, with the monies that he had received uh, ended up being incinerated because he was the victim of uh, electricity and uh, lightning. (laughs) The only thing he didn't say was Jewish electricity, Jewish lightning. Twice. I'll never forget, he was outside of his Harlem headquarters, which is not far from Marcus Garvey Park, and he uh, had a big uh, picture of Adam Clayton Powell 
uh, that he was, like, crying over. He had boots on. Uh, it was right next to a beauty parlor. And I don't know who torched the joint, but the point was all of his receipts were gone. They were up in smoke. And Bobby Abrams, the attorney general, would not pursue prosecution because, let's face it, Al Slim Shady Sharpton's complexion was his protection. But in this case, come on, the guy was already found to have $15,000 of the um, nonprofit money in his own personal bank account. He was caught by the Department of Investigation. Instead of restricting his use of the money, Bill de Blasio did not take the advice of his own Department of Investigation. He actually increased the amount of money going into Man Up that this guy, uh, Martin, could handle more of millions of dollars. No accountability since 2018. You know damn well he's been cooking the books. He's got to be called in on this. And Tish James should do it, but she's too busy prosecuting Trump, Donald Trump, Trump's kids, any of the Trump enterprises, whatever opportunity she has to go after Donald Trump and his holdings, that's all she does. But it's the highest elected law enforcement official, one of whose responsibilities is to monitor the nonprofits in the state of New York. This is what she should be doing. She's not. And let me tell you what the problem is with these violence interrupters that President Joe Biden is promoting, Vice President Harris. They want to flood even more uh, federal dollars into their coffers. Uh, And I got to tell you, I've worked with violence interrupters in Chicago. That's where it started. They do horribly. Uh, And I'll tell you why. The violence interrupters in D.C., they do horribly. And the violence interrupters here in New York City do horribly. Because they have two standing rules that defy logic. The government is giving them millions of hard-earned tax dollars. They have no accountability, most of them. They will tell you straight up if there is a gun buyback program being organized by a district attorney, like just happened uh, last Saturday in uh, West Brighton in Staten Island, was organized by uh, the uh, district attorney McMahon, who under normal circumstances is an ambulance chaser, but he was doing a good thing. I mean, look, it's not the panacea. It's like uh, taking uh, chicken soup when you have a cold. It can't hurt you, a, a gun buyback. So they were there with the 120th Precinct. Over the course of half a day, 42 guns were brought in, and the recipients, uh, the people who had the guns, received uh, different levels of monies depending on the operable nature of the guns, whether they were single shot, semi-automatic, the whole nine yards. Successful day. The guns are, the new guns are, Martin chose not to attend, and the reason he gave was that Violence interrupters and his organization, Man Up, they don't go to gun buybacks because they don't want to be seen as working with government or the police because they'll lose their street credibility with the thugs and thugettes that they try to pry information from. Secondarily, these violence interrupters, you should know because it's your tax dollars that are being wasted on them, millions, millions, federal level, state level, local level, is they will not snitch out anybody who is wanted for crimes. So if because of their street surveillance or their intel, they come across information that Bobby was responsible for that murder or Janet was responsible for that robbery, they will tell the police commissioner, as they have, the new one, Sewell, and the old one, Dermot Shea, who was nothing but a lapdog for Comrade Bill de Blasio at the time, 
We believe that snitches get stitches and end up in ditches. They will not snitch anybody out. So you say, what? They're not going to snitch anybody out? They're not going to be sharing their intel with the police? They're not going to be participating in gun buybacks? Well, what the hell are we giving them millions of dollars for? A lot of their members uh, are out of prison, former gangbangers. You would think, okay, this is part of the reforming process to get back to assimilate with the population. That does not happen. That does not happen. And this is what Mayor uh, Eric Adams is promoting as a way of getting rid of the guns from the streets, the subways, the parks, and the schools. Doesn't work. We're spending millions. We're fueling organizations that do not want to cooperate with the police, do not want to give them information. And we're putting this gun czar in charge of police like once a week. The police commissioner, the deputy police commissioners, the deputy inspectors in charge of the various precincts have to sit with this guy, Martin, and listen to him spew nonsense about all the things they should be doing. They should be doing. The problem is, what the hell are the violence interrupters doing other than getting paychecks from the government? Our tax dollars. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Up next, oh, we're going to be talking Britney Spears. Elizabeth Taylor, we're going to go the whole nine yards. We're going to compare them husband by husband, home slice by home slice, X by X, because uh, Britney Spears is in more double trouble uh, as a result of her latest marriage. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. And then let's not forget the Belmont Stakes picks that I'll be making in the 5 o'clock hour. But right now, let's go to Jim, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jimmy. Good morning, Curtis. Always a pleasure listening to you. Before I begin get into my little rant here, don't forget uh, the 14th is Flag Day and also the birthday of the U.S. Army. Fly your flags high, everybody. And um, Curtis, let me ask you a question. What has happened to the FBI? Why isn't the FBI the respected agency it used to be? It's almost like they're, they're a wing of the Democratic Party. It's disgusting what's happened to that organization. Well, as you know, when I was growing up, the FBI stood for forever busting Italians. Then uh, after 9-11, it was forever busting Islamists. Uh, And then they became highly political, as we have seen of late. Highly political, sticking their noses where law enforcement should not have been sticking its noses. And they've tainted their reputation. Now, I got to tell you, under J. Edgar Hoover, that guy, oh, my God. He was, the, he was a compulsive gambler, Curtis. He, he he was running bets through the wise guys down in Baltimore. He 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 was he was no bargain. Well, he'd go to the track every day at near Arlington, Virginia, with his boyfriend, who was the number two guy in the FBI, and they'd That's place right. wagers yeah. on the horses. And Frankie Costello, who was the head of organized crime, would fix them. <laughs> They'd always win. Absolutely. They'd always win, and yeah. that's why J. Edgar Hoover, when he was asked. Well, what are you doing about Italian organized crime? He said, that's an aberration. What are you talking about? It doesn't exist. It's like what Mario Faccia Bruta Como said. Oh, Italian organized crime doesn't exist. Uh, they made that up in Hollywood. And it's sort of like, what? That was J. Edgar Hoover. And then he had, oh, he had a uh, black book on everybody. So he knew what everybody was doing personally that had nothing at all to do with white-collar crime, blue-collar crime, no-collar crime, and he used it against people like we saw him with Martin Luther King Jr. 
encouraged him to commit suicide because he wanted to blackmail him. And then he had, uh, and I'll ask this uh, trivia question, who was the source of the information on Martin Luther King Jr. that was in the United States Supreme Court, ladies and gentlemen? Who was the source of the information that was so damaging to Martin Luther King Jr. during his civil rights years before he was assassinated in Memphis, Tennessee? Our number is one 800 Yes, go ahead, Jim. Can I, can I give you a, a Martin Luther King story? April, April 4th, 1968, I get my draft notice. That night, I'm going to the Ranger game. And first time at the New Garden, because they had always been up on 50th and 8th. And I have a young lady with me, and we're going to see the Rangers play. My first time at the New Garden, I was excited, because I know April 23rd, I'm going in the Army. We went to the game. We came out of Madison Square Garden that night, and the city was flipped. Martin Luther King got assassinated. Subways weren't running. I called my father, who was in Brooklyn, Greenpoint. Dad, you got to come get us. And sure enough, him and my brother, his brother, my Uncle Joe, took him like two and a half hours to come from Greenpoint to Madison Square Garden to come and get us. And Linda, the love of my life, make a long story short when I came back from Vietnam she was married and pregnant but that's another story oh we gotta save that boy that's that's a heart stopper it's another side of midnight here's Curtis Lewa Zuni world, the Britney Spears. We're going to delve into uh, Britney's loves and losses, how many marriages, and compare it to Liz Taylor. Side by side, different generation, but a lot of the same craziness and drama that has engulfed Britney Spears, who just recently got married again in a way that... You say to yourself, how could it get any crazier? She's marrying this one guy, and the other guy is, like, bum-rushing the ceremony. Like, when the minister says, does anyone here in the room know of any reason why these two should not be joined in matrimonial bliss? And then the guy bum-rushes in and says, no, no! I loved her since I was just a little one in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Oh, wait, wait, we're going to get to that. But now, a trivia question here, since we're talking... About Britney Spears and comparing her to Liz Taylor, different generations, but a lot of the same nuttiness. What road trip did Michael Jackson, Marlon Brando, and Elizabeth Taylor take? You got that, Avery? I know it sounds weird, bizarre. 
But what road trip did Marlon Brando, Elizabeth Taylor, and Michael Jackson, that's right, MJ, that pedophile on a pedestal, take? And I do not believe that um, Bubbles, the chimp, accompanied them. Our number is 1-800-848-9222 to win your Curtis Lee Booby Prize. Don't ask, don't tell, because we throw nickels around like manhole covers. Again, I'll ask it a third time. This must be the holdover from the Frank Morano audience where they're like, stung God. They're like, oh. By the way, little update on Frank Morano. You know, Tulsi Gabbard is in New York City. That's his political sweetheart. Oh, he so adores Tulsi Gabbard. Well, they, you know, they lean towards Putin against Zelensky in Ukraine. They have a lot of the same uh, political thoughts. Uh, In fact, Frank Morano has promoted... uh, Tulsi Gabbard, uh, suggesting that she should run as a third-party candidate uh, the next time around for president of the United States. Well, she's in town. And uh, I am sure that the lovely Rachel, who has had to wait for him for the week he was away in Kauai and Oahu for his brother Nicholas's marriage. Nicholas spelled the Russian way, not the Italian way. I think Rachel feels like Frank is a little distracted. Not only at the Borgata, shooting dice all the time and losing his uh, shorts, but flirting with the notion. It just maybe, just maybe he can get an exclusive interview with Tulsi Gabbard, who's in New York City now. Question is, where is Frank? Well, we know that Frank... His home with his lovely wife, Rachel, and their baby, 36-pound Carmine. And that he may actually be, uh, he may have the urge to merge. He hasn't had that in a while because, you know, he's a degenerate gambler. Because Rachel has purchased the new cheese-scented nail polish with Velveeta. And you know how Frank goes wild over cheese fromage, especially from France. You imagine this is better than Viagra for Frank. It's Bob Dole would have said, can I trade my Viagra for this new cheese scented nail polish with Velveeta that my wife should be putting on? Ha <laughs> ha. And you get very hot to trot. But our numbers are one 800 848 That's 1-800-848-WABC. Look at this. Look at this. This is a Frank Morano audience. Guarantee you. They're like brain dead. If I was to ask this question, right, as part of that, uh, that scam, you know, 4.30, uh, Monday through Fridays, uh, he's on from 1 to 5. You need to be listening to all 20 hours a week to rat him out. But you could imagine if they asked this question, what... When did uh, Michael Jackson, Marlon Brando, and Liz Taylor go on a road trip? Yeah, a road trip. Nobody, nobody seems to know. This is embarrassing, ladies and gentlemen. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Well, let's talk about Britney Spears here. Because she is off and running now that she no longer has the... Uh, surrogate situation that was inhibiting her from being able to spend her own money making decisions about her own life. That was her father. He is now Ixnay. He's been separated from that as one would cut the umbilical cord. Thank God for that. 
But uh, she just got married to her longtime boyfriend, Sam Escari, who's only 28. She's 40. Sort of reminds me of Macron in France, you know, married to his grandmother. Although Britney Spears, a hell of a lot better looking than Mrs. Macron in France. France, as Frank said. <sighs> now, do we think that Britney Spears, because she's a little bit out there, do we think she signed a prenup with this 28-year-old gigolo? I mean, uh, this guy? You imagine if she didn't sign a prenup? Oh, boy. You know he's just an actor, a wannabe actor. They all, aren't they all? Like, what is your career vocation? Oh, um, I'm an actor. Yeah, where have you been that we could see, you know, other than maybe triple X-rated porno films? But he's, he's going all over Vegas saying, oh, I'm an actor, I'm an actor. Hey. Well, let's look at uh, the first love of her life when she was a little musketeer, remember? That's right, Mickey Mouse and Mickey, Minnie Mouse had lured her into the Mickey Mouse Club, remember? Remember when Britney Spears from Louisiana, up near Baton Rouge, was a musketeer, and Justin Timberlake was a musketeer at that time. No wardrobe malfunctions at that time. With uh, Janet Jackson. No, that was uh, that was the Super Bowl in Houston. I was there in the stands. Nobody saw anything. You had to be watching on TV, and it turned out not to be a wardrobe malfunction. It was done purposefully. But remember when she and Justin Timberlake were part of the Mickey Mouse, uh, what we could call it, a family, Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse? Who are the other characters, uh, Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse? Let's give an easy question for trivia here because, I mean, we're really dealing with some brain-dead people out there. Or maybe they won't go to sleep. How dare you? Nobody goes to sleep on me because we are going to take you to the break of dawn till 6 o'clock and give you my picks for the Belmont Stakes in just a few hours. You're not going to do an Eileen on me from Queens or, as we saw, Juan in Boston, who was originally from Bolivia, who, when we went to the phones, was snoring so hard that they were pulling, pulling the, uh, couldn't believe this, the wallpaper right off the walls. Sleep apnea? Do I hear sleep apnea? There's no excuse for that. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. How many of you were Mouseketeers? How many of you would watch Mickey and Minnie Mouse and sing these songs? Can I hear that song again here? Uh, oh, here it is. M-I-C-K-E-Y. M-O-U-S-E. Right? Remember? Oh, I know some of you are Mouseketeers. Remember Walt Disney? Turned out he was dropping acid. Yeah, you didn't know that, huh? Walt Disney himself, the father of Disneyland and Disney World, and Mickey and Minnie Mouse, who I think he ripped off. I believe he ripped it off from some other creators. And in typical fashion, just like um, well, just like Ray Kroc ripped off the McDonald's idea from the two brothers in California. You know, they act like, oh, no, it's me and me alone. Bull feathers, bull feathers. 
You didn't know that Walt Disney at one time was dropping acid? Huh? Look at some of those characters, right? You had to be in a drug-induced psychosis. Who were some of the Mickey Mouse characters? Name them, and you get a Curtis Sliwa booby prize. Our numbers, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let me take you back to your infant terrible days in front of that 13-inch big screen black and white TV with the Victrola. But uh, Justin Timberlake and uh, Britney Spears, who were musketeers, first met in the early 90s while filming the Mickey Mouse Club. Oh, it was love at first sight. In 2002, the two broke up amid allegations that Britney Spears had cheated on Timberlake with her choreographer. Don't they always cheat with their choreographer like J-Lo, right? This, this schmuck, I mean, this guy was Wade Robeson. Timberlake, now 41, released his hit heartbreak track, Cry Me a River, that same year, hiring a Britney lookalike as the cheating star of the video. How low budget was that, right? Come on, Justin Timberlake. By the way, Justin Timberlake, who lives in Los Angeles, but states that his primary residence is Nashville, Tennessee. Now, why does Justin Timberlake say that his primary residence is Nashville, Tennessee? Let's see if some of the cognoscente out there can figure this one out. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But now, enough with Justin Timberlake and the uh, wardrobe malfunction with Janet Jackson. We've finished with him and Britney Spears. There's the choreographer. They always hook up with their choreographer. I don't know what it is. This guy, this guy, his name is Wade Robeson. Hooked up behind Timberlake's back. Robeson, 39 was featured in HBO's Leaving Neverland documentary about uh, the pedophile on a pedestal, Michael Jackson. Remember the Neverland Ranch with Bubbles and the the rest of those uh, animals and the rides? Well, anyway, this guy, Robeson, accused Michael Jackson of molesting him when he was seven. Yeah, he was uh, Britney Spears' choreographer. And legend has it that Timberlake uncovered the affair when he found a note from Robeson in Spears' dressing room in February of 2002 on the night that the couple was scheduled to appear on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> nasty, nasty. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. And then the next schlub, I mean the next guy, was Jason Alexander. Like Whitney Spears, he was a native of Louisiana, 40 years old, best known for his short-lived marriage to Britney. It lasted only 55 hours. I've had a lot of marriages, none that lasted 55 hours. Hey, one almost 55 days, but uh, 55 hours. And he continues to haunt her. On Thursday, Alexander live-streamed himself on Instagram, getting inside Spears' home in an attempt to crash her wedding to Ashgari and then was apprehended by local police. You see, they were childhood friends who decided to tie the knot in the early hours 
of 2004 at the Little White Wedding Chapel in Vegas by an Elvis Presley impersonator. The marriage was then annulled due to pressure from the pop star's family. I love this annulment, right? Like it never happened. Who is that? Joe Kennedy, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, whatever. The guy who used to promote Hugo Chavez as being a nice guy because he was giving free home heating fuel oil from uh, Sitco. Or was that Chevron? Is it Sitco or Chevron? That's another booby prize there. 1 800 848 That's 1 800 848 WABC. And Joe Kennedy, the, the mercenary, the Hessian, would take Chavez money in order to promote the Chavez brand as being, oh, humanitarian, caring for the indigent and the poor in New England, especially Massachusetts. And yet this guy, right, filed for an annulment after, what, how many kids? Two, three, four, five kids, 18 years of marriage to the same woman. They threw some Kennedy money at the Vatican, and the Vatican said, yeah, it never happened. Then all of a sudden, even the Vatican realized, hey, we can't do this. Guys, you've been married 18 years, same woman, two kids, right? Three, four, five or more. You know the Kennedys. You never really know how many kids they have. So they reneged on that. They reneged the annulment. But not in the case of Britney Spears, who after 55 hours of marriage <laughs> had an annulment. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And there's another here. Oh, boy, I'm going to compare this to Liz Taylor. Kevin Federline. Spears wed Federline, a backup dancer. Don't they always marry backup dancers, too? J-Lo did the same thing. Uh, in September of the same year, her first marriage was an old. Wow, that was a quick turnaround. The pair, who share matching dice tattoos on their wrists, got engaged two months after meeting and surprised loved ones with a top-secret wedding three months after that. I'm going to suggest, please take notes on this, Avery, because sometimes you do a special solid for Frank Morano and his crew by being the phone screener. What do they call that again? The telephone talent coordinator? And suggest that both Frank... And his beloved wife, Rachel, get the same dice tattoos on their wrists. Since Frank is always shooting craps and losing at the Borgata in uh, in uh, Atlanta City. And at the, uh, where does he go to in Vegas? What is that? I think uh, Bellagio? I think, I think he goes there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this, uh, this is unbelievable. 1-800-848-9222. Then there's another one. My God, it's like rabbits out of a hat. Here's uh, Adam Ghalib, who was one of the Hollywood paparazzi who hounded Spears every move until they ended up dating before her conservatorship was put into effect. In 2009, the star's dad, Jamie Spears, filed for a restraining order against Ghalib. The photographer was eventually ordered to stay away from Spears and her family for three years. And she married this guy, won't. Wait, it gets better. Jason Trowick. Spears started dating the Hollywood agent who worked and once represented her in 2009. After they became engaged in 2011, a request was approved for Trowick to be in charge of her conservatorship. Uh-oh. Oh, don't do that. But less than a year later, Trowick resigned from the position on the same day Spears changed talent agencies. 
The next day, the singer's rep announced that the couple had ended their engagement, and TMZ reported it was because Spears wanted more kids. And Trowick said, not with you. Woo, not with you. And then finally, the person that we have spoken about, 28 years old, 12 years, Britney Spears Jr., Sam Ascari. He said it was love at first sight when he met Britney Spears in October of 2016 on the set of the Slumber Party music video. Quote, I was excited that I got to meet one of the biggest artists of all time. The personal trainer. Oh, he's a personal trainer. Yeah, right. Uh, Told Men's Health in July 2018, I had butterflies. But when Ashkari, who was born in Iran, oh, he's Persian, and runs a fitness company, tried to break the ice, he almost ruined his chances with Britney Spears. She said, hi, I'm Britney. And he said, I'm sorry, what's your name again? I try to be funny. I don't think anybody got it. On September 12th of 2021, Spears broke the news on Instagram that Ashgari had proposed to her. The pair said they were expecting their first child in April, only to announce Spears had miscarried in May. I would only hope that she has a prenup. Wow. I thought I had a lot of marriages and a lot of home slices on the side and a lot of exes. Woo! What a roller coaster ride. What? Momentarily, we're going to compare it to Elizabeth Taylor. And has anybody yet figured out what trip did Michael Jackson, Marlon Brando, and Elizabeth Taylor go on together? Let's go, if we can, to uh, Jay in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jay. Didn't they go on the 9-11 road trip? That is correct. And under what circumstances? Uh, I think they were running away from New York, no? That is correct. You're two-thirds of the way there. Why were all three of them in New York City at the same time, Elizabeth Taylor, Marlon Brando, and Michael Jackson? That I do not know. I tell you what, two-thirds is better than a third, right? Uh, Yeah, right on that, Avery. Avery goes thumbs up as Julius Caesar in the Coliseum. What about you, Broadway Billy? You go thumbs up. Yeah, thumbs up. You Again, got... trivia questions aren't great talk topics, you know, because once we learn it, it's kind of over. But it is interesting. I would not have guessed that. Yeah, you wouldn't guess any of these things. Jay, I'm going to do you a solid. You got two-thirds. You missed a third. The reason that they were in town together is that MJ, the pedophile on a pedestal, Michael Jackson, was in concert at Madison Square Garden. And uh, Elizabeth Taylor and Marlon Brando were at the concert watching. Then all of a sudden, uh, 9-11 hit, and uh, they were all like germaphobes. Marlon Brando, Elizabeth uh, Taylor, and Michael Jackson. So they rented a car, and they drove all the way across the country uh, back to where they were most comfortable, Los Angeles, California. Wasn't the city on lockdown that day? Uh, yeah, but you could drive out, you know, a day later. They allowed driving out, not the day of the attack, no, but eventually they loosened up. Well, thank you very much, Chris. Well, no, no, stay on the line. You won a Curtis Lee with booby prize. Uh, Avery, do due diligence. Please take care of Jay here because he got two-thirds of the answer. It's a hell of a lot better than a third. 
Anyway, um, let's go to Frankie calling from Glendale. I wasn't too far away tonight from you, Frankie, in Glendale. I was at the Middle Village Pulaski Parade Committee uh, dinner with my son, Anthony, and my beautiful wife, uh, Nancy. Hey, good morning, Curtis. Listen, I was listening to you this morning. I didn't know if I was listening to uh, Joan Hamburg's show with all this gossip stuff. But anyway, listen, I'm going to go today. I'm going to go over to Sunnyside. That Kiwanis Club got uh, the Flag Day Parade. You're going to be there? No, no. Uh, today I have to be at 116th Street, East Harlem, for the uh, Puerto Rican uh, Day Festival, which is the day before the parade tomorrow. Uh, but that's in Sunnyside, Queens, uh, the Flag Day. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to put my Curtis Lee hat. I want to thank you for your hat. Listen, I'm taking my 76 Firebird over there because they want they want to put flags on cars and stuff like that, anti-cars. So I was going to I'm going to wear your hat. I'm going to give it a second chance. I don't want to wear my Frank Morano hat. OK, because, you know, the red I got a red car. So your red hat matches better than than the Morano hat. I had it on. Had your hat on out in the Hamptons at a car show. I was a judge. And nobody even said nothing about it. I said, oh, everybody's going to bring up Curtis. Nobody said nothing about oh, it. Oh, how do you like I'm that? I'm a little disappointed. I don't want to wear the Murano hat now. All right? So, now, now, hold on a second, uh, Frankie. This, uh, that means the Trendoids, Freakazoids jet set is in the Hamptons, where we can be heard on our sister station, WLIR, the FM station. They, they paid you no mind. No. And I was a judge at that car show. Wow. The, the Hampton Plastic Car Show. Yeah, yeah, but you know how they are in the Hamptons. They're full of themselves. Well, I, I got to be careful on what I say. But no, 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 understood. I mean, but I they're thought not. I, was gonna run into, I thought I was going to run into the boss out there, John Castro Matitis. Oh, I no, no. He, was gonna be he, yeah. he likes bars. Oh, absolutely. He would have been celebrating, dancing. Uh, he would have did the Greek dance and break a few plates there in honor of you uh, wearing the WABC hat. But let me tell you something. Unlike Glendale, Maspeth, uh, and. Uh, Middle Village, where I won the vote against Eric Adams. Those folks, you wear that hat, they know damn well what you what what you what you mean. Absolutely. Hey, before I go, can I give a shout out out to uh, out to Long Island there to my computer teach there, uh, Joey from Ronkonkoma. He's a good dude. Oh, Joey, right direction from Ronkonkoma. Of course yeah. you can. And I remember how many times, Frankie, uh, I didn't want to get stuck in the Michigash of going to Newark International Airport or LaGuardia or the old Idlewild, a.k.a. JFK. So I got on uh, I got on the Long Island Railroad from Penn Station, where we used to broadcast from 17th floor uh, to Penn Plaza. I go out to Ronkonkomo and then uh, take the Jitney out there to MacArthur Airport and uh, I fly Southwest Airlines. Great. I love that airport. Love that airport, Frankie. Yep. No delays, anyway. affordable pricing, Southwest. You go on a Southwest Airline, the steward and stewardesses, they entertain you. You don't feel like you're in the crunch, like at LaGuardia, Idlewild. See, a lot of you say, Idlewild, what's that? The old JFK it was built on a garbage dump. Chill out. All they did was change the name. Or Newark International, which has to be one of the worst airports, uh, along with JFK, uh, in existence, including, that's right, yeah, that's lousy too, LaGuardia. 1-800-848-9222. All night long, this is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. 
Sports Talk Station with the King of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. I know I shouldn't have kept you waiting, but I'm here now. Don't get excited, Avery. I know you love Britney. I know you went out to Vegas when she had that uh, set schedule. I forget which casino. But got to tell you, Avery, if uh, you'd have hooked up with Britney Spears, if you got lucky. Remember when she took that baseball bat, came out into that driveway with like half her hair in her head, the other half gone? Man, that was one hell of drama. What's up with that guy in Glendale was saying, why am I talking gossip here? Why not? Well, what, do you think I'm one-dimensional? You don't think I can gossip like a Yenta? You don't think I can be like Cindy Adams? Huh? Of course I can. And tell me you're not interested in comparing Britney Spears with all of her hubbies, all of her exes, all of her mm, Norduel male friends. To Elizabeth Taylor, huh? By the way, I'm thinking, memory serves me correct, Liz Taylor married about eight times, uh, once, twice to the same guy, pretty sure, eight times, to seven men. I'm going to try to remember them as I go through that litany, because remember, she she established uh, the level. I mean, what? I'm only like, what, halfway there? And then it was Zsa Gabor. Oh, she took the cake. I think she was married nine times, Zsa. She died in 99. Whatever happened to Ava Gabor, her sister, remember, from Green Acres, remember? Anybody find, whatever happened to Ava, Ava Gabor? How many times did she get married? Zsa, nine times. Also to Conrad Hilton, who Liz Taylor got married to the first time when she was only 18. Later on, Zsa Gabor got married to Conrad Hilton, who somehow is responsible for Paris Hilton. You know the rest of that story. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So here it is, Elizabeth Taylor. Drop-dead gorgeous. But weird, right? Like like Liza Minnelli, weird. Like Judy Garland, weird. Well, uh, coming up on, uh, what, what, uh, Gay Pride? What, two weeks, Gay Pride Parade? Oh, if we marched with Judy Garland posters, we'd be the hit of Gay Pride. I don't know what it is about gay guys. I love Judy Garland. Love the Wizard of Oz. Love Judy Garland. Oh, we'll hold that off to Gay Pride. I know uh, you're getting very excited, Broadway Billy, when I mentioned Judy Garland. Look, really, it's of no matter to me what your sexuality is. It's the way you were born. Hey, you are a star at WCBS-FM. You knocked everybody's lights out, went on retirement, shared a bungalow with Warner Wolf down there in Fort Myers, you know, the great sportscaster. I don't care what went on between you and uh, Warner Wolf, but uh, you came back here to bail us out here because Frank Marano was taking all the oxygen, all the board ops, all the phone screeners, all the producers. Thank you. Thank you for coming back. I won't pry into your public life or private life any longer. So, so... Elizabeth Taylor, right out of the box, marries Conrad Hilton at 18, and within a year, divorces. Very similar to me. I married Corinne Drayton. 
One year, we were up in the Bronx. Uh, she was from Brownsville, never ran, never will. She met Jacoby. I met Myers. We went in our own directions. We were married too young. Okay, so let's let's chalk that up to just being too young at 18. Well, I think we can all agree on that. Okay. Her next husband, I think was the English actor Michael Wilding. Yes, Shakespearean actor. Didn't work out. Uh, no. But she had a thing for English actors. You remember coming up, coming up, not only once, but she returned twice. So we'll get to that guy. Then it was Michael Todd, the film producer, who apparently she really loved, but then he died in a plane crash, remember? And she was traumatized. Uh, and Michael Todd's friend at the time muscled in on her, Eddie Fisher. Remember Eddie Fisher with the pipes? Well, a little shorty short, 5'5", five, five from Philly. It was what, at that time, you had uh, Bobby Rydell from Philly. You had Frankie Avalon uh, from Philly. You had Fabian from Philly, and you had Eddie Fisher from Philly. Now, if you looked at Eddie Fisher compared to Fabian, Frankie Avalon, Bobby Rydell, you'd say, hey, Eddie Fisher was the pisher. You know, he look, his face, mm, <sighs> he ended up with Debbie Reynolds. So he's married to Debbie Reynolds, right? And all of a sudden, he's snacking on Liz Taylor. Debbie Reynolds was Liz Taylor's best friend. Then she went head over heels for Eddie Fisher that she agreed to convert to Judaism. Like, remember Sammy Davis Jr. with the uh, fake eye in his head. Man, it is not easy to convert to Judaism. First off, Jews, unlike Christians and Muslims and others, they don't go to convert anybody who's not a Jew. They only try to rescue their lost sheep. But if you actually want to convert to Judaism, they try to convince you. Don't waste your time. Don't knock yourself out. But a lot of people say, oh, I got to convert. My husband or my wife just, they won't have me unless I'm fully Jewish. So she she converted to Judaism. You know, not like uh, Madonna there with the Kabbalah there. What a wingding she is. But Eddie Fisher, let me see. Eddie Fisher was married to Debbie Reynolds, cheated on her with her best friend, Liz Taylor, married her, and then later on in life, married Connie Stevens. What did they see in this guy? Five foot five, Eddie Fisher. Can anybody out there explain this to me? One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Then, uh, like uh, ammonium bleach, Liz Taylor met Richard Burton, another Brit, the Thespian. and oh, oh, they uh, combustible, right? Like ammonium bleach. So. She's Cleopatra. That was her best movie. Anybody uh, remember Liz Taylor and Cleopatra? And it was like, wow. <gasps> mm, now we know why Caesar and Mark Anthony fought over Cleopatra. Drop dead gorgeous. So Richard Burton was playing Mark Anthony. No, no, not the lizard who married J-Lo. You know, the Latin, the heartthrob. Oh, he looks like a lizard. I don't get it. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So it's combustible. She divorces Richard Burton and then comes back to marry him again. Thinking, hey, maybe two times the chump. It wasn't. She divorced him again. And then discovered the uh, Mr. Navy commander or whatever the hell he was, Admiral John Warner of Virginia, who was a U.S. senator. And you know they got married in Botswana. You can't even find Botswana on a map. 
Why the hell did they choose Botswana to get married in? 1-800-848-9222. And that eventually went its separate ways. And then the last guy she married, luckiest guy in the world, Larry Fortensky. Remember Larry Fortensky? He was that construction worker, you know, average, everyday, blue-collar, working-class guy. Uh, 20 years her junior, you know, another Macron situation, you know, where Macron in France married his grandmother. Anyway, they're both in the Betty Ford Clinic drying up because they're both luscious. And they meet each other, and, oh, they fell in love. And Larry Fortensky was the new husband to Liz Taylor. Now you know the rest of the story. But, boy, that she was troubled, Liz Taylor, all through her life. I think in many ways she had a lot in common with Britney Spears. A lot in common. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Annie in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here on WABC. Annie? Good morning, Curtis. Curtis, I have to correct you. I'm sorry to do this, but it wasn't old man Hilton Conrad. It was Nikki Hilton was her first husband. Oh. So wait a second. 1950, January 29th, 1951. Help me with all these Hiltons because, you know, I never liked Hilton hotels to begin with. (laughs) But give me the Hiltons by their uh, legacy. All right. Which was the one that married Liz Taylor? Nikki Hilton. Okay. Who married Jaja? Conrad Hilton. Okay. And, and they had a daughter. I think they had a daughter who passed away. What was her name? Oh, um, oh, I can't think of the name. But, yeah, there was a daughter that she had with Conrad Hilton. And Jaja. who was uh, eventually responsible in their lineage for Paris Hilton, who was hanging out with Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan in Beverly Hills? Well, I think he, she was a great-granddaughter of Conrad, hmm. I think. I think. I don't think she was a granddaughter. I think a great-granddaughter. Yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't follow them. No, no, I understand. But, Anne, the Hilton family strikes me yeah. as a, a bunch of deadbeats. <laughs> I mean, really. Oh, okay. I mean, okay. come on. Any, any, any family that could produce a Paris Hilton. Remember, her claim to fame, like... Uh, uh, Kardashian was doing a sex tape. Yeah, but she's a multimillionaire. She started companies all throughout Europe. No, she's a smart cookie. Aren't they all? Look at the Kardashians, right? Armenians, right? <laughs> they figured yeah, out every angle. Your talent. Well, eh, I don't know. Your talent was. M- Mom's the manager is, is the Barracuda. Yes. Oh, yeah. But they remember, they have their formula. That's why she's with that geek from Staten Island now, Pete Davidson, who has tattoos from the tip of his nose to the tip of his toes. He thinks, oh, wow, it's me. He doesn't understand. She's using and abusing him. She's going to drop him, I'd say, give it a year, like a hot rock. You're right. Absolutely. She's like a viper, Kardashian, a viper, a Venus flytrap. Anyway, I just wanted to say one other thing. You were talking about Britney. Two other famous Mouseketeers, Ryan Gosling and Christina Aguilera. They were both part of that little cabal. Wow, I didn't know that. So Christine Aguilera and who else? Right. Ryan Gosling was wow. the Mouseketeers, part of that little group. Ryan Gosling, Justin Timberlake, Christine Aguilera. Mm-hmm. 
and Britney Spears. I would say probably Britney Spears was the one who stood out the most. Wouldn't you agree? No, I'm a big Ryan Gosling fan. Oh. Turned out to be a really good actor. Ooh. Wow. So you followed them from their Mickey Mouse Clubhouse no, days. No, I don't follow them. No, I'm, I'm far too old to follow them. But I, I just remember that, you know. Did you know, though, and trivia. Did you, did you know, though, Ann, that Walt Disney dropped acid? No. Ah, you learned, you learned something this morning, didn't you? Yep. But anyway, stay on the line, Ann. You have won yourself a vaunted Curtis Lee Will Booby Prize. Now, remember, Avery, uh, don't discard Ann. I know when it gets into the wee hours of the morning, you know what Avery does? He goes for a powder. Goes for a powder. She don't don't forsake. Don't forsake Ann. She was like spot on. She corrected me. She gave me constructive criticism about uh, Conrad Hilton and the other Jadrul. The other deadbeat. The other wasp. Whatever the hell his name was. Our number is one 800 848 Let's go to Jack in Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jack. Hey, Curtis. Oh, by the way. I voted for you, all right, for whatever that's worth. But, damn, things would be a lot better if you were at the helm. But, you know, what are you going to do? Hey, look, people, I, I are, people are walking around now in uh, Middle Village, Glendale, Maspis, uh, Bayside, Whitestone, and College Point. They have these stickers on uh, and buttons that says, don't blame me, I voted for Sliwa. Damn tootin'. Well, I want to say that I used to live in Bentonhurst, and I'll never forget this. I was walking down 18th Avenue. I was going over to, like, um, this Italian bakery to get some Italian ice, like homemade Italian ice. And I was going by one of these um, these one of these uh, party halls, and I just happened to wander in there, and you were there. And I guess it was um, kind of a thing for Rudy Giuliani. And, um, you know, you were, you were pumping up the crowd and everything. And I saw you. I said hello to you. You shook my hand. You were great. Then, probably about, like, two hours later, I'm on the 6th train going uptown, and you're on the train. And I'm like, hey, man, you should be in a limo. Why aren't you in a limo, man? And you're like, well, this is the quickest way to get around town. And then I saw you going downtown on the same train. So that is my experience with Curtis Lee. We've seen you three times in one day. Ah, you see, you scored the trifecta, the Trinity, the Troika, that was a time where um, originally um, in the campaign, uh, Rudy's uh, attempt uh, to dislodge David Dinkins from the mayoralty where he uh, destroyed our city. 2,000 murders a year, 5,000 unsolved shootings. We were the murder capital, the crime capital of America. This was 1992. Rudy had, uh, uh, as his warm-up guy at first... Uh, one of the greatest greatest comedians of all time. One of the greatest comedians of all time. Let's see if anybody out there actually knows who that was. 1-800-848-9222. Hey. Go ahead, Jack. Can I get a booby prize? Yes, of course. Of course. But I would love one. Uh, let me ask you a question. Which great comedian at that time would come out <clears throat> before I did and warm up the audiences? I, you know what? How about this one? Freddie Roman. No. <laughs> Close. Borscht Bell, Borsch Bell comedian. Close. Close. Uh, I don't know, but is that good enough for a booby prize? 
uh, I'm going to give you a solid because, remember, you met me three times in one day. I mean, come on. That's like a pinball in a pinball machine. Annually, gentlemen, I will say. Well, you caught me on a good day then. Uh, So, Jack, stay on the line. Avery, do your magic. Make sure that... uh, we make sure that Jack gets the prize that he earned, the Curtis Leewood WABC baseball cap. Who was the comedian who originally came out to warm up the crowds for Rudy Giuliani for mayor campaign? I replaced him. And why did I replace him? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Listen to this podcast now on the Red Apple Podcast Network. New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Coming up in just a few hours, the running of the Belmont Stakes, third leg of the Triple Crown, uh, in which the hillbilly owners of uh, Red Strike, uh, Lucky Strike, whatever, uh, they got him running mile and a half. He punked out of the Preakness after winning Churchill Downs, the Kentucky Derby first leg uh, as an 81 shot. That's why I have vertigo, saying to myself, what the hell? Why didn't you put him in for the Preakness? We'll give you my picks, and we'll also give you the picks of the competing uh, group uh, that claims that I couldn't be more hopelessly wrong, the Dublin Farms picks. That's coming up. Meantime, oh, by the way, we spoke of uh, Britney Spears, Elizabeth Taylor, that I feel had a lot in common dysfunctionally. Justin Bieber, Biber, whatever, I would have deported him to Canada. He has this disease that has paralyzed part of his face. It's a rare disorder. I kind of feel sorry for the guy now. I wanted to deport him back to Canada. You know, with Captain Kirk who killed his wife. Oh, he claims he did. We all know he did. Oh, that's Frank Morano's favorite, Captain Kirk. He had him on the air one time. Instead of interviewing Captain Kirk, he let him sing songs. Oh, my God, he should have kept it in the shower stall. And not only that, remember Jerry, Jerry Springer. Oh, Frank, sickle fan, Tony and lackey of Jerry Springer. What did he have him do on the air? Sing songs. Oh, the guy was tone deaf. But anyway, Justin Bieber, Biber, whatever, apparently has a syndrome called Ramsey-Hunt syndrome. And it's from a virus that attacks the nerve in his ear and his facial nerves, and it has caused his face to have paralysis. Ooh. See, now, I feel sorry for the guy. His eye is not blinking. He can't smile on one side of his face. His nostril will not move. So there's full paralysis on one side of his face. Ooh. And so he said, look, if you're frustrated by my cancellations of the next show, understand I'm just physically, obviously not capable of doing them. God, I feel like I'm paling myself on this microphone. I really hate it. 
really loathe Justin Bieber, Biber, whatever. I would have deported him to Canada. Oh, there are other people I'd want to deport to Canada, but him first. I renege that now. I rescind that. That order of deportation from yours truly, Curtis Lever, to Justin Bieber, Biber, whatever. Anyway, let's go to Sandy in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sandy. Hi, yeah, Curtis. I think the answer is uh, Jackie Mason. That is correct. You couldn't be more hopelessly right. It was very funny because um, I was there. Uh, Rudy was running second time. He had lost the first time just barely by 47,500 votes to David Dinkins. Four years later, uh, he obviously had the experience. Uh, things in the city got worse, and yet the polls indicated it was neck and neck. So Jackie Mason would warm up the crowd, and then uh, I would support uh, Rudy in any way I could, as would the king of talk radio, Bob Grant. And then all of a sudden, Jackie Mason started dropping uh, Yiddish words that were not favorable towards black people. And he had to take the exit right out the door. And Rudy said to me, Curtis, we're in a bind here. You know, we're, we're attracting big crowds. They're WABC listeners. Would you warm up the crowd? Obviously, when uh, Bob Grant was available, he's the king of talk radio. You know, obviously, I would defer to the king of talk radio, but he was rarely available. And that's how I spent so much time with Rudy the second time around, warming up the crowds, because Jackie Mason couldn't keep himself from calling David Dinkins all kinds of Yiddish words. Okay, so do I win a hat? Of course. Whoa, you're a real snorry. You're like Frank Morano. It's like... Of course you win the hat. Do do I do Thank I? You. That's a compliment. Do I seem to be like a deadbeat here, Sandy? Do I seem like I I wouldn't make sure that you get your Curtis Lee with booby prize? Actually, no, because I actually met you about I say two years ago in Penn Station, and uh, made my husband come over real fast to see how good looking you were. Oh, compliments you will remember? get you. Yes. Oh, now you, wait. A I, I Hold on. You, Hold wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. I think you were getting something like implants or something. You were talking about your mouth. Oh, that's right. That's right. But wait a second. What makes you think? How long ago it was, Sandy? Um, me. Oh, it had to be before the uh, pandemic. Okay. I'd say three, so four years ago. You want me to be a politician and say, oh, yeah, of course I remember you, Sandy, in Penn Station. No, not necessarily. I don't care if you remember or not. What I'm was? What was? You. Well, wait a second. It was help a compliment. Me. I know, I know that, but help me on this. What is unique about you, Sandy, that I would have remembered you out of the? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. What? You're, you're... nothing. Nothing. No uniqueness. Wow. Where, where were you born and raised, Sandy? Uh, I was born and raised in Brooklyn. Okay, which part of Brooklyn? Uh, Ocean Avenue. That's special. What are you talking? You know who else? You had a house on Ocean Avenue? No, it, I don't think there were houses. No, the houses on Ocean Avenue were down by Sheepshead Bay. We're talking more like Prospect Park. Oh, no, no. So that's further up, but further down towards Sheepshead Bay was the head of organized crime, Carlo Gambino, had a a, a house that did, did not look super spectacular. And Cousin Bruce, lives there. That's right. Uh, Cousin Brucey, who allowed me on... Wait, 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 wait. do I get two hats? Well, wait a second. You're negotiating now. You're negotiating now. I just want to mention, because Cousin Brucey's coming up later uh, this evening, 6 to 10, after his protege... Wait, wait, did you go to his show on Thursday? Of course. 
I oh promote. Oh my god! How I, was it? I, oh, outstanding. I know. Was it very crowded? Eighteen thousand plus seating yeah, capacity. Yeah, yeah. Standing room only. Yeah, yeah. And let me tell you something, Sandy. Uh, uh, little Anthony, even though he didn't have the Imperials, oh man, he hit those high notes. Tommy James and the Shandells, the nineteen ten Fruit Gum yeah, Company. Tommy James and the Shandells. He lives in New Jersey. Yeah, no, they were super and. Uh, I tell you, as an MC, nobody's better than Cousin Brucey, uh, except he was upset I wouldn't give him the microphone back. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Well, two guys from Brooklyn. His apart- right. Yeah, my husband was actually at his apartment in uh, Manhattan. Yeah, I don't uh, remember the drink that he was serving. Uh, uh, boy, big memory. Stay on the line, Sandy. Avery, make sure you take care of this Yenta Sandy. Oh, man. You don't want to have a disagreement with Sandy. Imagine her husband. Oh, probably a little nebbishy guy. Yes, Sandy. Yes, you're absolutely right. She wants two hats. Notice she shook me down for an extra hat. And, you know, her husband is going to have to beg for it. What have you done for me today? Uh, You got to go to the store. You got to go to the shul. You got to go. You got to go here. You got to go there. You got to go here. And the poor guy is like. No wonder why Jewish guys die earlier than their wives. I know that from personal experience. I always wondered about that. Why did they say that? And then I was stuck in that situation and I said, God, maybe suicide is the only way out of this. No, I can't do that. But I sure feel like doing that, like maybe jumping in front of a number four train and ending it. Ah, up next, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to make you some mula shmula, some ducats, some cheddar. That's right. My picks for the Belmont Stakes coming up in a few hours. A mile and a half. The big race. Last leg of the Triple Crown. There was Churchill Downs, the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, and now Belmont Stakes right in our backyard. And, oh, Red Strike, Red Stripe, Lucky Strike is back. The Hillbilly Horse. From Kentucky, who won the Kentucky Derby. Hey! Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you're not going to sleep on me. We're going to take it to the break of dawn. And now I'm going to be able to line your pockets with some dollar bills. Cash money rules the world, as you know, Wu-Tang Clan. Coming out of Stapleton and Park Hill and Staten Island, North Shore said, cash money rules the world. But now you have your chance. Belmont Stakes, last... uh, Last leg of the Triple Crown. Really could have been um, outstanding today. There would have been uh, no room whatsoever at Belmont Park if, in fact, the, uh, oh, God, I hate to say it, Rich Strike, the hillbilly horse. I don't know how. I fell down the paddock when he hit the wire. I, I about passed out. I'm so happy. And this is something that, you know, is the reason everybody does this, because we're not supposed to be here. But I knew this horse loved the track, and he'd been training so good all year. 
and thanks to Rick for getting me here. But and Sonny Leon, they know who he is now. Yeah, they know who Sonny Leon is. But let me tell you something. Before Churchill Downs, uh, this horse, Rich Strike, was probably pulling a plow in some field in Ohio. And the guy holding the plow was Sonny Leon, the winning jockey. This guy came out of nowhere, number 21. Last second substitute out of the 20 horses running. It's a scratch at the last second, 19 horses. And somehow, someway, these Kentucky hillbillies get their horse in with Strike, who ends up winning the race 80 to 1. I don't know how I fell down the paddock when he hit the wire. I, I passed out. I'm so happy. This is something that, you know, is the reason everybody does this, because we're not supposed to be here. But I knew this horse loved the track, and he'd been training so good all year. And thanks to Rick for getting me here. But And Sonny Leon, they know who he is now. Yeah, making moonshine in the back, the back stretch uh, of the track. Unbelievable. So they win this. 80 to 1. And yet two weeks later, there's the Preakness, right? You figure, okay, second leg of the Triple Crown. We're going to go for it. We have a, a nobody horse, a plow horse. And can you imagine if we win the Preakness too? Then we're on to the triple leg of the Belmont Stakes. So few horses have won the Triple Crown. So what do the hillbilly owners do? They pull them. They pull Rich Strike, Lucky Strike, whatever you want to call them, and hold them to the Belmont Stakes. So he'll be running in a few hours. So I have no love in my heart for Rich Strike. So let me tell you the way I, 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 I gut-wise, gut I feel it. There's no rain today, so it's not going to be a muddy track. It's not going to be a mudder's delight for those of you who are the cognoscente. You'll know what I'm talking about, a mudder's delight. And what exactly does that mean for a Curtis Lee who booby tries to have a mudder's delight? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But the Belmont Stakes, without a doubt, is the most difficult race to handicap uh, in years. Because there are five horses of the eight that have a shot at winning this uh, mile-and-a-half run. None of all eight entries have run this far of a distance. And only one of the eight is a front runner. So let me give you the picks In fact, I'm so sure of this, ladies and gentlemen. Feel free to take a reverse mortgage. Raid your 401k, which under Biden is already a 201k because of uh, inflation. Uh, Take a payday loan. I know it's not legal in New York, but you can find a payday loan. Just go up to the local Banano or Colombo crime family wire room and, okay, so you owe a big, big. This is a guarantee, slam dunk. You can bet, win, play, show, or the exotic bets. So first will be the Bernie Altacaca Sanders horse named in his honor, We the People. The reason it's going to finish first is it won the Peter Pan by 10 lengths. And this is the only speed horse in the race. If We the People can control the pace, which he should be able to do from the front of the pack, he wins, hands down. Make that um, (laughs) hooves down. Second will be the fifth horse, Creative Minister. Third will be Nest. That's a filly against the boys, and that seldom works. But the filly will have high levels of estrogen and will finish third. 
And then the hillbilly horse. I don't know how I fell down the paddock when he hit the wire. I, I about passed out. I'm so happy. And this is something that, you know, is the reason everybody does this, because we're not supposed to be here. But I knew this horse loved the track, and he'd been training so good all year. And thanks to Rick for getting me here. But And Sonny Leon, they know who he is now. Yeah, they know who he is now. You degenerate hillbillies, you kept him out of the Preakness. You would have, nobody would have been able to get into the Belmont Stakes today, mostly in Nassau County, some in Queens. Because there would have been no parking. People would have been there to see Rich Strike try to win the Triple Crown as the 80-to-1 hillbilly long shot to win the Kentucky Derby. But anyway, it was a great derby for Rich Strike. But let's face it, he had hillbilly luck. He comes from way off the pace. His management team was more lucky than skilled. Just listen to them. And how did they not run him in the Preakness? That has only occurred 11 times in 147 years. And to finish out the Quinella, five choices. The number uh, six horse, Mo Donegal. I guess he's from Ireland somewhere. Uh, he'll finish fifth. So you got the Quinella. You got the exotic bets. You got win place and show. I've given you the whole nine yards. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Momentarily, I'll give you the choices of Dublin Farms picks, which is in uh, immediate contradiction to everything I've told you. Let's first so go to the uh, blazing phones. It's Bernie who's calling from Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bernie. Uh, Curtis, the real name of Michael Codd, who was Elizabeth's husband, Elizabeth Taylor's husband, was Abraham Hirsch Goldbagen. He was the son of an Orthodox rabbi. His family immigrated from Poland. Wow, Bernie, Bernie, hold on a second, Bernie. I thought that Elizabeth Taylor converted to the Jewish faith uh, because of, uh, well, not uh, Bobby Fischer, though. I mean, she was crazy, but she would not have been uh, marrying Bobby Fischer. But the love of her life, Fischer from Philadelphia. The love of her life was Michael Todd, her third husband, he was killed in a plane crash in uh, 1958. No, I disagree with you. I say it's Eddie Fisher. I'm sorry. I, you couldn't be more hopelessly wrong, Bernie. She's trying to weasel out at Curtis Lee with Booby Prize. Yep, yep. Yeah, no, 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 no. He slipped me a Mickey. The hell? She converted for Eddie Fisher. No easy task. She didn't convert for Michael Todd. He's going to tell, oh, Michael Todd, I can trace his lineage to the shtetls in East Europe. Wow. Let's go to Dave in Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Dave. Yeah, go, good morning, Curtis. Hey, good morning. It's Danny. It's not Dave. Oh, excuse me. All right. A mother's delight is a horse that loves to run in the mud. Ah, yes, yes, a mother's delight. Very good, very good. Dave, now, uh, have you uh, reconfigurated your racing form and come up with any uh, winners today in the Belmont Stakes? As of yet, no. Oh, so good. I uh, I offered you my choices, and uh, momentarily, 
I'm going to give you my competition's choices from the Dublin Farms uh, picks. All right. I'll take them into consideration. Oh, very good. Thank you. Thank you. By the way, uh, let's do this uh, gentleman a solid. He's a horseman. Uh, he is... Uh, He's going to consider my choices versus the Dublin Farms picks. Uh, please make sure you get his information. Make sure he gets the Curtis Lewa booby prize, which is that WABC hat with the Curtis Lewa show emblazoned on it. Uh, let's go, if we can, to uh, hmm. Jeff in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jeff. Hey, Curtis. Yeah, yeah, Jeff. I have the uh, answer for the Chavez uh, Gas Company. Oh, that's right. We thought that one slipped out. Is it uh, Citgo or Chevron? Citgo. Yes, yes, yes. Very good, Jeff. You have won a Curtis Lee with Booby Prize. And I, I hated Hugo Chavez so much when he was alive that I appealed. I was on an FM station at night. I was uh, syndicated from WABC, so I had FM stations, I had AM stations, and in Boston, uh, out in the uh, Green Monster, above the Green Monster in Fenway Park, was the big Sitco sign, yep, yep. and I told them they should burn it down, and do you realize within like four days, somebody had burnt it down? <laughs> yep. But, you know, you're just interested in the booby prize, right? Right, Jeff? Yeah, I mentioned, but actually, I got something to say. You're not going to like it, but if you let me say it, it's the truth. Will you? Of course. Whatever's that, on your mind. That guy, Stan, about Michael Todd, her husband, Elizabeth, I didn't know what his real name was. That it was from, you know, uh, Poland or everything. But I had heard the same thing, that she had actually converted to marry him. And, you know, maybe Eddie Fisher came along later. But and she was already Jewish, but she converted. And I guess we could anyone could Google this and find out. But I'm I'm I heard the same thing that she converted to marry Michael Todd. That that guy was right. That was on a few minutes ago. So wait, wait, wait. So let me ask you a question here. Okay, Michael Todd. You didn't know anything about Michael Todd, but everybody knew about Eddie Fisher. First off, he was married to Debbie Reynolds. Debbie Reynolds, right? Meantime best friend of Liz Taylor, and what did Liz Taylor do behind Debbie Reynolds' back but snack on Eddie Fisher, right? That's bad, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I didn't notice at the time because I was too young, but I you know, read about it later. And the Michael Todd thing I knew because I saw this movie years ago when I was a little kid, Around the World in 80 Days or something where they go in a balloon, and I think Michael Todd was one of the guys that made the movie or started it or something, so I, I remembered the name. Oh, so you remember the name. I see. So you're going to match what you think you remember versus what I know. Well, I I would never go against what you know because you're a smart guy. But this I think I know also. And I don't have a computer here right now, but if you could Google it, I'll bet it will say she converted because of Michael Todd. I can't say that for a fact, but I had heard exactly what that guy said. I didn't know about his father being grandfather being a rabbi or any of that other stuff. Oh. So you believe what Bernie from Staten Island, the Altacaca, had to say that somehow he could trace Michael Todd's lineage to the shtetls of uh, Europe, uh, to uh, the Hasidim or the Orthodox, right? I, I, didn't, I didn't know about that. I just knew he was Jewish. By the way, I had another answer, too. You asked about what happened to Eva Gabor, Zsa's sister. Eva, Eva Gabor, correct. I don't remember when it was, but she died young. Much younger than Jaja and before Jaja, even though she was younger. 
But, you know, I remember her from that Green Acres show. That's right. But how much younger could she have been? Uh, Chia Chia Gabor died in 99 after having nine husbands, like a black widow spider. I think, I think, Curtis, she was in the 60s. Again, I don't know. We could Google this, but I think she was in the 60s or something. She what the hell young. is you in Google? What do you, what do you have, stock in Google? No, no, but like when I was a little kid, people would always say, who was better, Bill Russell or Wilt Chamberlain? And I think the consensus answer was like, Wilt Chamberlain was a better athlete, but Bill Russell was a better basketball player. But these kind of things now, you could just Google and get answers instead of arguing forever. Can't you think for yourself, didn't you ever see Bill Russell on the hardwood of the Boston Garden versus Wilt Distill Chamberlain? Didn't you ever see that? I, I missed what you said. Say it again, please. Uh, didn't you ever see the contest that brought Wilt Distill Chamberlain first when he played for the Philadelphia 76ers, then when he played for the Los Angeles Lakers versus Bill Russell uh, could you not make those decisions for yourself? Did you have to freaking Google it? No, nah, they didn't have Google then. But, uh, but uh, you know, I, I remember I when I was a little kid, if you remember, they used to have at Madison Square Garden basketball doubleheaders. Like they would have the Knicks in the second game against people, and in the first game they have two other teams. Yes, yes. You remember a lot when you were a kid. You have a very good memory that goes back. How old were you at that time? Let me see. I was like 10. 10. Hmm. And you went to uh, the new Madison Square Garden at 34th or the old Madison Square Garden at 50th and 8th? No, I never went to. The, uh, no, I never saw the Knicks at the old one. I think I went to the circus at the old one, but I never saw the Knicks there. Ooh. And you got a chance to see two NBA basketball games back to back, belly to belly, like a doubleheader. They used to have those. Yeah, you used to see the Knicks lose. And then who would be in the uh, second uh, second uh, matching? Well, that's why I know about Chamberlain, because the second game, well, actually it was the first game, the Knicks were the second. It was Philly 76ers with Wilt. So, so, and then um, it was funny, because one of my father's friends came there, and he started asking me, like, if I knew the names of these players, what I thought of them. And he gave me all these names, and I made up stuff, because I didn't know of any of The only one I knew of was Wilt Chamberlain. So he could have been asking me, like, people he went to school with, people in his family, and I, and I said things. But the only one I really knew was Wilt, because my father explained how much bigger he was than anybody. That's true. And, in fact, you remember, scored 100 points on one evening. The question is, and this is a booby prize, uh, what city did he do that in where he scored 100 points in one evening and against what team? Hershey, PA, against the Philadelphia, not 76ers, but Warriors, that are now in Golden State. Oh, God, you were so close, and you blew it, Jeff. What? You Wait, blew it. I, this, listen, Curtis, this I know, because the Sixers used to be the Syracuse Nationals. Remember Dolph Shays? And in 63 or so, they moved from Syracuse to Philly. No, and maybe 65. But first, the Warriors, which signed Will Chamberlain, he played at Kansas something, then he went to the Harlem Globetrotters, remember? Very good. And uh, and I'm pretty sure he was signed by the Philly Warriors. And in 1962, when they had that game in Hershey against the Knicks, where he scored 100, and there's no film of it, there were no 76s. They were still the Syracuse Nationals, so it oh. had to be the Warriors. Oh, I see, which eventually transplanted to San Francisco, where he played next to Nate Thurman as the two towers of power, and they weren't even a 500 club, right? 
Well, I don't know, but I, 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 I Why don't you like know? Could, you seem to know everything else. Uh, that was before my time, but I remember about Nate Thurman. I wanted to be like him because I saw a picture of him, and he was so damn muscular. So wait, yeah, let me get this straight. So here we have the San Francisco Warriors at the time playing in the Cow Palace in San Francisco. They had Nate, uh, excuse me, they had Will Chamberlain at center. They had Nate Thurman from Akron, Ohio, who was the forward. And the other forward had just come out of Miami College was uh, Rick Barry, who used to shoot foul shots underhanded. Yep, I played with the Nets. I saw him in the Coliseum, Nassau Coliseum. As did Will Chamberlain shoot foul shots underhanded, except Rick Barry hit like 98% of his foul shots. Yeah, Will was bad foul shooter, if I remember. I don't Hard. I don't remember from firsthand knowledge, but from seeing it. But I do remember when the Knicks won their second championship in 73, Will was on those Lakers. Like, the, like in 72, the Lakers had a record low number of losses, and, and they beat the Knicks in the finals. And then in 73, the Knicks beat the Lakers. And who was it that came off the bench to lead the effort against Will Chamberlain and Elgin Baylor and Jerry West, the dynamic trio which everyone thought would be unstoppable against the Knicks? Who came off the Knicks bench? Yes. In the 70 team, they had Cassie Russell and, um, and uh, Mike Reardon, but then they traded... Um, Cassie Russell. For, oh, they traded Cassie Russell for Jerry Lucas. Remember? That's right. Uh, and what was it that Jerry Lucas did in addition to shooting uh, balls from uh, three-point land? You wouldn't get a three-point uh, shot back then. He would actually shoot it in a uh, almost like a shot put style. What was he best known for? Well, what I know, I, I'm not saying what, what I know is that he he played Ohio State in college with Bobby Knight, and um, he used to memorize. He was with this guy Harry Lorraine, and they would memorize the phone book. He, that is he, correct, and cards and cards. So uh, he was banned from casinos because they would think that was cheating, uh, because the house always has to win. But he could memorize cards, uh, and he was great at that. And he used to. That's what used to keep his mind wired. But he was great. You're on a roll here, Jeff. You're on a roll. Oh, boy, so I get a bunch of prizes. Yeah, well, uh, let's not get too happy. You know, let's not get too happy. This isn't like, you know, Santa Claus where you got the uh, big stocking stocking, uh, over the uh, fireplace and we're going to stuff it with coal and wood. You know, we're going to give you some good prime, uh, courtesy with tchotchke prizes here. I already got the hat. They, I didn't get it in the mail yet, but I wanted it like a week ago. Where I saw I'm going to wear that on the Upper West Side and let people see me wearing your, your hat. But now I want to get a T-shirt. So even when I take the hat out, they could see me with a hat off. They could see wow. me with a Curtis T-shirt. Wow, Jeff. Wow, you really like snoring. You want a T-shirt too, huh? Well, T-shirts are good because I like having a lot of clean clothes. So the more I have, the less I have, often I have to do my laundry. Oh, I see. So you're the kind of guy, you wear something, you throw it on the ground until you got so many new clothes, you just wear them and throw them on the ground, right? And then you do the laundry so you don't wear them dirty. Very good. So let me see in our wardrobe of options here if uh, we can come up with a uh, dirty T-shirt of some type and make sure that you get it. You're going to have to bring it to the laundry first. Well, I'll well tell you what. Give me a clean one, and then when it gets dirty, I'll bring it to the laundry. Well, All right. Well, let me let me contemplate that. Um, let's see. I'm going to ask you one other thing here. 
let's see, they'll clarify here, Jeff. Uh, the New York Knicks, world champions, coach was Red Holzman, remember? Of course. I remember all the things from when I was a kid of wow, sports. Wow, you remember everything as a kid. Okay, before Willis Reed dominated as center, who was the center for the New York Knicks who was traded to the Detroit Pistons for Dave Debuchia? Walt Bellamy. I'll tell you how I know that. Because remember I told you I went to that double-headed game with my father and Will Chamberlain with that. So that time, Walt Bellamy was still on the Knicks. So I remember the name. That must have been right before they made the trade in 68 and get the Busher. That's very good. That's excellent. Yes, Walt, uh, the Bells, Bellamy, uh, traded for Dave DeBuscher. What was special about Dave DeBuscher when he played for the Detroit Pistons? Two things. Ready? One, he was a player coach when he was like 24. And two, he had actually been, at the same time he played basketball, a pitcher for the Chicago White Sox. That's right, a relief pitcher coming out of the bullpen. Oh, I don't know what kind. I just know he's a pitcher. Yeah, yeah. And plus, what did he like to uh, indulge in? That I don't know. I know his best friend was Bill Bradley on the team. That's right. But Dave DeBuscher would drink like a case of beer. After the game in the locker room at Madison Square Garden, a case of freaking beer. I loved the Busher because he was such a great player, and I, and I was very sad when he died of a heart attack. Maybe that was the reason he died relatively young of a heart attack. And that's because you saw him as a kid, right? No, I had nothing to do with it. But remember, he was the GM when they drafted Patrick Ewing, and he picked the thing out of the the, the ball out of the thing. You yeah, know, had, uh, half in the bag he was. He, he picked it. But you're right. And by the way, who were the brothers? who came out of Indiana to play for the New York Knicks before they were the world champions. I know who you're going to say. I don't remember their first names, but the Van Osdales? Very good. Wow. They look like they could have been uh, GQ models, right? Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know what they looked like, but I know one of them used to play for Phoenix. But I didn't start really knowing about basketball until the year the Knicks actually won it, 69-70. you knew that when you were a kid, right? Well, that I knew. I started watching it. Like, if you remember... Willis Reed, I used to copy him. If you remember, Willis Reed, whenever he took a foul shot, he used to take a deep breath. Like, like I'll do it right now. He'd take a deep breath. and then So I used to copy Willis Reed on the, fa- on, on the foul shots. Wow, you had it down. Let me tell you something. And then you had the Van Armsdale brothers who had rotated forward. You had Dave Stallworth who was forward. You had Walt Bellamy who was center. You had Howie Comives who was the guard. What was Howie Comives famous for, Jeff? I I think I think that he got into a fight in college with Larry Brown. That one of them went to Duke and one of them went to, and Larry Brown went to North Carolina. Is that right? Because I don't remember. Also, I think he was Jewish that made him famous too. But he was before my time because by the time I started following the Knicks, they'd already traded him and Bellamy for Dave DeBuscher. I got to tell you, Howie Comives went to Bowling Green. He used to shoot three-point shots before you would get three points. Uh, He would do it from way downtown like Adrian Smith. Do you remember which team Adrian Smith played for? You're not going to believe it. I never heard of Adrian Smith. What? Dantley? Who was side-by-side with Oscar Robinson. uh, Well, him I heard of from Cincinnati. Oh, how could you not? Uh, Lucas played for Cincinnati, Oscar Robinson. 
And then Adrian Smith, who had come out of Kentucky, he also would shoot these moonshots that would have normally nowadays been three points, and all they got back then was two. See, I didn't know about that, but I'll tell you about Cincinnati. They had a guy, Maurice something, that was a great player, and like in 1958, he hit his head on the court, and uh, and he was paralyzed. He died young, about 12 years and later. You, you knew that as a kid, right? Well, I knew it not watching it, but I knew it. And one of the reasons I knew it, if you remember, the year the Knicks won the championship in 70, on ABC, the broadcasters were Chris Schenkel and this guy Jack Twyman. And they say that they, they wrote a book because the Maurice guy, he was a black guy, and Jack Twyman was a white guy. And Jack Twyman really took care of Maurice, whatever his name is, after he got his accident. And so when I heard that, I said, oh, he's the guy that did the broadcast. Now, uh, I'm going to make a recommendation. How old are you, Jeff? You, well, I'll tell you. You want to guess, but I'll tell you. Nah, I'm not into guessing. I'm, I'm close to your age because I know you said I'm 64. Wow, you don't sound it, man. You sound like you're, you're ready for an ESPN gig. <laughs> you no. know Ma- Max Kellerman? You know how he started? No. Max Kellerman, who was bumped by Smith recently. He didn't want him as partner, but he's still on ESPN. Max Kellerman used to do the community uh, channel, uh, the TV station, you know, where they have the community channel, and he would do a sports talk uh, program in which you would have to call up. The guy started with absolute nothing, Max Kellerman, and then look what he blew up to be, an ESPN star. Imagine doing community TV, taking calls from Gavones, by the way. I would say this about Wilt Chamberlain. According to his stats, he had more gals in the sack than Bill Russell. Talk Radio 77 WABC. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Now, let's add to my uh, resume a guy who uh, did the Curtis Lee with Super Sports Spectacular for many years on ESPN. In mid-mornings, following Warner Wolf on Saturdays, I did uh, Yankee Med Talk and then got fired by the boys in Bristol. They told uh, <laughs> the general manager, Tim McCarthy, from uh, Pearl River in Rockland County, you got a lot of kids, don't you, Tim? He said, yeah. You like paying for their tuition and feeding them, yeah. Well, you better fire that Sliwa now. He's making fun of the uh, Major League Baseball Commissioner Phil Selig, 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 uh, who also owned the Milwaukee Brewers at the time. Talks about how he has high water pants that survived the flood, and he's got a bad rug on his head. Doesn't know the difference between a St. Joseph baby aspirin and steroids. I got fired. You didn't think Tim McCarthy was going to lose his job over me. And then I did Yankee Talk on WABC when we carried the Yankees, and I got fired from Yankee Talk. But you see, maybe three times the charm. So how I sparred with that guy who said, oh, when I was young, when I was young, when I was young, I was, hey, I was clicking, right? I got him on that one, Adrian Smith for Cincinnati. From University of Kentucky, Dead Eye Adrian Smith from 35 out. Whoosh. Oscar Robinson would feed him. Oh, man, that was a great team. 
Great. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. We've got to give you the competing choices now claiming that I'm a dollar short and a day late on my picks for the um, Kentucky Derby, uh, for the Preakness, and now for the Belmont Stakes. This comes from Dublin Farms. These are the picks. For the Belmont Stakes, this is the year of the little guy. Lightning strikes twice. As the 30,000-horse Rich Strike wins again. He does it on ability and mindset. (laughs) When he won the Derby and the outrider went to pull him up, he almost bit his head off. He wasn't done running even after he won. Nobody tells. Hmm. Nobody tells. Rich Strike. What to do. This race is a quarter mile longer, and he'll love the distance. For a second, a $15,000 horse named Barber Road would also appreciate the added distance and be a long shot. For third, the favorite, We the People, hangs around. Meantime, let's go to the phones. It's John calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Johnny. Hey, Curtis. uh, where, Where do I go to place bets on a horse? Uh, could you, uh, state that again, John? Uh, where can I go place um, bets on a horse? Well, I'm taking your, your list that you made and, uh, I'm in like the freehold area. So where do I go? Okay. So I'm not as familiar in New Jersey. Look, gambling there is legal. Uh, I know that by the Meadowlands, they have this huge, uh, betting, um, confab. Uh, they have the apps now that you can bet. I'm pretty sure with the apps in New Jersey, FanDuel and the others, you might be able to bet uh, horses. I'm not quite sure. But I think you got a lot of options. And obviously, uh, you know, you could go to Atlantic City, which, I, I mean, that's a long haul for you, right? You're in free haul? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, I have a Monmouth Racetrack right Yeah, here. that's right there. I'm sure they're taking bets uh, on the uh, uh, Belmont Stakes today. How, how good are you at calling horses? Well, I've had pretty good, uh, pretty good uh, picks over the years. I've made people a lot of money. I personally don't bet money. I only bet my life uh, against Gavons and Jadrules and enemies of society. But I like to call the horses because I grew up with my uncles who were degenerate gamblers who would get to racing form early in the morning, try to do the analytics. Uh, and it was my Aunt Lucy who actually outdid my uncles because she would go like the seventh race at Aqueduct. You could get in for free. She would look at the horses as they were going through their walkthrough, their their warm-up, and she would talk to the horses, and the horses would talk back to her. At least that's what she said. My Uncle Jimmy Scavone, who was married to her, said, no, 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 that doesn't work, uh, Lucille. She says, I'm, I'm betting. I'm betting on number seven. Why? Well, he was talking to me. And guess who would win most of the times, John? Oh. <laughs> yeah, my Aunt Lucy would win. My Uncle Jimmy Scavone was a butcher, worked six days a week, would go down to the Atlanta Ave- Atlantic Avenue uh, meat market in downtown Brooklyn. He'd avoid the hookers, of which there were many, but he got caught up with the bookies because he was a degenerate gambler. And then the Bonanno family wanted to bend his leg and stuck him in his pocket because he wouldn't pay the VIG. They, they, they came barging in to the grocery store, the um, 
butcher shop that he had on Avenue K and Rockaway Parkway across from uh, Canarsie High School. And they took him in the back room. My Aunt Lucy was crying. My Uncle Joey uh, Scavone, uh, who was his son, uh, was like in morbid fear. And I was just a little kid, and I saw how they shook him down uh, because uh, he was such a degenerate gambler, he would be borrowing money big time from the Bonanno crime family and just couldn't pay the street points. I, 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 could you, you said we the people was first. I say that again. Uh, who did I pick for first? Yeah, you said it was we the people, right? Yeah, we the people, the Bernie, the Altacaca Sanders horse. Second is creative minister. Third, Ness, the Philly. And fourth, Rich Strike, uh, who... Philly uh, horse. Well, the reason Rich Strike for fourth is... I don't know how. I fell down the paddock when he hit the wire. I, I about passed out. I'm so happy. And this is something that, you know, is the reason everybody does this, because we're not supposed to be here. But I knew this horse loved the track, and he'd been training so good all year. And thanks to Rick for getting me here, but... And Sonny Leon, they know who he is now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, hillbilly uh, owner and uh, trainer. And then uh, Mo Donegal, sounds like an Irish horse, uh, fifth. So uh, that's like the Quinella. I gave you five picks there. Thank you so much. I'll let you know how I do. Now, if you lose, don't bother calling me because I know you're just going to bellyache, moan, and groan. It, it, one thing about gambling, you got to understand this, John. You can't be a sore loser or don't bet. Got it? Yep. Kabish. 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 All right. All these moaners and groaners. Oh, I, I took a word, a bed. I took a reverse mortgage. I took a payday loan. I melted down the 401k that Biden turned into a 201k with the inflation, and now I got nothing. I got Ugats. I got Bupkis. Hey, stop being a sore loser. Don't gamble then. Uh, let's go to, uh, Lauren, who's calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Lauren. Hi, Curtis. I love speaking to you. Uh, I, I wasn't going to call, but I have to. You're so right. Uh, converting to Judaism is not easy. So what happened was after Mike Todd died, and he was in fact Jewish, but she did not convert while she was married to him. None of that. She started studying Judaism she studied for close to a year, and when she married Eddie Fisher, she had converted to Judaism by then. Wow. Gee, I didn't know that. So it wasn't Michael Todd in that, that Michigash story that uh, Bernie from Staten Island was telling me, and then the other guy, uh, the basketball freak, uh, was telling me, you know, the Pete Maravich of our time. Uh, so I was a lot closer than they were. Yeah, yeah. She she converted after the death of Mike Todd and before she married Eddie Fisher. And until the day she died, she remained Jewish. Now, question. Uh, we know that Sammy Davis Jr. converted. Uh, they tried to talk him out of it. You know, it's hard. Really. Did he have to get a bris? <laughs> That's a good question. I, uh, I don't think so. He might, have, he might have been ready 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 to wear Marilyn Monroe also converted. Yeah, yeah, no, I know that. I know uh, that uh, I think Sammy Davis Jr. got hooked up with a Swedish bombshell, if I remember correctly. My Brit. Yes, that's right. That's right. Uh, Incredible. The number of um, entertainers who actually went through the conversion process, which, as you pointed out, is not easy at all. 
Well, you, uh, you 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 pointed it out. So she she had to do quite a bit of studying. Uh, I think uh, nine months to a year before she you know was able to convert. You just it's not as easy as other religions. Now, uh, my uh, two youngest sons uh, were born Jewish. Uh, they've gone through a Hebrew school. They now go to public schools. But I remember when I was arguing with the rabbi in the cantor, because this was the conservative synagogue before they went to a reform synagogue, and they wouldn't let me come up to the beamer. And I said to the rabbi in the cantor, I said, oh, my check is good, right? That doesn't bounce. Oh, that's very good, Curtis. You're always on time for the Hebrew school payments. I said, oh, and I can't go up to the beamer. No, 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 you're a Gentile. You cannot go up to the beamer. And I said to them, uh, so how do I change that? And they said, well, you should convert. If you really want to convert, we can take you through the conversion process. I said to them, Lauren, I'm an A.M.P. Catholic. Ashes on Wednesday, palms on Sunday. You don't see me for a month of Sundays. You think I want to get involved with another religion? <laughs> Sheesh. Yeah, no, they're serious. Oh, they are, but the reform, uh, the reform rabbis say, oh, you can come up to the Beamer. And then when uh, my son Carter recently had his uh, bar, uh, bar mitzvah, uh, I was able to read a few words. I forget, they gave me some piece of paper that said, well, you're the father, you can read some words. I felt like a big macha. There I was uh, on the Beamer, uh, a big macha, I'm reading a few words. I got a brain buster for you. Yes. Uh, in, okay. One is, one is baseball, one is an actor. They both have been in the news lately, both adopted, both very famous. Do you know who they are? Okay, one is an actor, one is in baseball. They were both adopted. Wow. In both adopted, right. Well, Johnny Depp, was he adopted? No, Ray Liotta and Aaron Judge. Oh, that's right. You're right. Ray Liotta was adopted uh, mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. I'm I'm not even going to talk about Aaron Judge. He turned on his fellow Yankee. To me, that's a double U.D. scratch. I don't care if he hits 69 home runs this year. Oh, because of Donaldson? Exactly. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't how, like how, it how ridiculous. First of all, look, ball players are going to have differences with their fellow teammates. But you got to show solidarity unless the guy really did something outrageous. No, he didn't. But there was Aaron Judge. Oh, Donaldson should have never said, hey, Jackie. Hey, Jackie. What the hell is that? <laughs> it's not like calling him a dirty word. Uh, or, no, anything. Right, exactly. Jackie Robinson. He's, you're no Jackie Robinson, of course. This guy, the shortstop for the Chicago White Sox, Anderson. I think Timmy Anderson. He's no, he's no Jackie Robinson. He's no 45. <laughs> 42, 44 St. Karen. See, you almost got me there. You almost got me there, Lord. All right. Well, you take care of yourself and get some sleep. I will. Oh, no, 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 no. Wait a second. Wait a second. Now, tomorrow, in just 24 hours, we're going to talk about this survey that says, uh, this is incredible. I, I, I really disagree with this. They say, the less sleep you have, when you look at people, they appear to be uglier to you. Do you believe that, Lauren? No. Yeah, see, it's specious. It's specious. But this is what Frank Morano has talked about. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, oh, 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 and we're going to give him grief. We gave him a pass over these six hours. In 24 hours, oh, 
Am I going to give it to Frank Morano, who's come back from Hawaii, you know, Oahu, where he was in every tiki bar, face down, in Kauai, chasing Tulsi Gabbard, who was in New York City today? And think about it, ladies and gentlemen. You know he politically loves Tulsi Gabbard. The lady in white wants her to run as an independent candidate for the presidency. I think his wife, Rachel, a little concerned. He was away for about a week. You know how that is. The cat's away, the mice will play. And in order to get him into that urge to merge, because he's such a degenerate gambler, shooting dice, thinking the Borgata, she uh, bought some new cheese-scented nail polish with Velveeta. Because you know how Frank Morano loves fromage, cheese. God, I guess that turns him on. You know, Bob Dole had his Viagra. Frank Morano has his new cheese-scented nail polish with Velveeta that his beautiful wife, Rachel, wears to get him into the, the mood of the urge to merge. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Oh, yeah, in just a few hours at 7, Bo Snurdly, a.k.a. James Golden, who made the most outrageous statement about his musical... Uh, Knowledge that he actually said Earth, Wind, and Fire was a better band, better sounding group on the stage than Sly, Sly and the Family Stone. How ridiculous was that? And he hasn't amended that. That's crazy. If you have a chance, because I've kept you up to the break of dawn here at six, you get the best in the morning show up next of Sid and Bernie, and then James Golden from seven to ten. Man, you got to rip him a new tuchus. Call him up and say, hey. What are you talking about? Sly and the Family Stone on the stage at Woodstock 1969? The only black group there? And kept every one of those half million strong white guys and white girls dancing to the wee hours of the morning. How dare you say Earth, Wind, and Fire is better than Sly and the Family Stone. Anyway, make that phone sing and ring between 7 and 10. But uh, right now, speaking of horse races and horse owners... You know, the Saudis with the uh, fake, phony, fraudulent mustaches and beards and the schmatas on their head. Uh, But when they come here from the sands of Mecca and Medina in Saudi Arabia, they have the knockoff Armani suits, they're chasing skirts, they're doing cocaine, and they're owning horses, thoroughbred horses. And now they're buying up golfers like Phil Mickelson and some of the other PGA pros Because they got that oil money, those dinars, and boy, Phil Mickelson was on the hot sheet, excuse me, hot seat for signing up with the Saudis. Earlier, I I don't condone human rights violations. I I don't know how I can be any more clear. I love this game of golf. I've seen the good that it's done, and I see the opportunity for Live Golf to do a lot of good for the game throughout the world, and I'm excited to be a part of this opportunity. Wow. It got worse because then the reporters started to hammer. Phil, I am a degenerate gambler, Mickelson. Phil, can you just clarify? You've apologized again just now. Can you just clarify what you're apologizing for? 
Is it you're sorry for speaking the truth about the Saudis? Or are you, are you sorry for the shameless hypocrisy of taking their money anyway? I, I understand that many people have very strong opinions and may disagree with my decision. Um, and I can empathize with that. Um, but um, at this time, this is uh, an opportunity that gives me a, a chance to have the most balance uh, in my life uh, going forward, and I think this is going to do a lot of good for the game. Bullfeathers. Scott, you got to pay all your gambling debts. Phil, uh, the lefty, uh, Mickelson, one time was number two only to Tiger Woods on the PGA Tour, uh, are part of the defectors, and they've all been told, you're out of the PGA. You're out on your tuchus earlier today. And we know why Phil Mickelson uh, wanted Saudi money, because he's such a degenerate gambler. He claims that he gambled away about $40 million. You know that's a lie. It's probably more. He just doesn't want the IRS to know. He needs those dinars, which are the equivalent of dollars, in order to pay off all of his gambling debts. Remember John Daly? John Daly from Arkansas, you know, not uh, not far from where uh, Bill Clinton grew up. Boy, both dysfunctional. But John Daly, big man. He could hit a golf ball like 300 yards blindfolded. Sometimes go one arm. This guy was like a great golfer. His problem was... He was dysfunctional in his life. He would eat Big Macs morning, noon, and night, and he would drink beer. Still, he could beat most golfers. That's how good he was. But, boy, he was dysfunctional in so many ways. An Arkansas hillbilly. What a combination. Can you imagine a combination of John Daly and Bill Clinton? Oh, my God. Hide the hide your daughters. Hide the female interns. Ha! <laughs> It's Bill Clinton and John Daly coming through. The Arkansas Ozark boys. Three-eyed cousin fornicators. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my God. Anyway, uh, let's go to Nelson, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Nelson. Good morning, Curtis. I would like to know if you're going to be marching up on Fifth Avenue tomorrow with the Boricuas. Oh, I always do every year. I've been doing so since uh, 1982. It's the only parade at first that would uh, allow us to march. Uh, back then, we were um, we were stereotyped as being gangbangers, hell's angels, vigilantes. And I'll never forget going to the Hunts Point uh, Health uh, uh, Group uh, that Ramon Velez was the chairman of the El Jefe. He was also chairman of the parade. And everybody at that time, Nelson, thought that I was Puerto Rican. They thought my name was Curtis Silva. Vaya, Curtis Silva. So he said in front of his board of directors, Curtis, we'd like to make you the Grand Marshal of the uh, 1983 Puerto Rican Day Parade of Fifth Avenue. I said, I hate to disappoint you, Ramon, but I don't have a a drop of Puerto Rican blood in me. My father was Polish-American. My mother, Italian-American. So he looked at me and said, hey, sure, somewhere in your lineage, uh, just fake it. I said, I can't fake it. There are a lot of great Puerto Ricans who should be that. But, yeah, we've been marching uh, ever since, Nelson, and it's a tribute to the Puerto Rican community that they embraced us early on when others rejected us. Oh, it's awesome seeing you marching up on Fifth Avenue. It's awesome. 
And also, what I always point out, Nelson, is uh, people will be watching it on TV because it's the largest ethnic parade of the many ethnic parades that take place in the city. They're going to see the Puerto Rican flags being waved. And a lot of Americans have no idea, Nelson, that Puerto Ricans are American by birth, whether they're born here uh, or they're born on the Commonwealth, on the island. They are Americans by birth who have died in battle, been injured in battle, have uh, poured their blood, sweat, and tears into this uh, great American country that we have. They're not the guys and gals coming across the border when Title 42 folds uh, uh, that separates Mexico from the United States. Right. Well, I will be seeing you tomorrow, Curtis. Have a great day. Oh, for sure. Oh, and I have special music in 24 hours. Boricua Posse. That's right. Wepa! Although I used to like it when they had the coqui on the Puerto Rican flag, the little frog. You know, one time when I was in... Uh, Levittown, outside of San Juan. Yeah, the same Levittown, uh, built to the same specs as Bill O'Reilly's Levittown in uh, Long Island and the Levittown uh, near uh, Allentown in Pennsylvania. But when I was there, I could have swore I swallowed a coquille, that I had a frog inside of me. Could have swore. Oh, yeah. It was like days and days walking around San Juan, old San Juan. Had this, like, heartburn, you know? I was reaching for the uh, Roger Staubach Rolades. But I could have swore it was a coquille. From time to time, I feel that little coquille right where my goiter is. Although I can't, I really don't know where my goiter is. Ho, ho! <laughs> I'll be back with Anthony Weiner this afternoon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.